Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride shyhards we made it through another season barely barely i'm i've never been more grateful for hiatus in my life Oh my God. No, same, 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 same. So um, you guys know what day it is. It's finale day and it's not just us. You guys know that. So um, I was going to open the pod and say, you know, we survived another finale, but given our special guest and how much we love him, I couldn't really say that. So that's not, not the right choice of words. No, not the right choice of words. Very dear friend of the pod, host <sighs> of everything but the kitchen sink podcast and probably our favorite member of Chicago heaven. Jimmy Nicholas is yes. here. The old you is dead and gone, dead and gone. Oh, I've been driving on this road too long. (laughs) I do not know how to take this much energy. Jesus. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen and people all over, we have met and we are at Molly's. Oh, baby. Only we're not at Molly's. So Brian and I, of course, are stateside. Jimmy's halfway across the world right now. Tell everybody where you are right now. I am in London. I am with the Brits. And they say that, you know, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. And when in London, you do as the Brits do and you talk about Chicago fire in the United States. That's what the people are doing. So I'm here. Um, I have a race this weekend. So I'm uh, racing in Manchester. It is almost midnight here. We are recording into the wee hours of the morning. But I have a lot of London hot takes. I have a lot of I have so many hot takes today and I'm going to be coming in hot and it might be 3 a.m. by the time we're done, but it's going to feel like 10 a.m. And I might go do I might go work out. We're going to see how much this jet lag is. We're going to figure it out. Didn't you just say you just worked out? Oh, I did. But but maybe I'll have more energy to get out, Brian. Don't limit me like that. And I got a race (laughs) on Saturday. Honestly, I'm impressed because I don't I'm not a night person, so I would be dead already. Here's the thing. First of all, when you spend 250 nights at the Sofitel Hotel in Chicago while filming Chicago Fire, you get really good with hotel fitness centers. Okay. So I rock a hotel fitness center. I bring my Bluetooth. I might as well live there. So, you know, it doesn't matter. London, Japan, wherever I am, I'm going to set up at a shop in a hotel fitness center and live my best life. But that's not, it's not about me tonight, ladies. It's about you. It's about the finales of my three favorite shows that I've watched every single episode of Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, and Chicago PD. God bless. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so we're going to start with the first important order of business here. Jimmy, we sent you some mail. Oh, I have it. Oh, I, brought it okay, I brought it with yes. me. I brought it with me. He just like rips it open. Yes, please open. There's Can a I open it? For that. It was number one. I put it in my 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 carry-on bag four days ago. I don't pack ever before the day of, but I refuse to leave without this. You know, I I'm had a feeling it was going to be, I had a feeling it was going to be a shirt of some sorts. Well, wait. My, should I cover it up or should I open it? Well, there there was a card in there. Okay, I'm sorry. There should have been at least. 36! Let me see, we got 37! Okay, here we go. Oh... Happy belated 65th birthday, Jimmy. Thanks for putting up with us. Best friends for life, Gina and Bryna. <gasps> Guys, this is so sweet. Let's see what the shirt is. Wait for it. Yo. <laughs> oh, I am christened the BFF of the pod? Yes. Is it, 
It's I'm christened with holy water. Oh my gosh, I got to put this on. Hold on one second. <laughs> this is on video. Meet us at Molly's. That's my shoulders, dark. though, right? My nipples are covered. Literally, after dark. I had to get on Carver's level this week. You know, I had to get shirtless. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is so sweet. Yay! Look at it. It says BFF, everyone listening. Oh, it's so sweet. I love you both so much. And the truth is you both put up with me. And I think the world of both of you. And I'm so, so, so excited that you've let me tag along tonight. It's going to be so fun. And I'm excited to support you both tonight and be the BFF. Yay. You've always been the BFF. We just had to keep that surprise after you uh, dropped that episode on your pod. You know, it's true. Uh, But, you know, we we have fun. We have fun. We have a lot of fun. Yes. Just be careful if you put it in the dryer because Lauren has a little sister shirt and she learned the hard way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The letters melted off. I love an ombre moment, though. So if I put it in and it gets a little crazy, that's like more my vibe, too. You know, I like that chaos. Okay, that's good. That's good. So, yes, you are officially BFF of the pod. It's official. So uh, we always start with the news. We don't have any news. The only thing I have in the news section is a gif of Leslie Nope, and it says, everything hurts and I'm dying, because. Accurate. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, uh, yeah, no patron shout outs, nothing. It was just it was just a night of, like, despair. That's accurate. Yeah. Uh, the way Lauren put it was perfectly because after a certain point of med, which you you all know what point that is, um, Lauren and Brian and I were on FaceTime the whole time. And Lauren was just like, man, the way these shows are just picking us off one by one tonight, like med destroyed me, fire destroyed Logan, and then PD just came for Lauren, like full force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was a night. It was a night. It was a night. It was a night. Yeah. So, um, Jimmy, I'm curious for you. Okay. So the way we react to these shows and take them in and everything, it's just a very, it's a very visceral reaction for us, right? Like we're very attached to these characters and these shows and these people and what they do impacts us. Is there any sort of project out there like TV or movie or anything that like you have that sort of reaction to? Oh, absolutely. So many things. And I think that, you know, the thing that I can relate to so hard while watching these finales in general, and I mean, I think in a lot of things, I'm going to recuse myself from a lot of the Chicago fire stuff, just because I have a very special connection to those people. They're my friends, you know, but, you know, I think that you can tell the care and the passion that this fan base has for each of those shows. And it's so precious. And every, it's interesting because sometimes I feel like the shows don't take care of certain moments as much as like, like the, the fans reaction to such what is just a throwaway moment in a show is so strong. It's like sometimes I realize that I think the fire, the, the writers don't realize what they're playing with. They don't realize how, you know, we'll take med for instance, and we'll get there. But like that character leaving the show is a massive deal. And from everything that I took from that episode, that was something that there really wasn't a ton of trail of breadcrumbs besides the fact that he was getting pretty frustrated with the hospital being privatized. And it was like, man, this is a massive, massive deal. And I really, really feel for that. You know, I I think about Helen McCrory um, on Peaky Blinders and when she passed away, how abrupt her leaving that show had to be because she had passed away. And it, it, absolutely wrecked me as a massive Peaky Blinders fan. And even that, that was more of a victim of circumstance of the fact that the person had literally passed away. And I think that sometimes the writers just are like, we have to get to this end game. 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put it together and we'll make it happen. And then the ramifications of that have huge reverberations within the fan base. Whereas within the show, it's only like an 11 second thing, you know, even like a, a look on a show that maybe isn't even supposed to be a thing. will have massive reverberations to the fans for days or weeks later, let alone a character leaving the show. Yeah. Yeah. And this was very much a, I mean, in the weeks coming, we had pretty much braced for it, but it was one of those things where we were like, well, what if this, oh, ha ha, that's never going to happen. And then it happened. Uh, yeah. So you thought, which, for, for cases, which, no, go ahead. Go ahead which show specifically, which show? Med. 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 Okay. No, but you I was going to say, I feel like in a lot of ways we braced it for somebody else. And so I think the big surprise was that it happened and it was a different person. And we were like, oh, and even with fire too, we were like, oh, we have all these ideas on what it's going to be. And it was the opposite. We were like, I did not see that coming. That was not on my bingo card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll just jump on into med here and we're going to start with Will and uh, I don't want to do it, but we have to. Um, yeah. Okay. So did you, Jimmy, did you just watch the finale or did you watch like the previous episode? Do you have any idea? Did you have any clue what was going on before the finale? He's like, no, I have no, no idea. No way. <laughs> I watched the finales. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. This was your first time watching anyway. Med, right? So you have no idea who anyone is, except for I like the seen. kind of little bit, you know, from being on Chicago Fire. This is actually a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes you wonder, what is life? Nature versus nurture. Is it nature or is it nurture? My med experience is a lot of the final three minutes of med because, um, you know, everyone's wa watching. I'm about to watch the episode. And my main med experience is when I'm hearing things of you talking, you guys talking about med before something that we had either talked about with fire that you were about to talk about that I was like, oh, I'm listening to the pod. 15, 15, 15, 15, 15. So what I know about med, it's really the nurture of how you two have nurtured me through 30 second snippets of you talking about Archer. I'm like, that's a guy on the show. Crockett, that's a dude on the show. <laughs> that's a hell of an education in Chicago. Oh, yeah, man. I know. I am truly a Gina Brina med baby. <laughs> That's new merch. Just gonna write that down. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So, so we'll just start off. So the very first scene, Will and Grace, not from the sitcom, the med version of Will and Grace, obviously, uh, they're in 2.0 and they're talking about Will's whole revelation that basically 2.0 killed Crockett's patient. Uh, and they bring Crockett in and they tell him the truth and everything. And that's all fine and dandy telling him the truth. What's weird to me is that you chose 2.0 of all places to do it. Yeah. Like, let's uh, do it. I noticed that too. AI. I was like, this is weird. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. That thing I, is like um, Alexa. It's always listening. I also would encourage you both to watch the recap as if you've never seen anything from Med ever because you're watching the recap and you're like, holy shit. What? 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 <laughs> Do it's like a robot ai there's a hologram i'm like what what it's a crazy i just want to say that was before the first scene but literally my note says recap holy shit it's on <laughs> it's like, it must seem like some sort of alien spaceship to you coming in with no knowledge well i was locked in because then the first two lines are like all exposition it's like 2.0 jargon 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 2.0 jargon 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 i'm like i'm here <laughs> Yeah, so we find out that the the lesion that Crockett had to go through was created by 2.0, as in it wasn't actually there. 2.0 was just like, don't be mad at me, Crockett. Here, have something to fix. Is that not the creepiest shit you've ever heard? It's Love wild. It. Love it. 
I love I love AI discussion. Also, an incredible storyline from Med. Just want to come in. I don't know how you feel about 2.0. Incre- AI, AI hospital. I hope this has been the whole season. It's it incredible. It's, yeah, it. basically. Oh, final frontier shit right there. That's that's great stuff. They've done a really great job with it this season because there are times where you're just like, I want to kill Jack Dayton. And then there's times you're like, is he really the villain? So they've done a really good job of kind of playing both sides. Well, and I think just showing the pros and cons too, because like in the beginning it was like, oh, 2.0 is great. 2.0 is great. But there's like actually still a lot of problems with the AI technology, obviously. And I think obviously that's what this is trying to highlight is that like, no, it's not perfect. I mean, it may be in the future, but it's not right now. And it's de- it, it's got a lot of problems. No, and it's so timely, all the, the AI stuff going on. Literally, uh, yeah. when did this start? I'm like, man, they they had their finger on the pulse right away because Ooh, like I've listened would to have two... been like October, maybe November. Like it was definitely early in the season. Yeah. Well, Chat GPT went live November 30th. That's like some incredibly uh forecasting writing. Really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Um, we're gonna get deeper into the AI discussion. There's just more exposition I want to lay down first. <laughs> so uh, Grace is like, dude, we got to shut this down, which like there's a 180 for you because all season Grace has been like data 2.0 science. Yay. And now she's like, oh, F that. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, so Crockett goes to Jack and just lays it out about the lesion and the surgery. He's like, look, here's the honest truth. Okay. Your little machine killed somebody. So like, we need to fix this. And I can't stand like, I can't stand people like that when you're like, Hey, I have cold, hard proof for you. And they're just like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to see that. Bro, Jack, hello. That's not how this But that's works. been him all season, though. Is like, he's like, ah, ah, like, you know, yeah. that's been him all season. It's just like a perfect cocktail of like all, all bad things. Like you've got the AI, you've got this guy who thinks he's powerful. So like, because he's money, he's like kind of delusional. It's just a perfect storm of like horrible things. Yeah. Just bad for sure. Yeah. So then Jack is like, okay, well, I'm going to go figure something out, which is really just like Jack for like Crockett, go away. We're still going to do this. Like, cause I'm going to get what I want. Cause that's what we're going to do. So then later on Crockett goes back to Jack and is like, dude, listen, we're not doing this. Like we are not doing this. And we pulled the clip right here. You're still booked for surgery in 2.0. Let's pick this up later. Come on, Jack. After what I told you. Look, Crockett, I appreciate the concern, but there's no risk here. You've done the procedure a million times. Platform is defective, Jack. Come on, just cancel the surgery and, or, or move it to a, a regular OR. I invited people to observe 2.0 in action. These are investors. These are friends. I, I'd look ridiculous and forget the IPO. Jack, you can't promote a platform that doesn't work. It's actually dangerous. Put off the IPO. I'm not going to start sowing doubt into the reliability of the system. You can never recover from that. Okay, if you don't, I'm sorry, but I won't do your surgery. You can't be serious. Oh, I am. You know, I could easily find another 10 surgeons to take your place who'd be happy to take your place. With or without you, the surgery is moving forward. That's up to you, Crockett. Crockett, come on. You, you're the face of 2.0. You have been from the get-go. I want you to perform the surgery. And look, because it's you, I will make this promise. Once the IPO is launched, I will sideline the platform until every last bug is worked out. Now, how does that sound? Huh? Come on, man. I'm your patient. It's got to mean something to you. The way Jack is like, I have 10 other surgeons who will do this. You gaslighting little bitch. <laughs> Can we take it back for a second? Of course. Um, just want to come in here. There's a guy, uh, guy in um, 
<laughs> I don't know what scene. It's very early on. He says clear twice. He's like getting the paddles ready. He's like <laughs> clear. He's very excited about both of his clears. I just want to shout out that guy. I, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be back in the one Chicago world, but damn it. If he didn't make the most of it, he was like, I'm going to clear the shit out of these paddles. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I don't even know who you're talking about. So, oh, oh, uh, you know, I hope one person, I hope one person, he was like, I am a doctor. And if I open my eyes really wide and I say clear, I'm coming back for a second episode. Maybe <laughs> they're all the time, though. I've never seen it. Maybe he's the clear guy. The clear guy. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so glad you're here because these are all things that we definitely did not catch when we were never like, crying. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> Love it. I love it. But yeah, just the way Jack is like, I could find 10 other surgeons to do this. Like you're replaceable. Jack, just get out of here. I really thought it was going to get to that point though. I really thought for a second Crockett was going to be like, no way I'm not doing this. And then Jack was going to be like, fine, you know, money. I'll throw money at another surgeon. Like I really thought for a second, that's where we were going to go, but it doesn't surprise me that Crockett's like, no, I'll do it. It's fine. And it's a very Crockett reason why he does too, because he doesn't want to put another lower level doctor at risk of losing their career. Yes. And he's worried about his patients. Yeah. And like technically Jack is his patient. So even though he hates Jack Dayton, the hospital owner, whatever you want to call it, he still cares about Jack Dayton, his patient. It's just, yeah, I just, people like Jack are dangerous. Straight up. Just very dangerous. Can we also address the elephant in the room? The, the, (laughs) the critical the critical um, AI 2.0 surgery is a hernia surgery. Yes. A hernia surgery. It's it's like we couldn't have upped the stakes a little. And I get that like the idea is like it's a routine. He's done it hundreds of times. But like yeah. it's a hernia surgery. It's like someone being like, all right, it's testicular cancer, cancer. And the penultimate moment is I'm getting a ball removed. You're like, can we pick a different surgery? <laughs> and then they're like zooming in on it. I'm like, we really needed the hernery sur- surgery, Jack. No wonder Jack's like, do it. He's like, it doesn't matter. Give me the scissors. I'll figure it out. Like it's a hernia surgery. That's actually not nearly as bad as they've done in the past. Even the tapeworm episode, a couple episodes back was pretty bad. Right, Brenna? Yes. that was. Well, mm. And I love the idea. Like, I love the idea of like, Crockett being like, I've done this hundreds of times and he's removing, let's say, a brain tumor and he's removing a brain tumor. And the the AI is like, you're going to touch the linguistics part of the brain. And he's like, I'm not. That's the hemo. That's the the hypothalamus, the the, whatever hippocampus. Like, oh, my gosh. No, I know this. But it's like he's in his brain. He's like in his hernia. He's like, "Uh, it's a hernia, bro. Now, granted, like later on, we learned that they like messed with the AI. I was like, if this is the if this is supposed to be like the the subtle malfunctioning of the AI, I was like, whoa, they they went to 11. Clearly, I was catching up. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, I never thought I'd see a hologram of a hernia surgery. Here we are. Yeah, that's that's been the whole season. It's just been like GPS. hernia surgeries. There's been multiple. <laughs> Like GPS guidance of surgery where they're like, hey, Crockett, in 200 feet, turn left at this organ. Did they do breast implants too? Probably. probably. What other other surgeries is is 2.0 done? That's the HBO version of 2.0. Oh, I see. Keep going. My bad. Yeah. I digress. So so while this is all going on, Will Will's fed up. Will is in, in perfect Will mode and he goes directly to Goodwin and he just lays it out. Here's the clip of that. 
Goodwin, you have to stop Jack Dayton's surgery. That's Dr. Marcel's case. Why is it your concern? 2.0 is responsible for the death of my patient, Richard Evans. What? How? It's AI produced a phantom lesion that led Crockett to make a fatal surgical error. That thing killed my patient. That's a very serious charge, Dr. Halstead. Does Dayton know this? Yes, but he's insisting on going ahead with the surgery to promote the platform for his IPO. And where's Dr. Marcel in this? He's stuck. He won't abandon his patient, especially because the AI is unreliable. Ms. Goodwin, you are the only person who can do something. If Dayton were risking his life, I could get a court order to stop it. But no judge is going to rule an elective hernia repair a life-threatening procedure. So there's got to be another way. Dr. Halstead, Chicago Med is now a for-profit private hospital. Jack Dayton basically owns it. So if he wants a surgery, I no longer have the authority to stop it. I can't stand what this place has become. Okay, but I respect this because in the past, Will has just like willed all over the place and been like, I'm going rogue, fuck all you guys. And like getting himself fired. And this time he was like, hey, Goodwin, you're my boss. Just want you to know I'm about to go rogue and do some shit. Listen, I don't know the situation behind Will leaving the show, by the way, but but I just want to repeat a line that he just said in that clip. 2.0 is responsible for the death of my patient. Patient, It's AI produced a phantom lesion that led Crockett Cro Cro to make a fatal surgical error. Anybody who can say that line with a straight face has to be kept around forever. I couldn't even say it right now. I'm gonna try that again. 2.0 is responsible for the death of my patient. It's AI produced a phantom lesion that led Crockett to make, I can't even say it. He's a, he's a genius. I love that guy. What a great <laughs> job. We will miss him terribly. Yes. Terribly. Yeah. I will at least. Can't speak for everybody else. <laughs> oh, God. Gina, did you think it was interesting, though, obviously, given that Will is not the only one who is totally against what the hospitals become? Because Stephen says, you know, I can't stand what this place has become. And Maggie, up until this point, has been the, really the one leading that charge. Did you think it was interesting? That, I guess I thought that maybe he would, like, loop Maggie in and have Maggie help him. Did you think of that at all or no? No. Um, and he's, uh, he's been pretty quiet up until this point. So when he said, I can't stand what this place has become, I was like, oh, there's something that he's been like keeping to himself for a while. Like he's really yeah. wanted to say that. And he's only kind of hinted point. at it a little bit here and then, but yeah, this is the first time he's actually come out and said it. And I, I don't think Will and Maggie are the only ones. I, you know, you, you can't, you can't ask Hannah or Dean or anybody and be like, are you really cool with what the hospital's doing right now? You can't ask them that and then be like, yeah, it's fine. I guess they're the ones that have been the most vocal about it up until this point. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Will's been pretty quiet up until this point, though. For Will, that's being pretty quiet. Well, I mean, but he was the one that was always, like, you know, telling patients to say they had chest pain so that he could get them in, you know, to the ED when they really aren't supposed to be. You know, like, he was still doing that. He may not have said the words, but he was still doing the actions in the ED. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we get into 2.0. Crockett's doing the operation, and 2.0 spazzes out. Like, it glitches, like, the craziest glitch you've ever Hard. seen in your life. I kind of enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, this is great. This is the best thing ever. Just got my popcorn, like, sitting back. Um, yeah, and Crockett's like, so as you can see, everything's intact. I'm not killing this guy. Like, it's cool. And so right before we go to commercial, like, you know, the glitch is happening or whatever. I didn't think any of this. I was just like, okay, 2.0 is just proving that it's kind of a piece of shit that needs some rework, right? But then you've got Will's looking at Grace. 
Goodwin's looking at Will. And then like the next thing you know, you've got the Spider-Man meme between the three of them in OR 2.0. And they're all just kind of like pointing at each other. Like you did something. No, you did something. Chaos. Just chaos. Yeah. So. And you're forgetting the part where Crockett holds up the hernia in which we all are reminded once again that it is a hernia surgery. Just had to throw that in there. Keep going, Gina. But yet the fact that he's holding up the hernia is like the least disturbing fact about this whole thing. That's like, that's the thing about Chicago Med. <laughs> okay. Crazy shit in. comes down, but then there's crazier shit happening around. <laughs> I'm <Nothing>. ready. <laughs> Nothing. Also, 2.0 is welcome on my plain version of Chicago Med fucking and flying. Um, 2.0 is welcome. <laughs> Wait, I didn't realize way. we titled it. We titled the spinoff. I, I just did. Just did. Jimmy I've just also got another it. one for later. I've got another one for oh, later. God. I've got I've got some med spinoffs. Okay. I'm psyched. Oh, you got other med spinoffs. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You might find Nick Elfis another job like ASAP. Done. Yeah. But he's he's in Seattle as long as she'll have him, you know? I don't want to talk about it. But yes. Oh, <laughs> I've heard. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. What's the name of that relationship? What's is there a ship title? Manstead. 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 Great title. Fantastic. Manstead. Manstead is great. You can be you can be pro Manstead or you can be anti Manstead. You could say it with malice or love. Like, you know, it's a good word. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So <laughs> when you find out Will got Grace to hack 2.0, this is like next level Will shit. I was impressed. I'm not even gonna lie. I was just like, damn, Will, like you went out big. I was proud. Yeah, it did. It didn't really cross my mind at first that he would have done it, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." It's like, okay, that's that is next level will shit. I did not. I did not see that coming. He really went out with a bang because, like, not only did he go rogue and like fuck shit up, but like the ramifications are like big time. Well, big he time. knew obviously he knew what was going to happen. He anticipated it. I did not necessarily anticipate it, but like. I don't know. I guess he always knew that he wanted to protect Grace's job too. I thought that was a little weird, but I was like, okay. I mean, cool. he was. I don't think it was just Grace he was out to protect. I think it was just that he he felt that no. like, keeping 2.0 going was an injustice. Yeah, but then he also. I mean, he but he could have if he just wanted to say that in 2.0 was an injustice, he could have taken Grace down with him, and he didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so he's. Talking to Goodwin, I did not know he had this in him. I was like, Will, you little genius, you. You've grown so much in eight years. And it's all fine and dandy until he takes a little piece of paper out of his lab coat. And this is the point where Gina stopped outlining because Gina was crying a lot because her favorite med character was leaving. Yeah. Great. Just awesome. Because one Chicago hasn't hurt us enough this season. Well, med specifically, if you think about how many people have left med this year, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's been like a red wedding on med this year. It's four, five, if you want to count Sarah Rafferty. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yep. So Will hands Goodwin the resignation letter. At this point, I'm ugly crying already. We're like five seconds in because, again, we all thought Maggie was leaving. Like, yeah. Yeah. This I was mean, that kind of thing I mean, where we were like. Oh, maybe Will will leave. Ha ha, that's not going to happen. Joke's on us. Hence from last week, you know, obviously they had the little Manstead two-second thing in last week's episode. Like, I was still like, ah, okay, Tori's coming on. We all kind of figured out that Tori was coming on, but, like, I didn't know if I actually thought Will was going to leave. Ugh, I hate it here. 
Oh, we got clown masks for this exact situation. Hold on, let me grab mine. Yeah, Gina ordered us clown masks. Oh, we have clown masks for a while. Wow. Mine doesn't fit, Gina. Mine probably doesn't fit either. But it's like it's like like kid sizes. Do it. You've waited so long. You've waited so long. Hold on a second. Let me grab mine. Hold on a second. Yes. It was either those are like killer clown masks. So this was like the only option. Do, 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 do. We'll be with you in a second. Oh, wait. It came with a nose, too. That's right. I'm not putting that on. Take your time. I'm serenading <laughs> the people. It's only midnight and you don't have to sleep at all. But yes, I will take my time putting this mask on. <laughs> We're doing great. We're so doing far. great. I love Chicago Med. I love it. I'm so After one episode? I'm freaking, yeah. I'm in. I'm so in. So you're going to watch every oh, episode. Oh, every- Will's never going to leave. Will's never going to leave, you guys. Oh, and this is perfect timing because Lauren's here. Let me take my headphones Wait a second. Off. These Wait, are the incredible. Wait, the timing does not get better because Lauren's here. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I thought it was a mask. It's a wig. This it's is beautiful. Wig. It is a wig. Yes. And just in time for Pride, a special clown wig. Yeah, this is, this is happening. We're getting Lauren early. She well, it said she's here. Where is she? She's she's probably what Lauren. She's about. She's this out about. It's like gonna fall off my head any second. Brian, you look great. Stop Thank that. You. It fits great. Come on now. Yeah, I told Gina it came in like the clear packaging where you can like see everything in it, and I was like, I bet my mailman's wondering like what is going on. For, like one second. Will's never leaving. Will's never leaving. There. Yeah, this thing is like, done. Gina, done. Uh, don't don't. Don't be so scared of it. Put the red nose on. Do you guys know that I have a clown? <laughs> do you want this story now? I'm going to do yes. it in like 90 well, seconds. I, you can't just say, oh, I have a clown. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at Carnegie, <clears throat> we have a whole class called uh, our clowning class. Whoa! There she is. Yes. Whoa. Hello. The princess is here. Hi. It's Lauren. This beat. Is I'm sorry, <laughs> um, Lauren. Welcome in. We're we're we just were. Did you see the clown masks? Did you see the clown wigs? Yes, they were beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway, I'll be quick. Uh, at Carnegie, we have a clowning class where essentially you find your inner clown, and it's not like it's not like um you know paint on your face sort of things. A clown, our professor Calf, that's K A F. She believes that within each person is an either side of ourselves we've never shown anybody or an over-exaggerated version of ourselves that is our clown. And what you do is you walk into class on the first day and you're up to your knees in random clothing articles and accessories and you're almost naked and you walk around the class, all 20 of you in your class, you get very close over these four years and you're just finding accessories and putting on clothes and finding your clown. And then you, from day one through the end of the semester, you start with your clown just learning to say hello. And then you figure out, who your clown is and you put on the only part that's like clowny is you have a red nose and then you have a whole getup that you tell jokes as the clown and you say hello as the clown and um and and then you have your clown forever and it's a side of yourself and i refer i literally refer to my clown in the third person it's like so culty it's crazy my clown's name is leonardo chrysanthemum i have him I, I literally have him in my closet and Leonardo Chrysanthemum is obsessed with Christmas. He's never been out on Christmas day. I only ever am him like on other occasions, but Leonardo Chrysanthemum is obsessed with Christmas. He has a mannequin head that he holds in his hands. He like pets her. Her name is Sharice. They put on shows together. Leonardo's effing crazy and I'm effing crazy. That's my clown. And uh, 
someday you all might be lucky to meet Leonardo Chrysanthemum. But he's a G. There's my story. That sounds so challenging and kind of scary, but also kind of cool. Oh, it's incredible. But like, even like whenever I'm like hosting something with middle schoolers or whatever, if I, or high schoolers, I'll talk about my clown. And then randomly, if I show up as my clown, it's the craziest thing ever. And they're like, this dude is off his rocker, but yet they're kind of like, I'm in. And it's crazy because usually I just show up in July and I'm just wishing everyone a Merry Christmas for like 20 hours. And I've been him in parades and things like that. I pull him out occasionally, but he's just, but my point is put the red nose on, be the clown. Don't be afraid of it. That's all. Back to 2.0, my favorite plot. Um, Lauren, we just got to the part where Will tendered his resignation and I ugly cried everywhere. It was great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, though, I will say this. I Will's not my favorite character. I think I'm more sad about Nick leaving than I am Will actually leaving. But I was surprised at how emotional I got in this. I was like, this is actually really sad. I was not expecting this. No, the resignation was one thing. And then it just kept going, right? Like he tenders the resignation. And then everybody's like, you can't leave. And they're getting all sad. Then he gives the goodbye speech. And then we get the ending ending. And yeah, just... Gina was a hot mess. I was done by the end of Med. I was like, I have two more hours of this shit to do. Like, oh, crap. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. So uh, Goodwin even says she's like, she pretty much talks for all of us. And that's, that's the good thing too, is that I think they handled Will's exit like perfectly. Uh, yeah. And we'll get into some details in the bottom because there were interviews with Nick that dropped after. I think that's the first thing I said after Med too. While I'm like ugly sobbing, I'm just like, did the deadline article drop back? You and did both say of you that. Were like, She's crazy. Uh, no, I did. You did. That was one of the first things you were like, did the deadline article drop? And I was like, no, Emily dropped it. And you were like, okay. <laughs> they did do like yes. a wellness check on you. Yeah. Oh. Everyone was like, Gina, are you okay? Like our Twitter DM started blowing up and I just started responding. I was like, she's not okay, but we'll talk about it tomorrow. It's she's fine. Survive. Like, she'll it's be okay. Fine. Just not right now. Like it was... Yeah, my phone blew your up. Twitter, blew your up. Twitter DMs blew up and you were like, guys, stop it. She's married. Stop it. <laughs> Stay away. You know this. Yeah, yeah. Happens yeah. all the time. What can I say? JK. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm scrolling back through our messages last night. And it's like all incoherent, just like mess. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. But uh, oh yeah, here we go. Wait, now nah, whatever. Anyway, so um, yeah, and Goodwin just basically is like, you know, what are we going to do without you? Like, you've been a great source of irritation, but also a great source of inspiration. And we're going to be lost without you. And I'm over here like, it's completely true. Yeah. So that goes on. And then we get the really bad green screen balcony with Crockett and Grace. And they're pissed too. Can we please just point out that this might be like the worst done green screen scene ever? Like the lighting did not match the background at all. It's it, it's it's up there for worst balcony scenes ever the, the bad green i thought it was me i really did think it was me no first. the green screen balcony is a running joke about how bad it is on med because they oh, use it a lot well the thing is it's like we've done balcony scenes on fire where we've gone to like really beautiful balconies a couple different times um and like different you know so it is like pretty easy to get to you it's just it's just like doing a night shoot is also difficult and med likes to keep their they have a very rudiment they have a very um specific regimented schedule that they like to stick to with and they stay on stay on set as much as possible whereas pd and fire because we have so many incidents we kind of mix it up a bunch 
are they secretly like twilight vampires or something and if they step outside the studio they'll sparkle <laughs> yes well here's the thing night shoots night night shoots look beautiful they look incredible but for the crew for the cast and for everybody a night shoot means you're losing about 12 hours of your weekend and specifically during covid when COVID tests have taken so many Saturdays on set to ask your crew to come in until four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning on a Friday night, that then they have to turn around and be there at 5 a.m. on Monday morning. That's barely a weekend. And they already have to do that like 20, 20 to 22 times a, a, a season on PD and fire. So it makes sense that on med, they try to keep it as contained as possible. And that's why you get so much stuff that's just like, daylight in the in the the hospital and like easy to shoot exteriors that are morning shoots yeah yeah that, it's our favorite game though and i hope it never changes of the green screen balcony because like it's just my favorite like it's just a fun thing to be like i know exactly where you're standing you're on a soundstage yeah it's a fun game uh but yeah so there's some interesting bits from this conversation though and i think this is where we can get into a pretty good ai discussion so uh crockett's like you know what the hell were you doing will like what like you're you're insane, which like we all knew that, but we love him anyway. So um, Crockett's like, you know, I disagreed with Jack and the IPO, but like I never would have gone this route. And he's like, you know, I agree it needed to be sidelined, but not blown up because now you've basically taken it from a toy that some people can play with to a toy that nobody can play with, you know? Yeah. And so what Will says here, which is what I love, he goes, Crockett, it was the only way it had to be done. And you know it, like you're still here. So is 2.0. So fix it. And I, I think, I mean, for the final time, of course, but I'm with Will on this one. It was the only way to fix it. And it was the only way to fix it because nobody was listening. Thoughts? Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think I'm, what I'm curious about is obviously with that line. So does this mean we're going to get more 2.0 next season? Is that what you take from that? Is that like Crockett's going to spend all next year fixing it? Um, If they're selling the hospital, I doubt they're going to be able to, you know, keep it going yeah and I that came across my mind too it was just when he said he's like oh so you're still here so it was 2.0 like go fix it and I was like oh, please tell me we're not getting it. I love this storyline but I was like I don't need a whole another season of it no but I I agree with Will though there there really was no other way because the only way to the only way to have properly done it would have been to go to Jack and be like shut this down and Jack was like no and so Will was like okay well I'm gonna make sure nobody dies so screw you guys which, I mean, I think he did the right thing. But do you think he should have gone to Crockett first, though? No, no, because Crockett, Crockett even told him. He was like, no, I, I wouldn't have gone along with it. That's, I mean, that's what I think. I was just curious if you thought differently. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I think differently on. I think differently on Jimmy. the fact that Bryna needs to formally apologize for speaking ill of 2.0 right now. <laughs> take it back. No, I'm not going to take it back. Fine. Okay, cool. Mute. I'm muting myself. Okay, okay. I'm putting myself in timeout because I'm mad about it. Reverse <laughs> psychology. Okay, so so Jimmy, elaborate then. What's your take on the 2.0, or not 2.0, but like this whole AI thing? Because I know you said you, you were dying to talk about it. Well, it's a great point. I want to talk about AI a little bit more for Chicago Fire, actually, surprisingly. Oh. Um, yeah, but, 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 but. Uh, no, I love that storyline. I think there's a lot there. And I think it's actually like, here's the thing. Medical shows. Okay, we're going to go big picture here. I think that we, we're, we're comfortable with certain things. We're comfortable with 
horror movies set in houses where the house is haunted. We're comfortable with medical TV shows. We're comfortable with police department TV shows. It's also why like 2020 was kind of a scary thing for TV because it was like police can't be bad because it's half of our television. Like, you know, we, we, we're really comfortable with hospitals and police departments and, and a couple of fire departments. Um, but I think that like, if you're going to make TV that is in a hospital, you have to find ways to make it interesting and dynamic. And obviously the whole Grey's Anatomy idea of like, it's not about the hospital it's about the relationships is like a very big part of med. But I think like, being on the forefront of a storyline that's actually real in hospitals right now of like what is ai gonna do for hospitals because technically chat gpt could give you a pretty good diagnostic of what you have symptoms wise if you put symptoms into chat gpt and say what do i have and eventually there's going to need to be a conversation between doctors and ai and diagnosing people and people are going to be able to diagnose themselves and there's going to be a lot of interesting ethical conversations and if if they want to take that on head on, obviously, that's not really what med is about. But that's a pretty cool thing to talk about. And you could talk about that for a while because, like, I'm really interested in that personally. Have you yeah, tried no, typing I, symptoms into ChatGPT? No, my point is that, like, but that's, like, a real thing. I mean, ChatGPT is essentially advanced Google. So you you type in something and it's going to be like, I mean, we all do that already. We type our symptoms into Google. We show up at, you know, urgent care and we say, I think I have X. And then the doctor says, no, you actually have Y. Or the doctor says, yep, you have X. Here's antibiotics, you know. And AI is going to be a big part of that. And I think this is like a kind of advanced version of that, you know, and what about when, when, you know, they're going to be able to perform surgeries or different things like that. You can't get too like Terminator with it, but I think there's lots of good conversations about that. And that's really relevant and interesting in addition to being about family and love and hardship and relationships and communication and just hospital shit. Yeah. I think my problem with it, and I've said this before, I think my problem with it is that they only use it with like, they only show Crockett. It's like Crockett and Dayton and like, that's it. And that's all it's been. That's all Crockett's storyline has been all season. And he's the only person that really has anything to do with 2.0, basically up until the last like two episodes. So I think if they're going to do more AI stuff, because I do think it is really interesting. I just wish you would get to see it with like other doctors or find a way to bring it into the ED versus it only being the surgeon and then only being Crockett because Crockett's the only real surgeon on the show. So that's my only problem with it is I just hope we get different stuff for Crockett this year or next year versus just only 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting question. What, what next year is going to look like, but yeah, I agree with Will here. Nobody else was listening. So Pack that shit, blow it up. If, if people aren't going to listen, you got to do something drastic, right? I'm just, I'm in my villain era when it comes to like all of that kind of stuff. So I'm just like, dude, if nobody's listening. You just got to like get them to listen. Sorry. Well, and it's like one of those things too, where it's like now knowing what we know that this was Will's last hurrah, I don't really have a problem with it. But if Will wasn't leaving, I think I'd be like more like, ah, Will did Will shit. And like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I think I'd be more critical of it. But because he basically left and this was his last parting gift i'm like okay it's fine <laughs> will did the right thing it's fine lauren you're oddly quiet over there hi i'm just hanging she's prepping for pd yeah ain't that the truth <laughs> yeah yeah uh like saving your energy yeah that's fair that's fair um yeah so then goodwin goes to check in on jack and like will really blew shit up because will completely destroyed the ipo completely yep. destroyed it like they can't go public it's just done. Uh, 
And so Jack kind of gives Goodwin some insight here. And like, listen, Jack, you're not as badass as you thought you were if you put all of your eggs in one basket. Diversify kind of helps. I happen to yeah. know some things about that. Like, you know, maybe <laughs> don't do that. Um, but then he's also so like flippant the way that he's like, oh, this isn't the first fortune I'll, I've lost. Like I'll survive. You guys may not. Like, fuck you, dude. Like rich leave. people problems. Just leave. <laughs> just leave leave um yeah and so he's like oh well i have to sell the hospital oh bummer damn we're getting rid of jack dayton Sad. i'm like well i already know what the first nine episodes of med look like next year yeah right <laughs> right um so then yeah we get to the end and will is will does like the final shot of his locker and like just the longing stare and I'm over in the corner just crying my eyes out because I'm like no not Will please not Will and he walks to the center of the ED and we get this goodbye speech I'm sorry I have to say goodbye this is not easy you've been my family for so many years I'll never forget you you will always be a part of me and I'll always be grateful for the time we had together. No, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Why do you ask? <laughs> it was really <laughs> like I said. I was more. I think I'm more sad about Nick leaving than I am Will. But like, I was really sad about this. This was really like hugging my heartstrings. It was. It was. It was killer. It was killer. But I also want to point out a couple of things here. Okay, so in and in, in like there we have some quotes from the Nick articles at the end of this, but I'm just going to bring them up now. So one of the things that Nick said is that he basically informed Dick Wolf and company in February of this year, like a month and a half ago, because they filmed the finale in like mid-April, February. And he got arguably one of the best character exits ever. So I'm just going to like sit back and be like, hey, fire and PD, what's your excuse? But I think med overall, I mean, Granted, except for, I was thinking about this last night, except for maybe Colin's exit. I mean, because Colin's is the next biggest exit. That's not a great exit. But like even earlier this season when Brian left, like Brian's exit was really great too. I think Med just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like they have a little more, there's a lot, you could definitely tell they respect these characters and respect these actors. And it's like, okay, we're going to honor these characters and their legacies and just let them go right off in the sunset and be happy. They're fine. And I just, I, there's something, especially for these long going characters that I can really appreciate about that. Well, Med's whole show is less of, they do less of the shock factor than Med and, than PD and Fire do. So I think it's easier for them to do nice send-offs when they're not trying to be like, we're going to murder everyone. And we're going to make you wait months. Like, Yeah, that's true. They very rarely do that. Very Jimmy's rarely. suspiciously quiet over there. Uh, I'll, plead the, I'll plead the fifth. No, I no, knew no. you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'll plead the fifth. Um, no. Oh, my gosh. I just want you guys to know. I just, like, I just housed this burger. I've been, like, leaning off here eating this burger. It's great. Really good. Um, I, I think this. I think that. PD likes to be dark. They shoot it dark. It's a dark show. So a character exit is an opportunity to lean into that no matter what. They like that. They like sitting in that. Um, they like kind of being the show that's as uh, they want to be authentic and real and they want to be like a little bit more like in the shit. Um, and I think fire has so many near death experiences that 
you know, there, uh, someone leaving is always an opportunity to actually like be like, no, 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 there is a monster under the bed. We will kill people. Um, so I think there's two different things there versus an exit on med, which is, you know, like it's usually just going to be. And part of that's the shock factor thing Lauren was saying, but it's like, all right, someone's just leaving the hospital. That's what I will say about that. Good. Well done. <laughs> Especially since I put you on the spot there. Apologies. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I just, I can't, you know, I got it. No, I know. No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah. So we get this goodbye. And as if that's not enough, the very last scene, Will went to Seattle and we got our Manstead endgame. Just, yeah. Yep. So cute. The end. That's Will. Gina, if you, not that you really ever thought about it because you never wanted it to happen, but if you ever had thought, like, is this what you would have envisioned for it to be? Like, for him to go back and reunite with Natalie and just be happy in that, that world? Was this what you wanted for him? Yeah, I think so. I, I can't say I've ever really sat and thought about Will Halstead's exit, but I mean, this was best case scenario and we got best case scenario. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Manstead yeah. wasn't my favorite, but I'm like, if, if this is how he's going to go out, I'm ha- very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it all, it makes complete sense to me why he's leaving and what Nick's reasoning was. It all makes sense to me. It's just purely selfish for me that I just love Will and don't want to lose him. It all makes sense. I just hate it. So yeah. yeah. So Will's gone. Yep. Sad That's day. it. Really sad day. Yep. Um, yeah, so so Nick interviewed Nick did an interview with friend of the pod Emily Longaretta, who you might hear from next week, by the way. Um, more about that in a second. But yeah, so there were a bunch of quotes in here um, where Nick just said, you know, finale was filmed in April. He let the team know in February, called Dick Wolf first, um, and you know he just kind of goes in detail here. And this is what like, and I said this on Twitter earlier today, but interviewing Nick was always one of my absolute favorite things to do because he gets on our level in terms of like theorizing and like nerd stuff like that. He loves that kind of stuff. So he was always one of my favorite types of interviews. And so he says here, he's like, the name William means like protector or protection, which like nerd stuff. I love that. And so he's like, he protected his patients as if they were family, the way in which he was so committed to his work and what he was called to do in this life, the passion he had with all of that, I'll never forget. Which, yeah, I mean, that's nail on the head, right? Yeah, Uh, very much will. Very, very much will. Very much will. And like, that's the other thing that kills me too, is that like, he drove us nuts and he always did illegal shit. But at the end of the day, he was always the doctor you wanted in your corner. Well, yes. <laughs> Lauren and I are like, eh, I don't know about yes. that. But we take off these will-colored glasses, y'all. Um, yeah. I always wanted him in my corner, whatever. You guys can get treated I, by Crockett. Yes, most of the time. I think there's definitely no doubt, like what Nick was saying. Like, I definitely think there's no doubt that Will did everything he thought was best for the best of his patients. We know what Will was saying. Will was saying 2.0 is responsible for the death of my patient. It's AI produced a phantom legion. That Crockett, (laughs) dang it, that led Crockett to make a fatal surgical error. Sorry, go, Brian. That line's going to evade you all night. I'm going to get it. Yeah. Incredible Um, stuff. Yeah, no, I just, I think there's obviously some things that he did that like were not that great but i do think his patients it was always for the best of his patients whether it was right or wrong i just don't know if it's always the choices i would have want made if i were the patient but yeah yeah uh so you know they talked about bringing tori back for an episode which was great 
Um, the bulk of one of the articles was basically that Nick asked to leave. We at least we got that note, right? Mm-hmm. Because with Jesse, we had to like claw for it and wait for like a year. Um, felt like a year at least. But Nick asked to leave, and he basically said it's because he felt that he had taken Will as far as he could go. Um, which I interpreted as a wee bit of shade, because again, I'm in my villain era. I interpreted that to be Nick for like, you guys wrote me in circles for two whole seasons. I got bored. Like, what else did you think was going to happen? Kind of. I took, I didn't think, I definitely thought we've talked about it before how this year there was like not much will going on at all. And we were like, what is happening? So I, I could see that for sure. I don't think that's you and your villain era. I just think that's reading between the lines. You're in your body era. I mean, I, I just, I, I took that as, and then especially because he was like, I love the craft of acting. I love it. And, you know, part of that is loving variety and eight years is a really long time. I was like, oh, that's Nick for, I got bored. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I think that there's a lot of things that go into it and, you know, in general Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I will say that like, you know, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, maybe esoteric is the word. But I, I think that like lots of actors, you know, lots of actors get into this because they're wanderers and they're nomadic and uh, you get into it because it's exciting to step out of your skin and into someone else's skin and put your point of view on that person's skin. And I think that um, or inside that person, if you will. And I think that there is something to 22 episodes a year and doing that every year that is not that life it becomes it becomes a nine to five it becomes a very a a very well-paid stable nine to five but you know i think the the wanderer in you eventually and i I know i speak for a lot of actors on these shows in general where the constant discussion is like do do i want to take the leap where i let this thing go um because and it's scary because you're letting go of a massive paycheck you're letting go of a lot of things but you know the reason you got into it you know, you didn't get into it for the money. You got into it because of what it does for your soul. Like I always say, I'll act like it'll be me and the roaches and I'll still be like acting for the roaches somewhere. And like, so I do think there is something to, you know, and like Oliver Platt's a great example of this in general, like someone who has had a full career and is like, I'm fully okay showing up and doing this job. And I love the people here and I will stay as long as it, as I'm welcome here because I've had my career and now I'm, you know, in I'm in yeah. a little bit of the twilight. Like I would love this. Like there's an amazing story of Oliver in his uh, Uber on the way to film the pilot or filming the finishing filming the Chicago Med pilot. My driver told me where he's driving back to the airport and they're talking and you know, you know, uh, the driver is like wishing him well at the airport and he's like, I hope it runs for a hundred episodes. And Oliver's like, your mouth to God's ears. I hope it runs for a hundred episodes because like that was what he was looking for in his life then. Um, and uh, I think that for if you're an actor who still has aspirations ahead of you, you know, letting th- thinking about trying to let something like this go is is a uh, it's a constant discussion. Yeah. That's an, yeah. And that's, that's an, another reason I'm so glad you're here is to like lend this perspective. Cause yeah, I, my impression is always that like, I feel like you guys as actors are like, do you guys feel like you're not built for a nine to five? It's not that we're not built for a nine to five. It's that like, you know, it, 
there's something about when you go and shoot a movie, for instance, you are in whatever place for six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks. And it's like camp. Like we love, like actors love the acting part of something that feels like camp where you prep for a job, you get ready for a job, you do that job, you go, 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 go. You make that thing happen. And then you move on to the next thing. Same thing with theater. We love building a show, running that show for a year, and then moving on to the next thing because the thrill of it, the, 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 the nervous energy of like, is 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 Chicago Med going to be good? Is it going to be as accepted as Chicago Fire and Chicago PD? Oh my gosh, we're making this thing. I hope so. Like that goes away and instead it's just pages and you're doing it and it's pages and it's just show it's a little bit of a different thing. Um so I think you do lose a little bit of the excitement, you know? You, you've ridden the roller coaster a hundred times, you know where the drops are and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Really interesting. Um yeah, so that's that's the story on Nick, but yeah, and then um, I, I'm pretty sure Brian, do you think Emily asked the question about Jay? That had to have been Emily, right? I don't know. That was not Emily because it was a different article. I don't think it was all one phone call, was it? I it sounded to me like a roundtable, but I haven't oh. I haven't I haven't um slid into slid into Emily's DMs yet today. Um, well, since we're gonna see her next week, I'll uh, ask her then. But yeah, yeah, but I have no idea because I thought it was not a round table. So I assumed it came from TV lines writer. But. Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I, sli- I slid into me, you'll meet me next week. Yeah, I slid into Emily's DMs today, but she wasn't interested. Dang. Nice. It's rough out there. Um, yeah, so we got some listener thoughts on this one. We'll just read through a couple really quickly. Brooke S. said, I was truly not expecting Will to leave at all. Girl, same. Um, knew it was a possibility with Tori coming back, but I was really not ready for it when it happened. On one hand, it guts me that the one Chicago world is without the Halsteads. Um, yes, that, that. Um, however, I think Will may have gotten the best send-off in one Chicago history. Yes, that too. Uh, he had nothing left in Chicago and he probably wasn't overly happy. So he did what he had to do in true will fashion and went and found his happiness after a standing ovation by the whole staff. Well-deserved send off and well done. Then seeing the relationship with Owen and watching Manstead be reestablished and knowing their end game was just the cherry on top. The last scene really gave me hope for Bretzy and Stellaride and Upstead. Well, that's good. <laughs> Been for me, but yeah, I don't know. at least one person has hope. Yeah. Some things I have hope for. Some things I do not have hope for. No. No. But um, Heather B said, if Will Halstead had to go out, I feel like this was a Will Halstead way to do it in a way I respected. Who would have thought at the beginning of 2.0 that it would be Will that took down the sentient, people-pleasing killer AI and Jack Dayton? Um, Will freaking Halstead. What a man. It's going to be hard to next see next season without him in it, but he's got a proper send-off and I couldn't ask for a better exit if it had to happen. I like that he went to Natalie and they gave him a happy ending. <laughs> At least there's one Halstead brother who wants to be with the woman he loves. Maybe he should go part, impart some brotherly advice to Jay or maybe just have the med writer do all of one Chicago exits from now on. I like theirs better. I mean, boom roasted. Like, what what is fire and pd's excuse i know we just talked about this but still like oh we'll get there i know pd's a dark show but you didn't have to make jay halstead an asshole just saying just saying i'm fine um yeah and then uh user wa grobenite said i have to laugh at whomever did the green screen for the SeaTac airport because it was obvious the person had never been to seattle you can't see the space needle from the airport that is funny yeah i think if i remember correctly SeaTac is like an hour from seattle it's yeah, but green screen, PV. Funny. The magic of television. The magic of television, indeed. Yep. So we are now living in a Will Halstead-less world. 
okay, Gina, you will survive. No, I won't. He's I will not... never recover. No, he's not dead. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to deal with it. <laughs> Jimmy, the low key, like when we, okay. So, so for those of you who don't know, we saw each other in New York in March, but like leading up to that, every single time I wanted to make like a Hawkins is dead joke. I was like, I would like ask Lauren, I'd be like, dude, like, okay. So if your friend's like grandparent died, you wouldn't make a joke about it. But if it's a character, your friend played, can you joke about it? Like, Yeah. Yeah. But all bets are off with me. I love death jokes. I I talk about death so much with my group of friends. We talk about death daily. I love death jokes and it's not even me. It's a character I played. So please make all the jokes, please. (laughs) love it i'm in yeah it's just very it was it's just i was just like can you can you do that is that okay like that's funny that's funny um yeah so we've also got dr charles and liliana which like i feel like the rest of this episode beyond the will and crockett stuff was a little anticlimactic hmm? the other stuff was fine this was like very anticlimactic i was like i do not care why are we why are we wasting our time on this right, yeah because he wants a strong independent woman Bryna. <laughs> I mean, I just felt like given how much run up they had up until last week, I was like, this was anticlimactic. And I was like, we should just save this for next season. Yeah, but actually, though, but actually, actually though. though, take it away, Brenna. All righty. So we start, we've got some good old BFF time between Dr. Charles and Goodwin, favorite friendship on the show. Um, and of course, Dr. Charles is just talking about how things went with Liliana and it wasn't great and Goodwin's giving him all the advice. I mean, just the best way to start. It's so good. So best, best. it's so, yeah, just the best. We need more of this if we keep losing. We need, just keep this, keep this friendship going. That's all we, if that's all we got, that's all we got. We just need to keep it going. So then we go into like the one real kind of medical case this week and you go wills on the it starts out with will and he goes to meet the medevac cop or medevac helicopter and we get the hot doctor from whatever episode that was that i don't remember which episode that was and he shows up and he's now running an air ambulance company so even when he sees maggie in the ed she's like oh we're gonna see more of him and i'm like so he's coming on the show next year, right? Series regular. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> he got his accreditation. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. But Here actually, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, but actually, though. Here for it. What it felt like. He's going to make that money. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not mad. Not mad one bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't know his name, but he is the hot doctor. That's no, all we Dr. got. Johnson. His name is Dr. Johnson. Actually, his first name is Lauren. They 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 sat down and really thought it hard, long and hard, and they said, you know what? That's it. After hours and hours, we're coming up with Dr. Johnson. <laughs> they named him after me. That's so nice. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> you think they put more thought into naming Dr. Johnson or Crockett? Crockpot. <laughs> yeah. Crockett yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. The question is, next year. Is he going to be able to say 2.0 is responsible for the death of my patient? <laughs> it's AI produced a phantom legion that led Crockett to make a fatal surgical error. I said mate no. instead of make. I almost had it. I almost oh, had it. Oh, I thought you got it. it. I thought I'm you waiting. got it. I said mate. We can run it back. Dang it. Keep going. All right. You got to hold another like two hours. So it's yeah, fine. You're good. You're What's good. happening? 
there's there's a line that Will said in the episode that Jimmy's trying to get because it's a tough line. And oh, he can't get that line. fascinated by it. He's fascinated. Sorry. No, he just comes in like a stone cold killer, drops that line and then drops that letter of res, you know, that resign. Boom. I'm sorry. Continue, Brian. I, I love I love the recap. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you've got a husband and a wife. They were out on some like mountain cliff there. Whatever. They're like out together and you get to the woman first. And basically she when she kind of starts to come back to it, she you're like, oh, are you OK? And she's like, no. And she said basically she thinks her husband tried to kill them. So it's like, dun, dun, dun. OK. So basically the husband just grabbed the wheel out of the blue and while they were driving and she doesn't know why he doesn't really seem to remember why he did it. He just says that his hand just kind of got possessed and grabbed the wheel. And I'm like, I don't think that actually just happens, but turns out it does. Jimmy, you're a movie buff. Did you ever see that movie from like the year 2000, uh, Idle Hands, the one with Devin Sawa? No. No, there, there is, it's a movie from like, maybe it might even be earlier than 2000, but basically like it's this situation where his hand just like does its own thing. But obviously in that context, it's funny and not wow. this. I did have an amazing moment where uh, Dr. Charles was like, you might've had a stroke. And I was like, he, he said it like it was like a super rare thing. And I was like, oh, it was it was just a stroke. It was just like, the, <laughs> like it's like either a heart attack or a stroke. Usually, And then he's like, it's phantom hand syndrome. And that's phantom, something like that. I was like, oh, alien. Okay, cool. Alien hand. Yeah, I'm sorry. Brian, you're go. To, I'm spoiling. Go. No, it's I mean, literally, that's what I was. Don't gonna, get ahead yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting wait. He's so eager. He's so into it. You have to follow um, the outline. He's hopped up on jet lag. Go easy on him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically turns out the husband has a stroke and he ends up having this thing called alien hand syndrome, which is exactly just that basically your hand can kind of do its own thing sometimes. And you feel like it's not part of your body. And so the wife is sitting next to the husband as they're going all through this and she gets this text message and she's like, I got to go take this. And the husband's like, oh, well, I think she might be having an affair. And it's like plot twist. Where the hell did this come from? Like, why are we, why are we going so far with this? Like, I don't care. So turns out though, the wife isn't having an affair. It was actually a text message from her doctor. She had had a biopsy and she didn't tell her husband because of all the stuff that he was going through. And yeah, I was just by the end of that, I was just like, why? I don't care about this. Why are we? Why? It's a very long uh, and drawn out way of just saying like Dr. Charles and Liliana just need to talk to each other. Yeah, basically. And that's what they do. And so, you know, he even says, you know, he's like, you're the best thing that happened to me in a long time. And he tells her that he loves her and, you know, they make up blah, blah, blah. And then it ends in like, Liliana's brother Pavo comes in and he's like we've got to go and like with this ominous music in the background and it's just like dude okay and yeah but I'm like why are we still like I really thought Pavo was going to be a bigger part of it and I'm like so he's going to be around all next year like is that where we're going with this yeah which like I I would have preferred if they had wrapped it up in this finale and been like, surprise, Pavo. Right, or like had a cliffhanger in the, you know, kind of made it a cliffhanger and then wrap it up in, you know, the premiere or something. But like, I'm like, okay, so he's going to be around. I don't care. Very confused. I thought Pavo was her husband that we didn't know about. And I was like, what a great twist. That's her husband. 
Oh gosh. Oliver fell for the wrong girl. I still don't girl. think he's her brother. But yes. You don't think he's her brother? I green know. Green card I, marriage? What, Jimmy? I said green card marriage. What's happening? Maybe. Um, no. I I still don't think he's her brother, though. I've hung on to this theory for weeks now. I think that like I think they were trying to run some sort of scam that I haven't quite like ironed out in my head. But now that she's like actually gotten a no Dr. Charles, like she loves him and she's like, no, we can't do this. And Pablo's like, we're still doing this. That's my theory. Dr. Charles. What do they want to scam Dr. Charles for? Thought I was going to sneeze. Never mind. Um, Happened to me on a work call the other day. I was like, I'm going to sneeze. And I was like, never mind. Just kidding. False alarm. Um, What would they scam Dr. Charles for? His money? I don't know. I mean, I can buy that. I could definitely see Med doing something like that, but I just, what would they scam him for? We're really also skipping over one of the greatest parts of the episode, which besides besides the guy who touches the steering wheel, really going for his Emmy. Like he was like, he was like, which I respect again, just like clear guy. I'm like, he's like, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to be back on these shows. I have to get my Emmy now. And he goes for it. But then the best is they tell his wife, they're like, he has alien hand syndrome and did this thing. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. I'm 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 glad you're OK. No, that wife would have been like, you idiot, you stupid, stupid idiot. They've been married for how long? She would like probably slap him and be like, I don't care if it's alien hand syndrome, foreign hand syndrome, five hand syndrome. Don't do that to me again with me in the car. He'd be like, I'm so sorry, honey. I'll never, ever, ever do it again. I swear that's the scene she was like <laughs> oh my gosh like are you kidding me she would have like slapped him upside the head they wouldn't have to like put her in cuffs she was oddly forgiving she's like oh it's cool you almost killed us no big deal could have been, been really funny like if all of a sudden like she comes in and they're like uh, and she's like oh yeah, yeah yeah i'll be civil and she just like jumps on and starts slapping in and dr charles would be like we're straining her that'd be funny yeah yeah i'll write it and by me does i mean that, I'll does get- that go on flying and fucking or does that go on a different spinoff no, that's my other spinoff that I have coming called Dick's Vaginas Shit and Urine. Ew. <laughs> so it's literally dreadful. <laughs> Was there like no in-flight entertainment on that red eye? <laughs> this is all he did for however long that flight was. Oh, what? I just watched the episode. Keep going. I'll, I'll get to Dick's Vaginas later. <laughs> I want to like tweet that overheard. Hold on. Um, yeah. So uh, we got listener thoughts on that. Brenna started so I can tweet that out. Hold yeah. On. So we had one listener thought on this. Heather B said, do you think there's a chance we'll see Dr. Johnson at med next season with him coming back in this episode? I wonder if they were gauging the idea. I wouldn't mind a spinoff of Chicago flight either. No. <laughs> the show is called flying and fucking. We just established that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think yeah. even if. I do think, I mean, I don't feel like Maggie says, oh, we're going to see you a lot more next, you know, around now without him at least popping back up for a couple of appearances. Wait, didn't we read the book that was based where they were flight attendants in Chicago? Not the right. Yes. Well, Mile High. Mile High. Yeah, Mile High. Yeah. Oh, is this another romance novel? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, boy. (laughs) Which I've Uh, recently heard is called Smut. Um, hang on. I, I can't talk yes. at the same time. Brenda, take the next one too, please. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to Lauren and I's faves, Hannah and Archer. Archer is so good on this show. That dude is oh, great. Good. That dude's a great actor. 
he's so he's, good on the show. He's so good. He's so he's great. The best. It's like so crazy to me to think that like a year ago we were like, fuck him. We can't wait for you till he's off the show. Like you suck. And now we're just like, he's the best. He's my favorite character. Like yeah. the the development this year has been chef's kiss. Ryan, have you been able to check out his podcast yet? Um, I listened to the first episode, but I haven't listened to the subsequent ones. But it's really, it's really, I mean, if you like that kind of just like casual conversation between people, it's like what we always <laughs> hoped when we're like, we could just go to dinner with like Oliver and Apatha and just like enjoy it. That's kind of what it feels like. Except it's Steven Weber and, you know, all friends. of his awesome actor friends. Yeah, basically. Do you guys know about Lauren that was laughing video? so hard that he she left the she left the Zoom. <laughs> oh, she did leave. <laughs> no, that she didn't got see her camera. So I don't know where she went, but uh, yeah. No, Steven's such a good actor, though. He's a really yeah, good. Actor. So good. Yeah. So, so good. good. Um, yeah. So basically, last weekend's with the cliffhanger of where's Sean? We don't know where Sean is. They find Sean this week. Turns out he had just relapsed, which like it is kind of interesting when you think about the fact that he basically relapses because he thinks that his dad and the girl that he has a crush on are now together. And he's like, Oh, that's what pushes him to relapse of all the things he was doing so well until then. It's like, okay. Um, side note to all of the shy hearts out there who are on anxiety meds, just like me, um, Sean relapsed on benzos and alcohol. So if you're out there and you're being good and you're taking your meds, do not drink with it. That's what I did at my wedding, and we learned the hard way. Carry on. Just a note. Yes. PSA. We did learn that the hard way. <laughs> it ended with Gina laying on the floor, just being like, I love you guys. You're amazing. I and feel like we really bonded in that moment. We did. Yeah. True bonding. We really- yeah, we all really bonded in that moment. When you didn't show up to the wedding? You could have come. I wasn't invited. You What? We had the conversation like two weeks before that. I w- I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> so, yeah. So, of course, Dean now feels bad because he feels like he's added to Sean's stress about the kidney and donating the kidney. And he's like, I want to take it off the table. And Hannah's like, no, that's actually the last thing you should do. Um, because that, you know, coming from the perspective of a former addict, she's like, that's literally the worst thing you could do. And then we get this wonderfully awkward kind of the best moment ever though where you know sean's getting ready he's you know ready to check out of the hospital and so hannah and dean and sean are all in the room and sean basically comes clean though he's like tells them why he fell off the wagon which is because he thought hannah and dean were together and they're like wait what like what no like it's 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 really awkward and Hannah's like no no way this is not happening no whoa no and Hannah and Dean's like I okay I think he's got the idea like we're not together and it's like very awkward but I also loved every second of the scene it was yeah yeah really awkward but enjoyable yeah it's it's I I really loved it but Um, but yeah so do you think Dean has feelings for her too yes (laughs) yeah you both do, I know. Yes. Um, I don't think they Gina? know it, though. I don't think he realizes he does, but I think he does. Sorry, Did you say something, him. Lauren? What? Did, I thought you said something. Sorry. I asked Gina if she hated fun. 
I don't. Okay. You can dislike a ship and not dislike fun. I just don't like, I don't feel it between Hannah and Archer. It doesn't mean that I hate fun. Okay. Lauren's giving me that face. I know that face. I give no face. Yeah. Just because I don't feel the buzz. I don't know. Jimmy, did you catch any vibes between Hannah and Archer, even though this was your first time to watch the show ever? He caught vibes by association. Yeah. I Lauren is always right. We all know this. Yeah, that's true. It's some and it's some real, it's some daddy ship vibes, you know? It's true. Carry on. So Archer gets like a really quick side patient, um, which is basically this woman who comes in and she's got terrible stomach pain. But of course, she actually has terrible insurance. Words that were said out of Maggie's mouth. Um which they never talk about the insurance part of it on med. So the fact that Maggie's like, yeah, no, her insurance is terrible. She really shouldn't even be here. It's like, oh, med actually talking about insurance. The fact that those words even came out of Maggie's mouth. I was like, oh my goodness. Like that is a lot. They never talk about insurance on the show. Right, right. Um. So yeah, they basically are like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Med's not in her network. So they're going to, plan to ship her out but basically she gets to the point where she gets into so much pain that they basically have to do something now she cannot wait to be shipped out to whatever other hospital they're going to take her to and so archer's like let's do off the book surgery in the treatment room and i'm like i mean i agree archer but like also i as soon as he said that i was like something's gonna go wrong i was like that just has disaster written all over it yeah yeah but at least we know who's going to walk in Will's footsteps now that he's gone. I literally was about to say the same thing. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> they do need a new lead who always is breaking the hospital rules. True. Yeah. But I guess so that means what? The hybrid OR is no longer a thing. I guess it doesn't exist. We haven't seen the hybrid OR in like like four seasons. It's been more less than that. But No, I want to say it was like last year. <laughs> Yeah, no, and we haven't seen it. And and it's supposed to be like in that corner of the ED. So we should see it. 2.0 ate it. <laughs> but yeah, the amount of the amount of time on this podcast this season that we've devoted to like where exactly in the hospital is 2.0. Like, yeah, 2.0 probably did eat it. Yeah. But anyway, so there you decide. Archer's like, well, get me an anesthesiologist and we're just gonna do this. So he asks Hannah to, you know, be his co whatever. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. And so the rogue surgery is a success, but of course in the middle of surgery, Archer's incision dialysis site gets infected. So he has to kind of take a step back and let Hannah finish it. And so now Archer's, Archer's in pretty bad shape. He basically, he needs this new kidney now. And the whole time Hannah and Archer both know the fact that Sean won't be able to donate the kidney anymore because now he's not, you know, he just had a relapse and you have to be six months sober to donate a kidney, which I did not know that makes sense, but I did not know that. And so finally they end up having to tell Sean and he just feels so guilty in about the fact that he relapsed and he's just like, what have I done? And yeah, that's kind of where this ends, but it does not end with Sean Archer death trope. Not yet, at least. Get the so, clown mask. Get the clown mask. I'm not pulling that thing back out. That wig sucks. We were wrong. Keep Bolo, it on, Gina. I, where's yeah. mine? 
Gina, keep it Warren, on. Put the nose on. Live in your clown one. phase. No, I'm not putting the clown phase on. I'm not doing it. Why didn't but, mine get delivered on time? Yeah, yours. I, I plugged in. I tried to send you one, and Amazon was like, "It'll get here Friday." And I was like, "No, that doesn't work." <laughs> unless you just wanted a clown mask to like keep around for who knows. She needs what. one for next year. For next year, very true. I don't you wear hats keep- though. Yeah, it's not a hat and it's not a mask. It is a wig. It's a wig. It is a wig. <laughs> I know I just said Lauren's never wrong, but it's not a hat. And Gina, it's a wig. It's a wig. <laughs> it's a wig. We've been saying clown mask all year, so it just like fits the phrase. But we okay. also couldn't find like a tolerable one. Not creepy like, killer one. murder clowns. How much more? How much more med stuff do we have? I have an anecdotal med thing. I have two this anecdotal med things for the for transition. Listener. You're this clearly not in the outline, Jimmy. Oh, okay. I'm not in the outline. No, I'm free balling. <laughs> we only have some listener thoughts left. And then oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll save my anecdotal for the ends. Okay. Sick. But yeah, but no, no Sean Archer death trope. So we were wrong, wrong about that. First time ever. I'm never wrong, except for right then. Lauren, yeah. can you get the mic closer to your mouth? I don't think we can hear you when you do that. <laughs> or it just comes in off the top rope. I'm so wrong. <laughs> that's not what you sound like i just thought it was funny (laughs) (laughs) keep going i'm sorry i keep Uh, muting myself you sound like you're like breaking up all the time you're like yeah that's par for the course are we gonna need to separate you two later and be like children behave (laughs) (laughs) the zoom rooms or whatever the fuck you just like (laughs) pop in send you to your own breakout rooms and be like pod to yourselves for like an hour then we'll come back together (laughs) goodness uh yeah we got listener thoughts on this one heather b said sean called out dasher i still hate that ship name for them by the way it makes me why do you hate it because it makes one of like dasher's their ship name yes lord you didn't know this that's awful what else would you call them cannon archer it's not nearly as busy but Dasher oh, makes that me think of sucks. a reindeer. Makes me think of Christmas. Wait. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so Sean called out Dasher. Last week, I wasn't on board with him relapsing because he saw the two of them together, but it worked out much better than I expected. Okay. Um, for the record, I feel like in general, we're not we're not usually on board with anyone relapsing. That's usually an unfortunate circumstance. Just lay that out there. Correct. Um, yeah, and so she said it was awkward. It was adorable. It was the groundwork we groundwork we've needed to launch the ship all season. I loved Hannah's very adamant refusal to acknowledge that there was any potential to their relationship. Eventually, offended Dean, even though he'd agreed. It was the cutest scene. My heart's happy. Yeah. Um, and Allison S said, "Time to squeal." Um, the scene with Dean, Sean, and Hannah was perfection. I'm so happy that it was Sean who first said what others are seeing. Nellie totally noticed it last week, too, and I'm looking forward to when Dean finds out that Hannah's on the dating apps. Um, and then she said, back to last night, I love the denials. Mate, they each made it at the same time. The number of times that Hannah said never was great, and Dean's response after the last one was priceless. In my opinion, they each have feelings for each other, but neither puts those words to feelings. It was Sean saying the words out loud was priceless i also love the way hannah let sean down without needing to really say anything or be cruel um and she's like i don't think sean believes them at all um and then she goes on to say i'm surprised that dean pulled a will last night of everyone in the hospital he was the last one i expected it from i also appreciated the gross growth we've seen from dean this year and the kindness and compassion he showed sean in the hospital was great i don't have enough words to express how all of this made me so happy i agree 
that's how I feel. Yeah, the, the, I, I feel like in, in general, we came out of, well, you guys all came out of the med finale winning. To me, I, I was toast, like- 45 minutes in, I was just like, and I'm done for the night. Thank you. No, but I still, you know what? I still feel like overall, like if you had said like, yes, on the Hannah Archer or Hannah Archer front, I feel like I'm winning and I'm very excited for next season. But like, if you still look at me and I'm like, okay, what is the med finale? Like, I'm still going to remember this one as the one that where Will left. Like, that's still going to be what I remember this one as. And I still think it was still sad. Um, But yes, I think maybe I'm winning more than you were with this one. I wonder if by stretching out this Sean thing with like him having to be six months sober, I wonder if they just gave us our mid-season finale, even though that may not happen to like a year from now. If it even gets to the point where Sean can donate a kidney, Archer may need it before six months. I mean, he kind of needs it now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Jimmy, what was your anecdote on med? Okay. So in the end hospitals are just a lot of dicks vaginas shit and urine and i just say we lead into that um i say we lean into that and uh you just make a kind of lowbrow comedy med show in which um everything is really just dicks vaginas shit and urine um also from a constipation standpoint i don't really know what was wrong with that woman but it reminded me of one of my friend's stories so he's in the hospital like I don't even know what he's in the hospital with, but it's something involving dicks, vaginas, shit, and urine. And he's in the hospital and he has a bedmate who's like in the room right next to him. And there's like a small curtain and she's in bed and she's like, oh, oh, she's like moaning a lot. And he's like, oh, my gosh, whatever she's got, like she's got it bad. And the doctor comes in and is like, what's wrong? And she's like, "In so mu- I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. They're running tests for a day and a half, like literally a day and a half. And finally, on the second day, he's like, okay, so tell me again wh- what you've eaten recently. And she goes, chicken and fries, chicken and fries every day, chicken and fries. And the doctor goes, I'm pretty sure you have the worst case of heartburn I've ever seen. Yikes. That's awful. And uh, I just always, when someone goes to the hospital with anything wrong, I just think chicken and fries, woman. Chicken and fries. Chicken and fries. Every day. Chicken and fries. It's like real, real. And she just had bad heartburn. She just had bad heartburn. That's all I got to say. There's yeah, my chicken fries story. So was that your only spinoff idea? Of uh, of of dicks, vaginas, shit, urine, <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> Lauren's like Brian. I loved that one, Jimmy. Give us another. <laughs> like you got another pitch. <laughs> that one landed. <laughs> nope. Back to you, NBC. <laughs> Uh, any other notes on the season finale of med other than my heart being ripped in two and everybody else winning no we're good okay no, i think i mean yeah it's a hard one i won't want to say it's good because like that ending sucks but it was probably otherwise like i think one of the better ones of the night i missed the halstead brothers already I will say this for having my med virginity taken tonight it it was a lot less painful than some other forms of that losing that may be (laughs) (laughs) jet lag jimmy is my new favorite this is great (laughs) 
I'm so ready for fire. <laughs> oh goodness. There's your transition. I'm so, so ready. So subtle and well executed. Okay. Moving into fire. We're gonna start off with Brett. Um, Brandon, you wanna start us off here? Yeah. So the episode picks off right where we left off, um, where last week's ended, and you've got Brett visiting Amber. Um Amber wants some time to think about what Brett has just proposed to her about taking custody back of the baby so that she can then pass it on to Sylvie. Um, And so Amber wants some time to think about it. And so now Brett, of course, is like nervous and just like waiting for the phone to ring. But I will say, like, I still have mixed feelings maybe about this whole adoption thing. But I did love seeing Stella and Violet be her cheerleaders because I feel like very rarely do we get to see like the girl scenes and I feel like we had a lot of them this week so I did appreciate that part yeah that was nice that was nice for sure um Jimmy are you better versed on where fire is versus med yeah I mean yeah I mean I don't watch it but yeah just checking he knows what's happening Uh, yeah I know what I, I also know what's happening because you know I still am in touch with them. So I know kind of the other side of it of, of what's going on, but I, I know kind of like generally where things were going and different things like that. Plus you all like you all, yes, you all listening it and it's beautiful and wonderful and perfect. And I love you all, but you all tag me in all these things. So I'm consistently like, even if I'm not watching on a Wednesday, the next morning, I'm like on all of the socials, just like clips, 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 or they're in my feed. Cause I follow you all. And like, you know, so I know generally where things are at. Cool. Got it. All right. So Brett is waiting for Violet as she gets out of the shower. Cause that's not weird at all. Nope. That's not weird at all. Nope. Wow. Uh, they already violated the bet. Did you see that? I know. One? <laughs> one in. <laughs> not as easy as I I thought it was gonna be. Have they even made been following the bet the past couple weeks? Yes. No. It's been a lot harder than yeah. It, it really ha- no, we have I... always we have always made even if we forget we do always remember and we say it from then on out. But sometimes like a little bit of a lie right now. Here's here's what I will say. We sat in that hotel room. And I said, that is a big commitment. I said, that is a yes. big commitment of a bet. And you both were like, uh, we're in. And I was like, are you sure? Because I knew. I was like, that's a long, that's a lot. But it is. I will weren't say this. Wait, I also I thought of my this, punishment though. for next year. Oh, yeah? For them I'm going to get a lip tattoo. <laughs> You're going to get a lip tattoo? Yeah. Of what, Lauren? Jeez, Everything but the pressure. kitchen sink. Oh my god! Look at the hashtag, like EBTK initials. Wow, I'm... that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. We won't lose, but that's incredible. Um, no, I know, no, no. I... I'm the best. Except you are that the you best. Will that's a bummer mm. for you, but you know what? I just want to. I want to say first of all, we're gonna we're gonna address that, Lauren. Don't worry. Thank you for bringing that into my purview. Um, I want to say this. I recuse you both of any stress. Or any, um, any pain no. or anything. Hold on, Lauren. <laughs> if you do it, no. that's great. If you don't, 
that is okay. There's lots of grace to be had. And the fact we that you're trying. We do is it. We just may not do it on the first reference, but we always do it. I'm just saying. It. Yeah. And here I am just saying friend to friend, BFF to BFF. Keep going. <laughs> anyway. So where was I? Oh, yeah. So Greta's waiting for Violet when she gets out of the shower. It's for life. There you go. There we go. Um, and she's freaking out because she's like, Amber doesn't really know her, so why should she trust her? And Violet's like, Well, she trusted you to leave the baby here. Like, that has to mean something. And then we get this scene, and Carver interrupts. He's also naked, heading for the shower. <laughs> and, and so he gets in the shower, and Brett's like, Don't think I haven't noticed how you've been looking at him lately. And that's the first reference we've gotten to that in a hot second. And it's like, okay are we going back there are we not going back there like what is happening i was really hoping they'd forgotten about that i just don't know what they're doing like are they going there or are they not going there like just pick a lane and stick with it yeah i can't say my opinions but you all uh you can though no why (laughs) you all know oh well because you want carver and stella yeah (laughs) that's not a hot take no there's other people i feel like out there that do too it's a hotter take but it's not a hot take okay well i just i'm still not aboard the carver train i'm just not he just like he's just there no i'm more i'm definitely more aboard the carver train now i just don't know i feel like they don't know whether they want to go down this path or like the stella path and i'm just like just pick a path I, but yeah, awkward silence amongst the four of us. Gotta love it. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I say it all the time. I still say it to this day. And I'm, I swear to God, Jimmy, I'm not saying this because we're friends, but there was no other guy for Violet but Evan. So like nobody else is ever going to compare. Seriously, that's my take on it. And I'm not saying that just because we're friends. It's the truth. Just my take. That's all. I'm not feeling it between Carver and anybody. But you I don't no, like Carver. I have no period. idea. I don't have no idea who this Hawkins guy is you're talking about. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. No. Nope. Heard he had a bad day at a movie theater once. <laughs> <laughs> but Gina, you don't, you're just not on the Carver train, period. Like, no, I'm not even on the Carver- as like a member of 51. I, I, I'm just kind of like, okay, you're there, you're existing. But I'm like protective of Violet. I'm like, don't mess with our girl. Like, Leave her alone. She's awesome. Like, protect her at all costs. Just saying. But I just wish they would pick a lane and stick with it. If you're going there, go there. If you're going with the seller out, go with the seller out. But, like, pick a lane. If I have to pick between Stella and Carver or Violet, Hawkins for Life and Carver, um, I'm going to choose Stella. Just because. Wow. I'm not. I mean, it's either, like adultery or like a ship i don't want <laughs> it's, it's a lose-lose <laughs> what are you laughing? don't put it like that it's true though no. incredible stuff gina incredible stuff <laughs> really good stuff i'm just gonna be ple- by the way i'm just gonna be pleading the fifth on a lot of fire stuff by the way just FYI. yeah we know we know i figured we figured where am i but, wrong that's why i'm here never get together then it's cheating Say that again, you cut out for a second. Yeah, if Stella and Carver happen, it's cheating. 
And then if it's violent and Carver, it's just like. I think, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think if they ever go the Stella and Carver route that they're going to have that happen while she's with Steveride. I don't think they'd ever have Stella cheat on him. I think it would happen like once they get divorced or whatever happens, you know, whatever happens to Stellaride. I don't know. I don't think it's happening like in six episodes from now. Whereas like if Violet Carver happening, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Does it have to? I think it's more likely to happen than Stella, but... I'm going to sit back and drink my little drinky drink. So carry on. <laughs> so, yeah. So shower scene. Then we get Casey. Casey comes to town, which more on that later. And of course, like literally the first thing he does is find Brett. And she tells him all about how he, you know, she wants to adopt this baby. And of course he's like so supportive about it. And, you know, she's, he's just like, I'm happy for you. This is, if you want this, this is all I want for you. And yeah. Um, let's see then. So, oh, so then Violet finds Mouch asleep in the middle of the night and she has this idea that she wants to run by him. I'm like, you couldn't have waited till he's awake in however many hours. Like you got to wake him up in the middle of the night. So... She and Mouch and Stella and, of course, special guest Casey go on this road trip. And Violet's idea is they go on this road trip to visit Amber. And Amber's dad is skeptical at first about the fact that they came all the way to visit her. And I thought that this whole scene was just kind of weird. I was like, it's not that weird, but it also is kind of weird that they road tripped just to try to convince a teenager to let their friend take a baby. Like, I don't know. It was it was weird. But it's not as weird as I think her dad made it out to be. But the whole thing's just kind of a little weird. It's pretty extra. I mean, it's sweet. Like, it's sweet that they wanted to do that for her. Obviously, the things they said are very sweet. But it's definitely a little extra. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a little extra. Um, And, of course, Casey's like, as soon as I heard that I wanted to join, he's like, you know, I want to tell you about the most amazing, caring person I know. And if we don't really get to hear anything else that anyone else says, but I'm sure it's all very much similar. <laughs> um, So, of course, Brett goes to visit the baby again, and she's like, knowing this might be your last chance. And she asks if the baby has a name yet, and the mom and the foster mom says no. So she's like, if she were mine, I'd call her Julia after my birth mother. Which doesn't surprise me that she, I kind of figured she was going to name, if she got the baby, that she was going to name her after um, her mom. Yeah. That does not surprise me. Um, Dylan comes by, though, and as Brett is getting ready for their afternoon date, their three o'clock movie, which that's a choice. No, but who does that? I mean, I love a good three o'clock movie. I don't know if I'd go on a date for a three o'clock movie though but like a three o'clock movie is good if you're going solo but jimmy are you a morning movie guy because you're you're the movie buff of the group of us morning movies nighttime movies here's the thing going on dates to movies kind of sucks it sucks it's great if you're dumb it's great if you're dumb and have nothing to talk about it's like generally speaking if i'm going to a movie with someone it's like I need at least an hour or two hours before or after so I can actually talk to them and, and about the movie or not about the movie. It's like oh, the only way that a, that a date like that works is if you're like 
we are so excited to see this movie that's coming out. I have two hours in the middle of my day to go see this movie. I'm so excited to see this movie. Do you want to come with me? And that's not really a date. That's just two people meeting up at the movie theater to share in an experience. If you're like a person who is like, I love going on movie dates. I have questions about your IQ. And also, let's be clear, a three o'clock movie date, that's nail in the coffin. They're breaking up soon. The flame is out. If you're going to three o'clock movies, the flame is out. It's an odd time. Very odd time for a movie. Like I said, by yourself, if you really just want to see the movie, three o'clock movies, great. Date, no way. Oh, by yourself, any time of day. I'm like, uh, come one, come all. I go to 9 a.m. movies. I go to 10 p.m. movies. I'm like, absolutely. And hot take, I love going to movies alone. Love going to movies alone. Oh, I or always with, go to movies alone. Yeah, or with Kyle. Or with Kyle. <laughs> or with Kyle. <laughs> Jimmy, how hate, Guardians 3 will hate everything. Me? What's up? How bad is Guardians 3 going to break me? It's really, really great. I don't know about break you. I think that it, it it might, it might, but it is, it is really, really, really great. And it's, um, it's beautiful, fun, has probably the best three minutes of action we're going to see this year in cinema. Uh, and it, it, it's just a beautiful landing in a world of a cinematic universe. That's kind of crash landed a bunch of shit lately. So I agree with that. everyone. Go listen to the latest episode of everything but the kitchen sink for more on that. When did Lauren get back? (laughs) In the future, you can just flash your lip. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Brian is like, I just want to talk about Brett. Jeez. No, the lip tattoo is going to be great. I can't wait for next year already. (laughs) The lip tattoo is going to be I will literally do it. I will. Maybe. We have to win next year, Bryna. We have to. (laughs) No. Will I actually watch college basketball this year to prep? Maybe. Maybe. Probably not, though. Oh, by, uh, the, way, Jimmy, by the way, um, I was at a work trip last week, and one of my coworkers went to Creighton, and I specifically asked him, I was like, how far did you put them in your bracket? And he was like, oh, I had them out in the Sweet 16. I'm like, so guess what my friend did? And I told him, and I was like, Final Four, and he was like, that's a reach. I was like, damn straight. <laughs> I don't even know enough about college basketball, and I know that. Best starting five in college basketball right there. Great shooting percentage. Baylor Shireman. Got to ride him. Got to ride him. And we won. That's all that what matters. What are you do without your favorite podcast now? Oh. They, both follow, they follow me now. But in two different things. They both follow me now. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I love that. I kind of freaked out when they followed me. <laughs> I, had a, I fangirled. <laughs> Titus and Tate and Jimmy. The podcast. Oh, where did I leave out? Okay, so Dylan comes by as Brett's getting ready for their date, and he breaks up with her, which is literally what we've all been waiting for for, like, ten episodes now. I'm sorry, Sylvie, but I I can't go. What? I have been spinning out about things between us nonstop, and I hate to say this because I really, really like you, but I think we need to break up. I don't understand. I thought things were going really well. Is this about the baby? Because that might not even happen, Dylan. I know. I can tell just the way you've focused on her that we're at really different places in our lives right now. You mean you don't want a family? I do. Someday. But 
It's not just that. Last time Matt was here, he went MIA on me for a while. And even when we were together, you, you weren't all there. Now he's back. He's here for work, not for me. Are you sure about that? But either way, it's pretty obvious that you never really got over him. Hey, you warned me at the start that you weren't ready for anything serious. You were right. I'm sorry. I really like being with you, Dylan. You are a great guy. You're pretty great, too, Sylvie. And I hope everything works out with that little girl. Bye, Dylan. Yeah. Although he is technically Hawkins, like BFF. So I guess we're like, oh. You know? Oh, yeah. That, do you have to be nice to him? No, but... I stand with what I texted you guys during that scene, so... Last night? Yeah. I don't remember what you texted. I don't know. Well, uh, is that... Do, are we, Laura, do you want it out with Laura texted? You can say it and I can cut it out. You can say it and I can cut it <laughs> I'm out. Just saying, he looks like he can't find the clit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 like I mean, that's just what he looks like. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I will say I this. I remember what you said that about. I'm gonna but say, I did remember I'm gonna you say, saying that. I'm gonna say this. Okay, it's like the, the guy is very handsome. I think he's a fine actor. I don't know him at all. I think he's a fine actor. It it their scenes feel like two nice people being nice at each other with words and and you're like and i don't think that that's like like i don't think that kara was like this isn't going anywhere <laughs> like i think it's like both of them you know what i mean being like we're we're on to the next thing and clearly because like matt i mean jesse matt like proposes to her at the end of this episode so it's sometimes i'm like sometimes i think kara also is like oh this is this is temporary or whatever you know in in a moment um and uh I thought it was over like weeks ago. So I was a little confused when I saw him because I, 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 you know. Um, well, it was. And then she convinced them to get back together. And so did, then they did were you back feel, together. Yeah. Did you feel here's a question for everybody. Did you feel that that character like did they give him any runway? Did they give him any runway? Like, I'm OK, because I like obviously he comes in as a device connected to my arc. And it was like, you know, did they give him any runway to have his own thing? You know, that was like my question. I mean, like, no. no, yeah, he was just, I mean, they tried to give him this like magic show shit about the fact that he does these like magic shows for kids, like at hospitals. And like, they did Jeez. that a lot. And it was just like, that's the closest they got. And it just did not work. It did not work. Yeah. But rough. No, <laughs> but yeah, it was, but we love to see long... it. I'm I'm pro anybody who was supposed to be on the show for like two episodes and made it longer than that. I see you, brother. Way to go. We are pro. Way to go. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so but Brett's not even heartbroken about it. She's just like she. I mean, she's a little sad, I guess, but she's like not really that heartbroken about it. She's just like, eh, okay, I've got more important things to worry about right well, now. Well, clearly, because she's about to wear a yellow shirt, overalls, and be serving while she's getting proposed to. Do you see that? 
She's yeah. like yellow wall. She's like serving. I was like, this is how we all want to look when we're proposed to. My gosh. Or in my case, when I'm proposing, I, who knows? I might get proposed to by the woman. That could be a case. That, that would happen to me. I was actually, I was wearing my wolf sweatshirt and I was freezing when I got proposed to. Yeah, you did. You were wearing your wolf entertainment. I was. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was absolutely freezing at the Albuquerque Balloon Festival. Yeah. yeah. On brand. So on we brand also, for you, Gina. We also love a messy bun. She had like kind of like a messy bun during it. It was, it was, it was a, it was great. Karen crushed it. What's up, Karen? Shout out hair and makeup. <laughs> Love oh it. no, it was Dom. Dom did hair. What am I doing? Duh, idiot. She, her face looked great too, Karen. And Dom not everybody Karen. can pull off yellow. Yellow is a hard color to pull off, and Kara did it well. Oh, Kara, Kara is yellow. She's so yellow. Absolutely. Great color for her. Love it. So, Malchin and Violet update Casey and Stella's is back when we're at 51. Of course, there's still no update for Amber. And Violet's like, I feel bad for her. She's had a rough couple days, you know, between this and the breakup with Dylan. And literally, as soon as Violet says that, the look on Casey's face is like, now is my moment. This is it. This is what I've been waiting for for however long. This is my moment. He doesn't say that, but this is just his moment. He knows it. So... Later on, Brett gets the call from Amber. She's going to be able to adopt Julia. Everyone's very happy. I mean, Casey's even, like, choked up about how happy he is for her, for him. You know, it's a very exciting moment. And then Casey shows up at Brett's apartment, and we get this. Matt, hi. Hey, Sylvie. Um, come on in. Our first kiss was right here. I remember it pretty well. So do I. I got something about a year and a half ago, and I wanted to give it to you before I go back to Portland. Oh. Sylvie Brett, we were meant to be. Will you make me three kids, luckiest family in the world, marry me? So we get a proposal with no answer, and that's the cliffhanger. Classic. So many. We're back, baby. We're back. Brett C. Brett C. Brett C. Brett C. Logan's no, about to clip that and make that her ringtone. Like right now, as she's out on this. Make that her ringtone. Oh, I thought I thought we were in. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's switch. Change it up. Daw C. Daw C. Cut that in. Okay, both. Love it. I love it. Okay, so wait. So here's my question though, because Matt says that he's had this ring for a year and a half. So what was his plan? He definitely brought it back to Chicago with him for this particular visit. But was he just going to be like, fuck you, Dylan, and ask anyway? Or was he just kind of like hoping this would happen? I think he was kind of just hoping this to happen. But the timing, which we knew even the last time Casey came back, that the timing was so off because there's no way he's already been in Portland for three years. Yeah, Like we know that that's not a thing. So I'm like, okay, so if he's had it for a year and a half, does that mean he's basically had it since they got together? Year and a half takes us to middle of season nine. Well, they got together at the end of season nine. 
TV time. Yeah, I mean, like, but close. And I mean, you know, basically since very early on in their relationship, like pre-Portland. Yeah, no, pre-Portland, but... I mean, by that logic, if he's had it for a year and a half, that means he got it right after they like confess their love for each other. That's what I'm saying. All right, let's text him and ask. Let's do it. Yeah, but don't you feel like sometimes with someone like that, um, like somebody that you have in your life for a really long time and when you finally decide, okay, we're going to take a really big step and we're going to like be like, you know what? I think these are more than just friend feelings. You already know everything about the person, you know, like all of the hangups, you know, all of these things. And I think that there is a moment that like that cliff can be the scariest cliff. Cause then like, once you're past that point, if it works at all on a relationship level, you're like, well, shit, I guess we're getting married because like, I've known you for 10 years. Like, you know, it, 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 the, the road, like no one is going to be like, man, they, they weren't engaged long enough because they've known each other for 10 years. And I do think someone like that could be like, I need to get a ring because this is the one. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I want, I mean, when they got together, you know, the whole thing, their whole like big get together moment is like, well, when you know, you know, and that's how they end up getting together. Cause it, at that point it had been like two and a half seasons, you know, of them like kind of trying to figure it out. So like, I think I, I definitely buy it. It's just like the fact that like Casey was supposed to be gone for three years and then they fucked up the timing when he came back a couple episodes ago. And now it's like the timing of, oh, he's had it for a year and a half. It's like, well, how long has it actually been? But so this isn't something that the Internet's like, yeah, the Internet's half the not happy. I mean, internet it depends is. on where you fall. Like, obviously, the people who like Brett and Casey are very happy with it. The people yeah. who don't like Brett and Casey are like, what are we doing? And I guess my question is, I'm very happy about it. I did not think we were going to get it as a cliffhanger. I thought it was going to be her saying yes, and then this was going to be Kara's exit. And so I guess my question is, obviously, we'll find out what the answer is when we come back. But is Jesse, because the idea I thought was Jesse was only going to be back for one episode. So, like, I guess Jesse's going to be back for the premiere? I guess. I think think what this is, I think what this is, is uh, one of those situations where they're going to give, either they're going to give Kara the premiere or like three episodes, like they did Jesse this past season. I still think she's exiting. I, I do too, but yeah. I guess I thought it was more interesting that they left it as a cliffhanger because I thought this was going to be it. They had Jesse come back for this episode. They were going to ride them off in the sunset, and I still think that's going to happen. I just thought it was interesting that they prolonged it a little bit. Because like, what's the point if she says no, right? Because he came back, and we had the whole discovery of like they're still in love with each other. If she says no. Well, girl, you just broke up with Dylan. So you don't want Dylan. You don't want Matt. What do you want? Right. And you know, we know you want Matt because you've literally said it like 20 times this season. You walked away from Molly's crying your eyes out last time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's going to say yes. And I still think it's her exit. Like I said, I just thought I figured we would have had them like exiting in this episode. So I was surprised that Kara technically is still around. Not mad though. I'm not mad. No, I mean, we did not need another egg. We did not need multiple exits in one night, but I think well, like, and all of you listening know, like the hour, even just that one hour before the show's aired on Wednesday night, like everybody went from zero to 60 because LaRoyce posted a video that was like beautifully edited and perfect and sounded like a goodbye. And then right before the show started, Christian posted something along the same lines. So like we were all just coasting and totally fine until an hour before the show's aired. And then like all of us just, our anxiety just like blew through the roof. 
And so all of a sudden we were like, well, shit, we could lose two people on each show tonight. And so I'm glad that of those six that we could possibly lose, we lost, I think just one. One. Yeah. Yeah. Kara was on that list. So I'm glad that we, we haven't lost her yet, even though I still think she's going to leave, but we're going to do. Yeah. Um, Halfway across the world. Okay. Pleading the fifth again. Your honor, I'd like to plead the fifth. Um, we did have some listener thoughts. Emily S said, as a Bretzy diehard, my heart couldn't have been happier for them last night, both individually and as a couple. I can't say I've been totally on board with Sylvie trying to adopt Julie on her own, but I felt that way. The way they wrote those scenes in the finale made up for the rushed and abrupt storyline from the last few episodes. I appreciated how she acknowledged that wanting to adopt the baby seemed rushed and strange and that she was able to voice that it just might not happen. I thought it was a huge step in the right direction and reality check that she needed to give herself. And she said, I'm all about an engagement, but are we really being led to believe that Matt just carries around a diamond ring with him every time he's in Chicago in the hopes that Sylvie's single again and wants to marry him? The last time he was there, she was in a relationship and he could probably tell she wasn't truly happy, but I thought it was awfully presumptuous for him to bring the ring back with him this time around, knowing she was still with Dylan. I thought it was sweet to hear that he's had the ring for a year and a half, practically since he first started dating Sylvie. He knew long ago that they were meant to be, and I have no doubt she'll say yes, but I am anxious for their next chapter. Is Matt moving back to Chicago? I don't think so. Um, Can't imagine Sylvie's going to be able to take the baby to Portland with her, but stranger things have happened. My Bretzy loving heart hopes Sylvie didn't give us his payout just to see Sylvie say no. But for right now, until the shows come back, I'm going to live in a space where she says yes, and the two of them build a family together. Yeah. I don't think she says no, but I don't think he's coming back either. He said that in, in one of the articles, not from this, not from the finale, but the other episode he came back for, he said that he was like, there's no way Casey's coming back full time. I would just like to say this once again, as a guy who has a backpack that I carry around with me everywhere. Okay. I'm going to speak from a little bit from the male perspective here. I have certain sentimental things that I keep in that bag- backpack that are very, very, very important to me that are in the same pocket of that backpack that have been on my back for two, three years that are there. And like, if I had a, like, not, I don't know if I would do that with a diamond ring necessarily, but like of similar elk, if you will, or elk, elk, whatever the word is. Yes. Like there are things. And like, so I, I would totally buy that. I would totally buy that. So I'm going to say just trying to imagine like okay that he just carries it around for sentimental value no you just have it's an important thing to you it's an important thing that like like i mean as a person who's a romantic and as a person who has done lots of big romantic things like that before you'd be surprised i think and i and uh yeah so so i buy it and also in that moment like part of how it's written too is like he's like i want you to have this which could have been the sort of thing of like this was always to for you you know, you, I don't want it anymore because it's for you. He kind of turns it into a proposal, but like, I also am the type of person that would be like, Hey, I have this thing. Like it was always for you. I want you to have it, what you choose to do with it, you know, or, you know, and then whatever, maybe it turns into an engagement ring, but whatever. Um, that's my feelings on that. I, I also think that, that I could see that him carrying the ring as like a reminder of like, you're not going to be in Portland forever and like, go get her. Sure. I could see that. It's true. I also think that, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to plead the fifth on that too. We can edit it out. Yeah, just say it. 
No, I can't. We're recording. I'd, I'd be too. Uh, no, I can't. You don't trust us. Wait, your shirt. You put on your shirt. I do. I do trust you. But I, I am being very, a very good guest. I'm trying to be a fan guest today. Fan guest. Jimmy doesn't trust me. So that's where it all boils down to. I mean, she has proof of you saying that too. She has a, a, a lip tattoo. How could I trust you? I know. I think you guys should get the lip tattoo together. Yeah. <laughs> Content. Content. Could vlog it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daisha said, in terms of Dylan and Brett, I'm glad he finally broke up with her. Smartest thing he ever did. I'm excited, but a bit hesitant about her getting to adopt Julia because I worry that that means she might leave next season. The scene with her and Casey at the end had me in tears. I don't know if she'll say yes. Part of me hopes she does, but part of me hopes she doesn't only because then she would leave. This is me and Will. Like, I get why he left. I don't like it, though, because I love him. So I get it. Yeah. Um, Amy said, I'm not a big Betsy fan, but I hope she says yes and gets her happy ending. She deserves her happy ending. Yeah, I that's at this point, that's all I want is like, I mean, granted, I am a Brett and Casey fan. But at this point, let Sylvie just have her happy ending, like go live with Matt and wherever they want to live and like just go right off into the sunset and be happy because we rarely get those. And I just just let it just let us have our one happy exit on fire because it hasn't happened in a while. Can you imagine if we got both Manstead and Bretzi endgame in the same night? Well, we didn't, but it was close to happening. Close enough. Yeah, but like I, I would say if if the first if the premiere of season 12, whenever that may be, if that results in like them moving off to Portland together, I would I would still count that as like Bretzi and Manstead endgame in the same night. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean I hope it happens because we could all use a little more happiness in this fandom. After all the shit we've been through this season, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Amani said, I feel like they should have switched the Mouch cliffhanger with the Bretzy proposal cliffhanger or, you know, working a lost dose. Why not both? Yeah. Well, I think she just means like, I could kind of see like maybe ending with the Mouch cliffhanger. And I've seen a lot of talk about people saying that obviously this episode didn't get locked in until after the writer strike. So how much did that play a role in the way kind of the ending of fire and the way the ending of pd happened like how much did that play a role into it i don't know but yeah i just want to say this i just want to say this like christian gets hit with shrapnel like give give him give him a close-up give him an an ecu give him something so let him have a moment of being a hero or a moment like I, I desperately wanted him to get more of a moment on either side, either a moment of when he gets hit or a moment in the, you know, when, when we, even more of a moment as like you see the blood and stuff, because are, are we going to get into this later or no? Mm-hmm. Never mind. I'll shut up. No, keep going. You're good. No, you keep no, going. I'm just saying it's like one of the things about Mouch is that like Mouch is one of the people who's been there since the beginning and is someone who is kind of a supporting character in his own story. So this is a big moment for him. And I just wish it would have been more from his perspective and less from like Stella and Carver's perspective as they did cool moves on guys on rooftops. Mm -hmm. And I wish that Reza would have, I wish that the writers and Reza in general would have 
leaned into that with with Mouch instead of making it, you know, and and again, that ending is a great point. I think it's Imani who said that of mm-hmm. like flipping that, get, you know, giving giving Christian like the person who even in. Uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. That's all I'm going to say. Because oh, he's great. Because Christian does such a great job. He does such a great job, oh, and nice. he has a lot of range and even dramatic range. He has dramatic range and could have done some heavy lifting more than they gave him. I still remember talking to him back in 2018 when they had the con at Lottie's, and like just like talking to him was so cool because he had so many stories and like he's known Amy Morton for like 20 years, and so he was talking about her. And I was just sitting there, I was just like, "Tell me everything! Like this is so cool." But yeah, he's cool stuff. He's very cool. And Christian is the best dude. I had dinner with him. It, like a group of us were having dinner and him and his wife and his daughter, um, uh, which is crazy. Like when I met him, she he was dropping her off at college and now she's done with her sophomore year, which is kind of crazy. Um, but he's just the best guy. And he's and he's uh, and he's he's just the best dude. He's the best dude. And he's a really, really, really talented actor. Really talented actor. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. So. Now we'll get into the Stella and Casey of it all. And um, yeah, this is happening. So as they're coming in for shift at the beginning of the episode, Brett asks Stella how it went with Severide. Because now, okay, now granted, we all know what I was up to last week during the penultimate. So did Joe tell Stella about what the guy at the Academy told her? You didn't watch it? I... I was in and out of a nasty red wine hangover. So no, I know, but I thought you went back and rewatched it. I didn't. Gina was in her yes, criminal he era. Tells her that's how the episode ends. Gina was definitely in her criminal era. <laughs> we learned, um, but yeah. So I, I, I guess Cruz just went back and told her, and I never knew. But that's okay. Um, yeah. So Stella knows that Seb was off on some like arson thing or whatever, and so. She talked to him and she's like, yeah, so Sev's kid, Severide said like, he didn't tell me because it came up really suddenly and that it wasn't a big deal. Dude, what? Like, she's your wife. Like, you can't say, oh, it it came up so suddenly that I couldn't tell you. You're telling me you didn't have like five minutes, whether it be like at the airport or on a drive to like, not even just text her and just be like. I'm also like now, now I'm like, which is worse, ghosting or being available, but also completely vague at the same time. Like, what is actually worst? I think what Jay did was still worse. I think that's worse. Yeah, I mean, that is worse. But is, in this situation, is ghosting worse? Like what Stella did last year? Or is what Severide's doing now, which is like, he's around, but he's like just being completely vague about everything. The only way I'm okay with this is if it's like some something really big where it's like, hey, I'm like working with the government to stop like the mother of all arsons and it's like code clearance. I'd be cool with it if it's that. But anything else, I'm like, you're being a dick right now. Stop it. Like, stop. Um, yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's not a big deal. We're not gaslighting our wives. We're not doing that. That's not cool. That's not nice. Um, yeah. And so she's like, he was just so vague about everything, not just exactly what he's up there, but also how it affects when he comes home. So we don't know. Sounds pretty similar to what happened to him last year on the show. The other way around. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Lauren, speak up when you're talking on the pod. We can barely understand what you're saying. She's usually so chatty. What? I don't even know what you just said, but whatever you said, I could barely understand it. It definitely wasn't me, Jimmy Nicholas, who said that. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) 
Keep going. Hundred. Sorry, team. Save I have nothing. I'm just hanging. You're it's just okay. hanging. I'm just hanging. I'm You're in lightsaber gummies. Watch me catch this. You missed it. Oh, <laughs> that was awful. Oh, I can't wait to pull. Video. All right, this is just in. I did not catch it. <laughs> you- I threw it too far. <laughs> Best finale recording ever. We, I think, the four of us have to do every finale here on out. Like this is just. Oh my gosh. Best. I'm never gonna work again. We're gonna if be I do in the nursing finales. home. We're literally gonna be in the nursing home. Like, what up? Well, and they're gonna be like, don't, be going don't talk to her. So. No, yeah, they'll I be really... like, don't talk to her. She has a lip tattoo. <laughs> no one will know that. We'll know, and we'll make sure all the listeners know. Wait, 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 wait. That's a great point, Brian. Brian brought up a great point that I'd love to discuss with you. How many more seasons do you think One Chicago has? Who goes? Which show goes first when they leave? And how many more seasons do you think they have? Oh, I don't think any of them are ending for a while. Okay. But I think if one goes first, it's going to be mad. Really? I didn't even sure. think about that. That was just first thing out of my mouth. Oh, goodness. Well, that's the rating. I mean, the ratings would point to that. Like, that's not a, the, the you know, it's, but it's, 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 no, you know, the rating. Well, the, the well, PD is in last, but PD streams really yes. well. PD right. is like PD a really well. strong streamer. Yes. Correct. And I feel also, like they would go out at the same time. And also, you have to look at the PD slot, the time slot. That's not a yes. prime time slot. Yeah. Right. Prime like, time slot is obviously. even fire. consider axing that slot which tbd but it's not gonna happen yeah i don't think they're not gonna ax it i don't think (laughs) would they not go out at the same time um i mean listen uh it would be like quaking if that happened but no because here's why because you have to at least shoot the shot you have to at least shoot the shot of okay if less is more if we take one of these away you have to at least for one season see if the ratings go up on the other two or if the streaming numbers go up on the other two. You have to at least try that out. I also think the whole cutting programming in the 10 p.m. hour or whatever that was was a ploy for in negotiations with, you know, because NBC has to negotiate with Wolf Entertainment, if I'm correct, like different things like that. It was a little bit of ploy in those negotiations like, hey, we could cut all this and just go local, like a little bit of a kind of a dick, dick on the table move. Sorry, continue. It was an interesting question I had in my head. Well, wait, I'm the only one who answered. I want to know what you guys think. I mean, no, I don't think they're ending anytime soon. I think, do I think maybe they'll go as long as like SVU's gone? I don't know about that, but I don't think they're ending like anytime soon. I think, I know a lot of people are like with all the cast changes, they're just like, they just need to end already, you know? And I'm like, that's not happening. Like show all shows happen all the time. I mean, not that there's been like a ton of long running shows, but they go through cast changes all the time. And I think these shows will get through all these cast changes, but uh, yeah. So I just, I don't think they're ending anytime soon, but I think the bigger question is what is going to happen in the network TV landscape. If network TV over the next five years is still able to pull five, six million people, the Chicago shows will still be there. At least two of them will still be there because they can still draw. If we continue to see kind of an evacuation of viewers from those network shows, you know, I think you could see some big changes because it's, you know, the, 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 I believe, and I don't want to speak out of hand here, but it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like um, 
your your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. The greatest strength of the shows is that they have 22 episodes, and that's a ton of content, 22 hours of advertising. That's and streaming. That's incredible. But that's your greatest weakness too, because of how much money that costs. So yeah. it's both at once. If it goes pure streaming, you don't need 22 hours because you're not looking for advertisements. So then it changes too. It's like, do you go less episodes, things like that? Um, so I think it's a bigger question. I mean, like, I would be surprised if I, any of them got canceled in the next like year or I mean in the next two years I think both of them have two seasons left but it is an interesting especially looking at the ratings and how the ratings have kind of what, what's been going on ratings wise for sure yeah well and my question except is, for like episode three of of uh season 11 on fire like that episode is really strong I I wonder why too soon Jimmy I gotta check it out too I gotta soon. see why that rating is so high you see huh. you soon <laughs> too soon um yeah well my question is too all this stuff that's happening right now with all the unions striking i mean whatever it's our podcast we talk about whatever we want whenever we want um uh, with all the unions striking right now and you've got shows like constantly canceling all their shows and everything like the cw right now it's like the red wedding over there they're canceling everything what do these networks expect us to watch do they just like reality because that ain't gonna last lip tattoos <laughs> yeah well look at the mtv model Look at what MTV does for programming. Ridiculousness is on. It's a lot of ridiculousness, right? There are weird niches when it comes to programming and what ads and like, and especially when you look at like the CW shows, the CW shows, what they pull in for a ratings is like less than a million viewers. They're not making them necessarily to be watched at all on the CW. It's purely based on what they can sell that to, to a streamer. And they get to, and they get to put it on the CW and they get to like run it and have ads there. They charge very little for those ads, but then they get to sell it to a streamer. You know, I'll I'll never forget the Batgirl show on CW. The first season of that show did like 0.25, like less than 200,000 people were watching that show the first season. And they were kind of like, yeah, but if it's if it's watchable and if we can sell it to a streamer if we could get a viewership there. And so they were just like, we're just going to stick with it. But the ratings were like crazy because i was looking at ratings for chicago fire and i was like reading the cw ratings i was like whoa so cw has like a totally different model of what yeah. they're trying to do they're, they're playing they're playing a different game than than your main ones but you are right i mean they are they're clearly shifting their strategy if they're you know axing all these shows mm -hmm. yeah. trigger warning the next the cw next time you talk to me oh you want a trigger warning on the cw didn't the flash this is end, like wednesday night R Riverdale's night. done. No, I mean, it's not Riverdale. It's The Flash. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't, I'm just because of Casey. I, I know the Riverdale stuff. Riverdale's ending. Riverdale's like, they're done shooting. They just, they're wrapping like Yeah, right they now. just finished shooting. Yeah. 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 Lauren, um, does Jimmy know about your theory? Oh, that everyone has beef with a D-list actor? Yeah. Everybody has beef with a D-list actor? Tell me more. Like, think about it. Like, Every single person has beef with at least one D-list actor. That's my theory. Okay. What's who, who's the example? Mine's embarrassing. Okay, it's fine. It's Grant Gustin. I literally have so much beef with that man. You have you oh, everybody has beef. Like so you human like every beings, person I was like actors have beef with I was like, why are they are punching below no, 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 their no. weight? Like like every single person that you talk to will have beef with some D-list actor. For like okay. an irrational reason that actually doesn't so, yeah. Grant Grant is the flash, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. That's if mine. Grant also just like, just want to put this out there. If Grant Gustin is a D list actor, I am an F minus. <laughs> I am a, I am a, it's like a it's like if you're gonna call you have your own tv show and it's called the flash after you playing the titular character like we can't even give him like b minus so that i can be a d plus like i really i have beef with you and i am not uh, like lauren maybe you should just start saying it as like you have irrational (laughs) beef with celebrities no, because that doesn't have a ring to it everyone has beef with a d-list actor I love that. I I just I had to say that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny because in my mind I was like D list, D list. Okay, I was shooting much lower. <laughs> I was like the guy who says clear on on Chicago. <laughs> like that's D list. <laughs> Sorry, keep going, guys. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I know who Brian is. Is mine? Mine is not D list, but I cannot say it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Mine's not D-list either, but... We've had this conversation so many times on this podcast. We had the conversation that you never seen. has not edited yet. About a D-list episode? No, D-list celebrities we have beef with. Can you say a name that the name rhymes with? I can put it in the chat. Oh, I'll say mine. Fine, Timmy Bickelis. Brian, uh, That rhymes. Timmy Bickelis. You You nailed that. Mine's Jennifer Love Hewitt, but... Yeah, a fake Kentucky fan. Not D-list, but yeah. I love that. I love Find that. Jimmy, who's yours? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gina, Gina just put hers in the chat. Um, yeah, I uh yeah, I want it first of all. I'm interested, Bryna, in your your uh your um reasoning for Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay, but for me, you know, you're talking about people that like like I have to be careful because I run they in could the eventually same circles. be your colleagues. You run in these circles. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have to scrub. And so I try to also, you know, I will say this. There are hmm. How will I say this? I'm going to say this really well. Listeners, give me like 15 seconds. Actually, continue on, and I'm going to find the right way to say this in the podcast, and I'm going to interject with it later. We can just insert the Jeopardy theme in here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. But wherever we're talking about, keep it going. Okay, so they basically get to this call that's a boat accident, as in like this guy was driving this car, towing a boat, and he tried to turn right from the center lane. Okay. Like probably a bad life choice probably not a good one also how are you able to fit a boat a a car towing a boat in the middle of downtown chicago like those roads are not big also every lawyer in the world was very upset at what he immediately said he was like it's totally my fault i did it it's my fault you're like bad choice bro never come out with that be like hey this happened fact period hey this other thing happened fact period I don't know how it happened. Good. Now you're set in court. Just like, just like, don't lead with it was all my fault. I, like, don't do that. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, see, I'm not that kind of lawyer. So I was just like, you're an idiot. Just like. I thought he was an idiot, but I thought he was an idiot from, uh, you know, of, of, of whose fault it was. Don't no, say for it. Sure. For sure. Um, I was in that field for about 0.5 seconds. And I very quickly was like, I don't want to be here need an adult to get me out of the personal injury criminal field. I was like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, Does he yeah. lose his voting license? That's a good question. That's a good question. I'll Google that. I have mine. I have mine in Nevada. Wisconsin. That's my girl right there. That's my girl right there. Wisconsin or me? 
What? You, you <laughs> oh. having your voting license in Nevada. Slay. Brenna, any cool licenses you want to talk about? <laughs> no, I don't have my voting license, so I need to get it, but. Slay. Yeah. Why do you need it? You got two captains on this boat right here. We don't. <laughs> do they ever expire? Because I've definitely had mine for a hot minute. They do. They do. You just need a license to chill with us, Bryna, you know? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, the whole accident happened. And one of the cars, like, it wasn't the guy's fault, but he still ran. Which, like, you guys, if there's an accident, don't run. You're just making your life a lot harder. Don't don't run. Uh, but Stella finds a stray bullet in the back of this car. And this is not just a bullet. This thing is, like, trying to find something for reference. Um, it's really, it's, it's a, it's like a pencil. It's like, you're like, oh, this is my red waterfall bullet. (laughs) You're like, um, hold on. Let me, uh, bullets. (laughs) I was trying to make a reference without like one of the three of you being completely juvenile about it. But yes, it's like, yeah, it's It's about the size of this pen. Thank you, Jimmy. But plug. Yeah. (laughs) Get out of here. Get out of here, girl. I'm sorry, Gina. We are no, the kids in back and we're being distracting. Keep going. No, you're you're fine. This is all the chaos we needed after last night's episodes because we're still traumatized. So perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's a bullet, and apparently the bullet like goes through steel and then detonates. So it's like a firework kind of it sounds bad. All of it sounds really bad. Uh yeah. So they go back to 51. Stella texts Casey because she's just like, this is kind of weird and kind of scary looking. So I'm gonna find that out. So they get back to 51. Stella goes to visit Bowden, and her question is not work-related. Our girl wants to know about Benny Severide. Here's that clip. Hey, jeez. Any chance you got a minute to talk? I'm actively looking to do anything but this damn paperwork, so yes, please, come on in. All right. What's up? Well, this is... It's going to sound kind of strange. I can handle that. Okay. Can you tell me about Benny Severide? Why do you ask? You can be honest. Look, I've heard Kelly's side, but I really want your take. It would mean a lot to me, Chief. Benny was a wanderer, as I'm sure you've heard. He never stayed anywhere for very long, and it caused him as much pain as it caused the people that he loved, even though he never showed it. According to Kelly's mom, he showed it by drinking his way through Illinois. you the truth i don't really know okay the way this clip made me so i'm just mad at severide for even putting stella in that position where she has to worry about him turning into his father yeah i i did not see her going the benny severide route 
at all. Like that was actually kind of a complete surprise to me. I knew she was going to be upset about the whole thing, obviously, but I was like, whoa, I did not see that coming. Especially then she goes to Bowden to talk about it. I was like, whoa, whoa, okay. Well, no, I get I get why she did that. She needed kind of a neutral take, right? And nobody else in that firehouse knew Benny except for Bowden. He's dead, I right? Mean, yes, Benny. Benny is really necessarily dead. dead. He's yeah. also in there when Chicago heaven. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, but does no, he have a I sick guess... shirt? <laughs> My shirt's better than that one. Sorry. With the I'm letters sorry. like half melted off. Meet us, meet us at Moist. <laughs> Wait a second. Where Moist. did I where did I put that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. <laughs> Children. <laughs> but no, but I guess my point is I guess I just didn't expect it to even come up. So then the fact that she like is like, okay, I'm gonna go to Bowdoin and like have his neutral opinion. I just I didn't see any of that coming in this point. I thought she was just gonna be mad at Severide from afar. Yeah, and even, I think even Stella's doubt kind of put some doubt in me because the minute she was like, you know, asking about Benny, I was like, oh shit, I was like, is, are they painting him this way? Is Kelly actually a wanderer? And then the more the episode went on, I was like, no. I was like, I, technically like we the fans have known Kelly longer than Stella's known Kelly. So like, he's not a wanderer. It just like instilled some doubt in me at the moment. It definitely instilled some doubt, but I was also honestly more hopeful because I was like, oh, they're recognizing what like, yeah they did kind of some weird things with kelly and you know he's ghosting but not ghosting he's just being vague from alabama or wherever he's at now but i was like at least they're recognizing his patterns on this show like they're actually sitting here talking about what severide's doing the things that he's done wrong his reverse potential character development i actually appreciated that more than like say the jay hall said route where they just did it and never talked about what they were doing each day yeah and his patterns so yeah yeah. Um, I feel like after the whole Jay saga, like my bar is pretty low. I'm like, can you, can one of you just talk to your spouse? Like I don't even have to figure yeah. out what's going on. Just communication. That's all I ask yeah. for. My well, the fact that you can use upset as a verb or, or it's like a, they got upset. It's like, okay. Yep. There were TikToks about that. Like, you know, Kelly Hall's or Kelly Severide's pulling a Jay Halstead on his wife. I was just like, oh God, why yeah. are we here? How did we get here? So annoying. Yeah. I have a thought uh, on this. Go ahead, Jenny. I just want to say, and I think it's because I watched Fire with uh, Sandwich between Med and PD. And one of the things, though, that's really, really cool right now on Fire, and I think it's just simply the dynamics of Fire and why I'm such a big fan of, like, everything about the kind of setup of the Firehouse and the fact that it's, like, this big family with so many different players and so many different people is, like, at the end of this finale, which, like, generally speaking, a finale is supposed to be kind of an arrival point, right? There's so many different ways that so many different things could go from a simple who is going to be there next season, how long are they going to be there next season, what, mm-hmm. where, and what. And as far as, like, as a writer myself, like, what I would get excited about is even, like, even, like, Casey, even, you know, Jesse and Taylor and, like, like who is going to be here from those two what will that look like all of these different things and as far as like what i think a finale technically is supposed to do which is raise intrigue and interest into the next season i think that fire just has so much going on that i'm like man you know the interesting thing about med is med felt like 
this is the end of something. And obviously someone was leaving, but it was like, this is the end. And, you know, like you said, you get the nice wrap up for that character. But it is kind of interesting that fire just has so many different stokes in the fire. And and this was the case last year, too. But it's a look here, a, a, a thing here. They just leave such a trail of breadcrumbs that based on whatever they decide when the writer's strike is over to do, they've got runway on a lot of different things. And it's because of the number of people that they have. But that's really cool. And especially when it comes to like Stella and Severide, you're like, man, they could go anywhere with this. They have no, you know, and some of it's because they don't know because they haven't known, you know, they, they they didn't know for a while and they made a switch on this. But, you know, I do think it's very dynamic and very interesting. And I know that you'll both be sitting here, you know, after the uh, the first episode next season and very excited to dive into so many different things to unpack. And that's really cool. The writers do a great job with that. Yeah, they absolutely do. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so... Uh... Casey calls Stella back and he's like, okay, well, you're on to something. I'm going to take a red eye out, which I think was really him just looking for a reason to be like, I want to see Brett again. I think he was kind of like reaching for that and was like, oh, perfect. A little something that I'm going to make into a big something so I can come to Chicago. Well, and that's just in general what this whole, the thing that's so unrealistic about this whole FBI terrorist attack thing is like nothing about this felt so high stakes that they would be involved outside of Chicago like especially once we get to like the actual like attack scene whatever that scene is in a little bit like I was like okay yeah I believe that this is only happening in Chicago but the fact that there's supposedly all these like national ramifications and it's like happened you know it's like connected to Portland and Maine or wherever and I'm like that just seems unbelievable but obviously it's just a reason to get Casey back to Chicago which like I get it but it's just like there's no way I actually believe this is like a national terrorist organization doing this. It feels like maybe a local one. They made it feel like it was going to be like a really big finale though, right? Like the cliffhanger was going to be like something really big going boom. And it I thought it was going to be like a se- season seven cliffhanger all over again where something happens in the substation and then everyone's lives are in danger and you don't know who's alive, you know, like one of those situations. It might still be. Was- we don't know yet. No, everyone's still, well, most people are still alive. Most. That's all we can ask for in a given season of Chicago Fire. (laughs) How many people came out alive? Okay, cool. We'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. Sad. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, Casey's coming out on a red eye. And so Brett basically finds Stella up in the middle of the night. And I love that there was, like, all these different things happening, like, in the middle of the night. Like, they were all kind of insomniacs, like, dealing with their different issues. Because you had this going on, and then you had Violet bugging Mouch. So I thought that was cute, but Brett finds Stella up in the middle of the night and we get this conversation. Can't sleep. No. Amber on your mind. Mm, That's a lot of it. Casey called to tell me he's coming to Chicago tomorrow. And Dylan has been so great with all this talk of a baby and things are finally going well with him after Casey's last visit when I spun out a little. But that sounds like it's good that he's coming. Is it the DHS threat that's keeping you up, or is it Severide? Mama Severide, most of all. Some stuff she said to me a few years ago has been ringing in my ears. She told me Kelly is destined to become his father, and that is not a man I should marry. She's wrong, Stella. I don't know anymore, Sylvie. Maybe Kelly really is a wanderer at heart. 
now that we've been apart for a while, he's slipping right back to that. We're losing our connection no matter how hard I try. I know how tough it can be trying to stay close over long distance. But as soon as you're together, all those complications fade. Everything that you felt for each other is going to come rushing back. I don't like Stella doubting herself. It makes me sad. No, but I also did kind of love how this situation kind of paralleled like, both what they were going through. Like, yes, it was more about Stella and Severide, but it also kind of paralleled like what Brett was going through too. Um, so it kind of was like helpful for both of them, which I just need more of the like girl chat. That's really what the season's been missing. Is it really that much to ask for? It's really not. It's really not. No, I know. I hear you there. So Stella updates Bowden and Casey on the case. The Tahoe, which was apparently part of this, this was like a PD case at a certain point where like they're getting so in the details that your brain is just kind of like skipping over them and just being like, okay, like take me to the next big thing, take me to the next. Yeah, uh, like the details don't actually really matter. Yeah, the details really don't. So the bullet is scary, but it's not illegal. Yeah, basically. So there's nothing they can do. There are so many tangents that I wanted to go on in these last two episodes that I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, yeah. So it's not illegal. Who knew? So Casey gets an update from DHS about the case. The tags on the SUV were registered, blah, blah, blah. We get to a substation. Let's just skip to that part, right? Yeah. So there is a call. Um, there's a call about a substation, but right before we get to that. Well, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah. you missed that little tiny part that's important. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So so basically the day the day the shit hits the fan, basically Stella and Casey are like, okay, we're just gonna sit right here in like that little command like alcove thing that we've got there. And we're just gonna listen to calls as they come in. Like that's what we're gonna do. Um, so everybody comes everybody else comes over to chat and you know, Violet's like, we already did everything we could do for Brett, and that's what you do for someone you love. And Stella's just got the wheels turning and she's like, yeah. It is. And at that point, I got scared because I was like, oh, they're going upstead. They're going the route of upstead. I swear to God, if they do this again, it was it was enough to do it once to do it twice. I was going to be I was going to be absolutely pissed. They didn't go the route I expected, though, and I'm kind of glad. Yeah, I'm glad, too. I for a second, I was like, oh, no, this is not going to end well. No way. I'm still just like, I don't think I'll ever not be furious about upstead. But no, I hold grudges. What can I say? Uh, yeah. So I lost my place. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah. So Stella gets a call from Brett's 911 operator friend. There was smoke coming from this substation. So they all rolled to the call. I found it a little odd here that like everybody's geared up except for Casey. Like you would think fire substation, you would probably just like gear. I don't know. I thought this whole sequence was weird to me. Well, it's like, of course, I mean, I guess he doesn't have any gear. I mean, I guess they would have extra gear, but I, I don't know. He did the ride along last time he was there. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So they get to the substation. Then there's a bunch of like electrical talk that like I, completely goes over my head. Uh, the guy's like, look, smoke, fire. And then Casey's like, blah, 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 cooling fan. And I'm like, ah, just make it stop. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so Bonin is in the middle of a sentence and they get interrupted by gunfire. Cool. Yeah. Casual. Casual. Just a normal Wednesday in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. 
So they're talking to the substation guy. He's like, I've got to turn off the power. It's it's chaos is basically what it is. It's absolute chaos. Um, so guns are going off. Everybody's in like their turnout gear. Nobody is like in a bulletproof anything. And yet they're so chill around these bullets. Did you notice that? Yeah. I it really honestly felt like I was watching PD with just the fire characters. I was like, what am I at? What show am I actually watching? Um, yeah, I kind of thought about the bullet stuff too, but then I was like, do they carry that stuff around generally? Or is it just like in special situations, they get the bulletproof vests and things? Well, not on fire, I don't think. I mean, PD. Yeah, I but- mean, occasionally we've seen it, like I was thinking about in the mid-season finale, obviously when they had the whole pre-month situation and Cell mm-hmm. and Carver were wearing bulletproof things, but that was like a special situation where they knew they were going into that kind of battle for lack of a better word so they were prepared but I don't think that's something they just carry with them so I mean I wasn't surprised I guess in that regard that they weren't wearing them but they should have been they were just so chill and then like you have like the four of them like Casey and Stella and Gallo and Carver are like creeping behind this fire like one of the one of the engines and they're just like not even smooth they're just like tiptoeing like it's like a Disney movie or something or like like yeah it was that whole scene was just chaos to me but yeah, they go hide behind one of the trucks and Bowden's like, okay, stay, stay the fuck here. Cause like nobody's getting shot. And Casey's like, yeah, no, I'm not really feeling that. I'm going to go distract the shooter. Cause like I do what I want. So um, yeah. And then there's a great exchange where Casey's like, all due respect, chief, I don't answer to you anymore. And like, I need that gif of Bowden's face. Cause that was the best. <laughs> what the fuck face I've ever seen. It's true though. He doesn't. He was like mildly insulted, but like totally understood. It was great. He doesn't, he doesn't though. It's true. It was so good. So yeah, so they like maneuver up to the garage. Cruz is like, cool, we'll distract him and do like squad things and just be like, hey, over here. Everybody's super chill that these bullets are like pen sized and they're just like, cool, we'll like plan this out. So they get up to the parking lot and Casey's got like a, not an axe, but it's like a, a, a mallet. What it? What does Casey have? I don't know. It looks like a horror movie, basically. And like, I'm not a horror person, but I would watch a horror movie with Casey, Stella, Gallo, and Carver as the mains. I would watch that. Who would die first? Who would die first? Carver. <laughs> Carver. Because he would do something dumb. I would live. Oh, I wouldn't last a day. In a, not even a day. I wouldn't last very long in a horror movie. I would just be like. Me either. Yeah, no. Me either. I would not last. Maybe I'm, I'm lazy minutes. AF. I would just be like, how do we get out? How do we get ourselves out of this situation? That doesn't involve like. Death. No, I would just like freak out too fast. And I, like literally the first time uh, something would come up, I would be like a goner because I would freak out. Oh, I'd be a big, I would be such a liability. I'd just be off in the corner, like having a panic attack and everybody would be like, can you pull it together? And I'd be like, no. Yeah. Jimmy, zombie apocalypse. How would you stand? Listen, I'm a big, big believer in hiding. I'm a really good hider. Uh, Like, like I used to like play hide and seek and would really, really love when I'd go the whole game without being found. So that means you're in your spot for like probably a solid 30, 45 minutes. I love hiding in a crisis. I would be in a zombie apocalypse. I would find a place to hide and would hide there as long as possible. That's that's my uh, that's my strategy. I'm going to hide. Yeah. But then I also have a real desire to get into a fight. So it's a tough it's a tough uh, yin and yang in me. Back to you. 
Yeah, I wouldn't last a day. Um, yeah, so one of them comes around, tries to attack Casey. Gallo's like, not my dad, you bitch. Um, yeah. And just like whacks him over the head. So one of them escapes. Carver like hits him. They they get one of the attackers. They don't get the other one. The transformer gets de-energized. Chaos over. We're good, right? Or we think we're good. Um, did you put Mouch in a separate thing? Yes, Mouch is in okay. a separate thing. More about that in a minute. Yeah, so the Transformer gets de-energized, the chaos is over, great, cool. So Carver finds Stella after the next shift, and Stella's packing up her stuff. And she just looks at him and she's like, I'm going to find my husband. Yes, you are. Go find that man. Pull him by the hair and just bring him back and be like, you're never allowed to leave ever again. Kind of going off of Jimmy's point earlier, I really did appreciate the fact that they kind of left this open as like, I mean, however long the writer's strike takes, however long it gets us to get back the episodes, whether or not Taylor's coming back, I think they've kind of left it open as to like, obviously they don't know at this point and they didn't, I, I appreciate the fact that they didn't really write themselves in a corner and they like had yeah. to stick with a decision. They kind of left it as like, if she goes back and gets him back, great. If he's gone forever at this point, then, you know, then Stella fails on her mission and, you know, that is a different storyline. But I really appreciate they kind of just left it open. I will say that last line from Stella gave me some hope because like up until that, I was like, he's not coming back. They're just, they just haven't told us yet, but he's not coming back. But when she said that, I was like, did we find something? Okay. So I don't know. I don't know if it gave me, I'm trying to like have low expectations so that like when it doesn't happen, I'm not like totally crushed, but I don't know if it, I would say it gave me hope. I guess it just makes me feel better that I with this line, I feel like they don't really know yet. And they like, still don't know. What is know. she going to do? She's like, I'm going to go get my husband and bring him back. Well, I don't that's... know. I still, I mean, I guess if he doesn't come back, then she, you know, he doesn't, you know, they just didn't work. It didn't work out or whatever, whatever they decide the story is going to be. But I guess it just gives me hope that they still don't really know. So they had to leave it open. Yeah. You know, it could still go either way at this point. And before, before this, I was like, oh, no, he's definitely gone. I, like, I was really feeling that. But I'm now I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's still open. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of unknown stuff right now. A lot. <laughs> Lots of unknown. Yeah. yeah. It's scary. It's crazy. But we'll see. I don't know. Um, some listener thoughts here. Natasha said, I really want Severide to see the change dynamic between Stella and Carver. Still don't think it's sexual, but I do think Carver is very protective of Stella for a variety of deep and not so deep reasons. The look on his face at the end, Kelly, or Carver thinks Kelly's a lucky man. To me, the look was Severide's an idiot. She shouldn't have to go get him. He should be running back to Stella Kid. Yeah, but that's like a universal opinion because I agree with that. That's what I'm saying though, is like in the same episode, you have the flirty whatever the violet carver stuff is and then you also have carver having these kind of looks towards stella so i'm like which lane are we going in because i definitely what i don't want regardless of whichever lane they go in i don't need that love triangle i do not need that love triangle no but that's kind of where it feels like it's going no they're they're i mean i don't think i don't think carver and stella are gonna happen until they know for sure what they're gonna do with Severide. obviously but i'm just saying Carver clearly has some weird things going on with both of them. And I just wish they would pick a lane. If Carver can have like a consistent run of like good behavior and not being totally sus, then maybe I could come around. But as of right now, I'm like, well, like he has a stretch of good behavior. Then he gets drunk and like gets arrested. 
then he has a good stretch of behavior and then he gets arrested again. I'm like, can we just, can we, can we, is, pick a lane, pick a lane. He didn't get arrested. It wasn't like he got arrested for being drunk. He got arrested because he was protecting Stella. No, he got a little, he got a lot screwed on that actually, but like still. Yeah. No, I think he's had a good run and I don't think he's being sus in any of this. Like I said, I just think in my mind, they're trying to do so many different things. And I get that a lot of the plans have probably changed from what they were going to do maybe in this last, like, since whenever Taylor left, however many episodes that's been now. But like, I just wish they would pick their lane and like, just focus on one of them. If you're going to go tell Stella and Carver, then tell that story. If you're going to tell Violet and Carver, tell that one. But just like I, the back and forth is like killing me. I need to lower my standards and be like, can you just promise that you'll come on the show and not leave? <laughs> then I'm happy. <laughs> Trust issues. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Brenna. Uh, Brooke said, I said it last week and it felt more apparent this week. Stella ride got upset. I hate this. I hate that they did it. I hate that we had to watch Stella go through so much doubt. And I hate that there was a reason that be- Benny, that this actually kind of made some sense. What I didn't hate was the fact that Stella decided to go get her husband. I would like Haley to take some notes. Oh, no, no. Haley doesn't have no. No. Yeah. I agree. I don't. That's a different situation. And I don't think it's Haley's job to go get her husband. It's Jay's job to come back if he wants to actually be married. Um, But yeah, like regarding the Benny thing, it does. It's like one of those things where it's like, I kind of hate that it makes sense, but they found a way to make it make sense and not feel just so out of left field. I mean, it's always going to be out of left field, but. Yeah. Yeah. I hope Haley sends Jay the ring back with like a glitter bomb so that like when he opens it, glitter just explodes everywhere. And then like, there's the ring. So it just makes everything like horrible. Yeah. I'm good. I'm I'm fine. I promise. I'd say keep workshopping the glitter bomb. Well, okay, what can she ship to Bolivia that'll get past customs? I'm trying to think of something that will like inconvenience him just enough to the point that like it breaks him. Totally, totally with you. I know all the things about Jay Halstead. All of them. Says the guy who thought he went to Uruguay. No, I've known my whole life that he went to Bolivia. I am a Bolivian. He didn't go and to Bolivia. I, I'm a Bolivian who's a Bolivian in <laughs> that he's not coming back. Well, he didn't go to Bolivia. <laughs> right. That was the worst joke I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jimmy, our Bolivian senior citizen friend. <laughs> Amazing. Bryna, wow. For all of you listeners, Bryna literally was like it was like a smell hit her through the screen. She was jolted back about that joke. <laughs> so bad. Oh, amazing, amazing. So bad. Uh, so Heather B actually brought some ship names into this. So let's see how this goes. Okay, so she said, "My big question is, what the heck are they doing with Carver? Is Carve Kami going to be a thing? No, no. That name is I. It might be a thing, but I'm not here for that." name <laughs> if we're gonna workshop stuff we're gonna workshop that ship name i think we've got a lot of ship names to workshop this summer. Your other option is viver so <laughs> putting the v putting the v in carve kami is 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 really the tough syllable there you get because you're not car kami you've got you the v is a lot there no you can workshop something with sam but i don't know if that's any better 
His name's Sam. <laughs> We've had this conversation, Lauren. Listen, if yes. the ship name if the ship name doesn't come easy, what does that tell you? It doesn't work. It doesn't. <laughs> you say Viber, Lauren, and I think of like a Disney character. I expect like a chipmunk or something singing a song. Jimmy, did you mute yourself? Because I don't hear you at all right I now. I know, I know, I did. I we're all thinking just, to ourselves. We're, we're all, all putting like, together the. Together. We're, we're we're putting them together. Sam, it yeah. doesn't work. Sam, Vit, Sam, no. It's 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 a it's a no. It's it's a no on the easy ones. I guess Carcami is. Wow, that might be the best one. What if we drop the V? Carcami, still not good. It's that's better. I don't like it. But we don't ship them, so it doesn't matter. How about yeah, Harbor, Harbor. I'll I I can give them one of the not used ones from, uh, because McCawkins is still great. (laughs) (laughs) That one that's so good. (laughs) It doesn't even matter that that's not their names. They can just have that one, McCawkins. That's so good. (laughs) That's great. Keep going. Uh, yeah, so Heather said it's not going to be a thing. I thought they were past the weird thing with Stella. At this point, I wonder if they're just keeping it in to get fans riled up about something, and I kind of hate it. Just explain what's actually in his head and move on. I'm still irritated with last week's missed opportunities plot-wise for him, and this didn't help. Couldn't Stella have just gone off to find Severide without Carver being weird about it? No, no, they couldn't have, because Carver has to make a thing of everything. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm grieving. Leave me alone. Like I said, I just think they need to find, I'm definitely more on board now with Carver as like a member of the 51 family. I just, they need to just pick what they're doing with him and like, just Stella, 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 Stella. Okay. Um, Lizzie said, can we talk about the Carver of it all? His long looks with Stella, his weird vibes about Severide, the weird face when Stella says she was leaving to find Severide. I don't understand the point of this because they can't have their only female officer of color sleep with a subordinate. Not that they would. Fire would never come back from that. Them deciding to continue to keep these in the background is pissing me off to a point where if it continues next season, it might be the last straw for me. Also, to be honest, Carver's starting to give some major stalker vibes. I'm fine with Violet and Carver happening if it means that this stupid, stupid Carver plot ends. I never thought of it like stalker vibes. I don't think it is stalker vibes. I think he's just protective because of what Stella's done for him. Like, all the stuff that she's done for him this year. Um, You know, he wouldn't be where he's at now without her. So I That's think he's cute. just protective of her. And and also Kelly's not there, right? So when that Shep guy showed up, like... Well, and also, Stella and Carver went something through something traumatic together with the bombing and Prima. You know, that was the mid-season finale. So, like, they did go through something traumatic. And after that is really when Carver's been more protective of her. You know, because in the beginning, they were kind of just, like, fighty a little bit. Um, now, since then, he's been more protective of her. So I think it's also some bonding over that, too. Yeah. Yep. But I wouldn't call it stalkerish. <laughs> so um after that we've got Kylie and Ritter, which like we never we never get Kylie, we never get Ritter. The fact that we got both of them for a tiny second. I mean, I'll take it though. Yeah, just it. a little little something. And this is like exactly what we I, I don't know if this was in our wishlist episode, but we wanted Kylie to like go through the process of becoming a firefighter. So Yeah. The fact that we actually got what we wanted was 
kind of cool, but yeah. yeah. So Kylie asked Ritter, like how long after your, or how long after you passed the test did your number come up in the lottery? And they drew this year's like a week ago. Ritter's like, don't worry. Like, we'll look into it. If like, just wait, just wait and we'll see what happens. So later on, Ritter sees Kylie in the kitchen, gives her a look. She just shakes her head. And after shift, we find out that Kylie's number got drawn. So our girl is going to the Academy. Yay! I just hope we actually get to see. I'd seen somewhere, I think it was on Twitter. Maybe it was in one of our DMs. I don't know. Somebody had said something about the fact that like, they kind of wish we get like a time jump or they think we're going to get like a time jump. And I'm like, first of all, you can't time jump one part of the story and not time jump the other parts of the story. So if you do a time jump, you're time jumping everything. But second of all, I hope we get to see some of her actually in the Academy and not just her coming back to shift being like, the Academy is great. Like, you know, I, I hope we actually get to see some of it. If she um, doesn't end up at 51, we riot. Yeah, but I think until then, like I said, I just hope they actually get to show her at the Academy, especially if they are going to do this new thing of like actors having less episodes. So, you know, but so they still get paid the same or whatever that thing is. I mean, that would be if they're looking for holes in the story, like you could just throw this in and, you know. I wonder, I wonder if that whole provision or thing that they're coming down with that, like, the actors won't be in every episode. I wonder if that changes if SAG strikes. And this is coming from somebody who knows nothing in depth. Well, that's what I'm here for. What's yeah, your, what's your curiosity, when, what's your curiosity well, on the SAG strike? I didn't want to just like volunteer you um, or what's it called? Like being voluntold, but like, yeah. Oh, I have to plead the fifth on like 75% of this. So this is great. I don't have to plead the fifth on this. <laughs> okay but like this whole you heard the whole thing that's coming down that like next year for the wolf shows like not every actor well, it's nbc to- and cbs supposedly is it just pd no it's nbc and cbs it's not just wolf is uh w- what is it give it to me so nbc and cbs are both saying that next season not every actor will be in every episode so like in a season of pd mm-hmm. like ruzik might take two episodes off burgess might take two mm-hmm. episodes off something like that I wonder if that's a provision if if and when SAG strikes that like they're going to get that's like on the table is basically what I'm wondering. No, because because what you're doing when you do that is you're saving massive amounts of cost. If you're a series regular on a Netflix show, you have 11 episodes. Okay, Mm -hmm. now the reason that the Stranger Things kids can make a quarter of a million dollars an episode and Billy makes I mean, Millie, sorry, Millie makes like 400 K. Those are like public numbers is because it's only 10, 9, 10, 11 episodes. You can like really jack the number up because it's not as many episodes and what they're pulling viewership wise for 22 episodes. The amount of budget that goes to paying your regulars, especially when those regulars have been around for a long time is a lot. So for a lot of these shows, if their budget goes down, you're able to be like, all right, cool. The way that we're going to able to keep paying you at your salary is we're only going to be able to do it for 15 episodes. Now, what SAG is going to be negotiating if SAG goes on strike, which they probably will, we probably will, the main fighting point is going to be residuals for streamers. Like the two things we're going to get if we're if we're going to get something, we're going to get a better residual plan for streamers because right now when you sign a Netflix contract, you don't really get any residuals. They just pay you an extra 10% and then they say, thanks so much. And it sucks because the residuals, like you can live off of residuals from network. Like 
can live off of them. If if we're just getting an extra 10%, sometimes residuals end up doubling, tripling what you make for a show that's been syndicated for a long time. It can, you know, quadruple, quintuple it. So 10% is nothing. So the big thing SAG is going to try to get is more residuals on streamers. And then the other thing is minimums because for guest stars specifically, like the minimums after taxes, after, after your agents and your manager's fees is nothing. So it's like the, they're not going to fight for anything that has to do with anybody who's making the top numbers. Like regulars aren't going to get much at all because it's not about the regulars. It's about, it's about the people who come on for the guest stars. It's about the fact that three guest stars should be able to pay your year's salary. And right now three guest stars puts you below the minimum wage poverty line. If you were to like average that out for a whole year. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's like I know that. Three three guest stars after taxes, like you're gonna make less than twenty thousand dollars for the year. Shit. Three guest stars, three guest stars are supposed to pay like three guest stars used to be something that would be like a solid salary for a year. Like there's a reason they used to call that a feast of a year for an actor. Now, once once you've you know, once you're a serious regular, if your show does well, like you're now in the one percent of like of successful actors. So nothing we negotiate is going to be for the 1%. It's going to be for, and think about who strikes. Who's the best people to strike are unemployed people. So all of the people who are fighting for those minimums are unemployed and totally fine to strike. Hell, they'll strike for three years because they're not working. It's the easiest business to strike from. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll strike. I'm not on set today. I'm not on set tomorrow. I can go work in theater too. I can go work in equity and literally still be striking for SAG. Like, you know? So anyway, those that's that's it. So yeah, but I guarantee next year, I guarantee when they come back from the like, you will see a ton of actors. If that's something that's on the table, networks will pounce on that because getting to pay somebody twelve episodes instead of twenty two episodes when they're making like a lot an episode, you know, that's money that goes into your budget for the show. That's money goes into paying other actors. That's money that goes into hair and makeup. Goes into everything else. So yeah, you'll see a lot of that. Don't you feel that though? I mean, and and well, maybe not don't you feel, but like clearly if you're only getting if you're only gonna be in like a 22 episode season for like 12 episodes, do you feel like that stifles you as an actor? But like, but also if it does, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it, is there? Cause like that's just kind of what the offer is. Well, I think that like if I was the actor in that situation, I'd be really specific on like, okay, cool. If you're going to only use me for 12 episodes, I need to know those episodes now and I'm fully available in those other slots. Heck, when, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, when, when I didn't know what my future was going to be with Chicago Fire and if I was going to get bumped up to a regular, I had certain st- stipulations about if I was going to be bumped up to a regular or if they were going to continue to use me in a capacity where I was going to be like, "All right, cool. I'm unavailable these days. I'm unavailable these days because there's been no long-term commitment." So, you know, I'm not just going to be open-ended available. And like with series regulars, if you're saying to them, okay, we're actually going to change your contracts a little bit. You're only going to do 12 of these 22 episodes. I think there's going to be a lot of discussions in the back about, okay, cool. I'm only shooting Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Okay, cool. I'm, you know, you, you're going to start seeing actors negotiate more on the availability side and, uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then when they're up for a new contract, they're going to negotiate more money because they're going to say, well, you only used me 12 episodes. So I now want to make X amount an episode. You know, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, that's, no. that's why we love talking to you because you give us like you give us the full perspective. So oh you yeah. know. And SAG yeah. is gonna I, I do believe SAG is gonna strike. 
Isn't the deadline June 1st? I think it's like June 9th. Or is that the government? I'm thinking. I mean, of- it's too easy. It's too easy because the rioters are striking. So it's like, let's all yeah. strike. <laughs> let's storm the gates. And Iatsi is sitting there like, we didn't, st- like, you guys were like supportive of us, but like, damn. Iatsi is really well, like the, the directors are probably going to strike too, right? Isn't directors probably. still? Probably- I think soon. Yeah. I think the Iatsi yeah. thing is really rough though, because like the crews were down to strike for like the first time ever. And a bunch of the people on our set who know a bunch were like, we got nothing. And it sucks because those are the people that like to actually get them to say yes to a strike is really like getting teachers to say yes to a strike. Like they're not going to show up at school the next day. Like every, like, I think like nine, some crazy number, like a massive amount of IATSE is employed at any given day. So like for them to strike is truly them being like, Hey, we're not going to make money this week. Like, for actors and writers, it's a little different because there's so many of us that are unemployed at any given time. But I at see the fact that 90% of that union was like, we have to strike. And yet they didn't get a ton out of it is is tough. That one was tough. So I, I it sucks that like the actors are going to get something. The writers are probably hopefully going to get something. Maybe the directors will get something. And like, once again, the crew is like, they're like, do our dirty work, crew. And they get the shit end of the stick. Sucks. Crazy. crazy. My feeling. I think this fall is going to be like what the pandemic was in the early stages where like we don't have TV. So we just like find other stuff to like do. People are going to like learn new things to do in the absence of TV. No, 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 no. But I'm I'm a big, big believer by August. All this shit is settled. You think by August? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It, it got so bad last time. I, I mean, like once network TV needs to start shooting again, all of these big network producers are going to be like, what can we give in on? Okay, we'll give in on these three or four things. And then you'll have a lot of writers that are really mad because they're not going to get as much as they want. And uh, that's compromise, kissing your sister. Hell of a way to think about compromise. Cool. Uh, Yeah. Is that a Midwesternism? Compromise is like kissing your sister. Next time Charlie and I fight over the thermostat, I'm going to try my hardest to not think about it that way. Does everybody else know that? No? Wow. I think I've heard it before. It's just, that's a new one. <laughs> Paints a picture though, doesn't it? Paints a picture. Uh-huh. Onward and upward. Next one. Thanks for that one. Thank you. Yeah. So on to Herman and Mouch, which is just Time another to wrap up fire. Yeah. yeah wrap up Mouch. fire. And then we get to like go into the Lauren spiraling hour. Okay. She's like, I'm not going to spiral. It's fine. <laughs> We're all going to spiral. And Jimmy's just going to be sitting here like, wow. (laughs) All right. Herman and Mouch. So while they're at that boat accident scene, Herman comes across one of the victims who's a medium. And she's like, oh, I want to repay you with this reading. And she's like, Christopher, listen to me. You're going to experience great pain very soon. Not ominous at all. Just saying. On Chicago Fire, that's just a normal day. Yeah, it's just a normal Wednesday. It's fine. So Herman gets back to 51, and he starts telling everyone about it. And in this moment, they're doing that thing where they kind of have, like, their distinct background music. And they were playing the background music that's, like, they usually play during, like, the comedy storylines. I was like, oh, this is going to be the com- – I even said to you guys, I was like, oh, this is just going to be the comedy storyline. It's fine. I'm not worried about it whatsoever. Oh boy, we were wrong. Oh, boy. Like maniacal laughing, being like, I've got them right where I want them. Yes. 
yeah if we ever get to have andrea on she's just gonna be like ha i had gotcha yeah yeah um so anyway and ritter's like just ignore it it'll be fine um but herman can't he's not sleeping and of course he's like after the year cindy and i had i just can't stop imagining the worst which like makes sense it it definitely makes sense but i also just thought it was funny that ritter and gallo judge the medium based on her website font (laughs) i was like that's the most ritter and gallo thing i've ever heard in my entire life that's like when we did the fan fiction two episode and i brought up angel fire and geo cities and you looked at me like i had like nine heads yeah because i didn't know what they were (laughs) yeah no lauren i knew you didn't know what they were um back in, Jimmy, like, do you like, know what those are he's ignoring Jimmy? us he's literally ignoring us right now it's fine it's fine we're spiraling um, i'm sorry i was catching up on something that had happened on my phone what's up hit me do uh, you know what angel fire and geo cities are were were no i have no idea <laughs> what are those not that much older than you guys is that supposed to make me feel old or young old very old it's supposed to make me feel no, old. it makes no, gina feel old it makes so, gina okay. feel old so old people know <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i walked into that it's cool I'll gina gina do you want to know the thing about getting older do you want to know you the told thing about me this it? before though I, I you've told me this and i actually really liked what you said you said it's a beautiful thing and i actually really like that it's a beautiful thing and anybody who's younger than you that wants to give you a hard time about them being older is really dumb because at the end of the day they will be older soon too <laughs> cutting someone down for something you will never be because of whatever is great it's like man you suck at ping pong i'm better than you at ping pong great okay cool let's prove it you're better great you're not like in risk of someday being worse than them at ping pong hopefully that's you know that sucks too when that happens but the whole giving older people shit i'm like old people rock i can't wait to get there <laughs> um Keep going. charlie called me a boomer one time and after the five seconds passed where i wanted to kill him i was like that's actually pretty funny that's actually a pretty good burn so it's cool. But the early days of the internet, GeoCities and Angel Fire, it was like you could go on and like basically get your own website. And then it was like Angel Fire slash whatever. And it was like those websites that Gallo pulled up where like it's got like the Times New Roman font and like 20 size font. And yeah, early 2000s things. That's all. We're here for you. We support you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Lauren, what were we talking about? Oh, at Disney last week, when we were at Disneyland last weekend, uh, we were talking about high school, like when we graduated and everything. And so I'm like, I'm talking to Lauren and Kim and I'm just like, man, it's almost like 20 years now. And Lauren's like, did you graduate in this year? And she's like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, that's the year I started kindergarten. I was like, oh, shit. Oof. It was great. And yet here you are coming together over Chicago PD, fire and med. Yes. Yes. Here, here. Cheers, cheers. Indeed. Anyway, uh, yeah, Brenda, go ahead. Okay. So Herman goes to visit the medium again, and he's like, basically, just give me more context to the reading. Like, you can't just leave it like that. So he goes to sit down, and as soon as he sits down, she's like, it's $75 up front, credit card or Venmo. And Herman just loses it. He's like, I'm out of here. No way. Not happening. So later on, Herman like pinches his finger or something. I couldn't figure out exactly what he did, but it like hurts him. And Gala's like, oh, that's the great pain. And Herman's just like, yeah, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So like, yeah, duh, of course I believe that that's it. It is what it is. Yeah. So then we go to the shootout, transformer, substation, whatever that thing is. 
And after it's done, Match has this moment and he just collapses. And Herman's the one, of course, that gets him first and finds that he's been hit. Um, and they end up finding out that it was a piece of shrapnel. And But none of them can go to the hospital immediately. So we can't have that like hospital waiting room scene that we always get when someone's in danger. Because they have to be debriefed by DHS or whatever it is. But Bowden comes back and he's like, it's good news. It's going to be okay. A little bit of shrapnel. They were able to stop the bleeding. And we're all like, okay, good. We can breathe this eye of relief. Mouch is going to be fine. So then Herman goes to the hospital. He's visiting Mouch, fills him in on all Brett's good news and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And Mouch isn't looking that great. And Herman notices <laughs> that he's bleeding from his side again. And that's where we get left at is, is Mouch alive or is Mouch dead? Because we were fooled once with literally and within the span of like 10 minutes. The I red so waterfall sad. symbolism coming back like makes me so mad, but also I'm like, oh, it was so good. I hate you so much for it. Ugh. Yeah. I was so sad. Yeah. Well, especially they had us fooled. I was like, in the beginning, we were like, oh no, I can't believe they're doing this. And then he gets saved and it's like, okay, I can breathe a little bit. And then they like pull the double whammy and I was like, Jesus Christ, what are they doing? Okay, but like, us? also if he's actually dead. I would be so mad if I've been on that show for 10, 11 years. How long have they been? 11 years. And that's yeah. how I go out. By shrapnel. Like, well, would you have rather him gone out in season five with the heart attack in the middle of the fire? No, I wouldn't have wanted him to go out at all. But I'm saying, like, if that's how you're going to take him out in season 11 by shrapnel, I would be mad. Like, give me we- something juicy at least. The reason I'm worried this time around is because we've done this cliffy with him before. Because we've yeah. we've ended a season before with like, is Mouch alive? Is Mouch dead? And now I'm a little scared because like lightning never strikes the same place twice, right? Do you think though? Back, Go ahead, Lauren. I was just saying, I'm hoping they just come back and they're like, he retired. That that was what I was going to ask. Do you think there there's a point where he's like still alive, but he's still off the show, but they just have him retire? Yeah, that's the that's the because like i can handle it better if they're still alive in the world and they're just like not on the show if they're it's when they're dead that i'm like this is not no that hurts more so if he's still alive i can like handle it better i feel like it gets messier too if he dies because you know pd could give a fuck about that storyline so they'd be like trudy's just chilling and like we're like but her husband is literally dead and we see nothing about her character at all change or talk about her anything well and that's like they're just like like, retired then it'd be a lot better to cover everyone's butts well and that's the thing too is like you've got trudy at the hospital with kim and adam later on but yeah she can't go to the hospital in fire for her own husband yeah i mean we know we're not they're not on the same timeline but they wouldn't cross them over anyways for that so they're close though i don't think they're like that far off timeline wise Um, i think logan brought up a really good point last night once all five of us were on facetime and like two of us were left like hysterically crying anyway um logan brought up a really good point that i loved i loved being invited to that facetime you were flying across the atlantic i had a i had a great time there I just no wanted boys to allowed. I had a great time. No you keep allowed. saying that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Listen, I know your obsession with no boys allowed and also butt plugs. And I. <laughs> I mean, you gotta give a girl warning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Continue. 
synopsis. <laughs> the secret's out. Damn. Oh, that's funny. Um, I completely lost my chain of thought. Oh, Logan. Um, Logan was saying last night, she was like, you know, now that we're like, we don't have any more siblings on the Chicago shows, I think they're really aiming towards the opposite of what they did at the very beginning when they were showing that it was one universe. And now they're trying to show them as three distinct separate shows. And I kind of agree with that. So, you know, I can but definitely- do you that. like that though? I can agree that that's what they're doing, but do you like that though? They never did a good job crossing them over anyways and showing that they're related. So it doesn't really matter. See, yeah. I actually disagree. I think in the very, very beginning, they did. Like, in the first couple years, I think they did do a good job of it. But I mean, like, it's recently, where it hit, like, like, the Halsted Brothers it, never did where it hit, like It's where it hit, like, five, six, seven on kind of, you know, in this. But in the first seasons of all three, I thought they did a really good job. And that's the thing I miss. Like, even when we get to PD, like, the fact that the PD never uses Molly's anymore just really bugs me. Like, it really bothers me. Yeah. It's like they're too cool for it now. Yeah, and I'm like, why? Like, the set exists. Like, I don't understand why you just, I I don't know, but. So, so what do we think, though? Do we think Mouse survives? I think he survives, but I don't think he's back at 51. That's what I'm going to hope for. I love that man. But I will say, and I mean, I'm, I wore my, I picked my Mouse shirt out today to, like, wear to work, but. I will say that, like, if he is gone, regardless of whether he's dead or just, like, retires, the comedy storylines will never be the same. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, he is, I mean, I know he has range and he's done a lot of other great stuff that's not the comedy, but Christian is the heart and soul of that, all the comedy stuff they do. And if he's gone, it's, I mean, it was already not the best this year, but if he's gone, it's going to be really weird. Well, then it's you you really lose weird. that Herman dynamic too, so that just well, yeah, they lose a bunch of different dynamics. Um, but just like I said, he's just when I picture all the fire comedy stuff, like I think of Mouch first and foremost, and it was it's going to be really weird if he's gone to see how they handle that. It's scary when you think about how many original characters are left because we also had this conversation last night amongst ugly tears. But like on Med, we're down to three original characters, right? On fire, we're down to what? Like, hold on, I'm, I'm like thinking as you're talking. Yeah, Med is three. Charles, yes, Maggie. Yes, yeah. maybe, probably two at some point. Let's be real. Mm, yeah, fire. You got Bowden, Cruz, Herman, Mouch, Severide, Cap, Tony. Yes. Seven. Yes, seven. Seven's pretty good. Um, and then PD, you've got Berzik Water and Voight and Platt. So that's five. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's it's that, that's a lot, but it would still, I mean, every time you lose an OG character, it hurts a lot. Yeah, the fact that Med's down to three, potentially two, that's, yeah. Pain. Yeah. Pain everywhere. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to see Match go out that way. That would sound yeah. shrapnel. Shrapnel, I know. I know. Mm. Pain everywhere. The shows are just pain. Yeah. Yep. Um, we had some listener thoughts on this. Megan R said never in a million years that I think Herman's great pain was going to be about Mouch, but lo and behold, it was. Hasn't Herman suffered enough this past year? Mouch better be okay. They wouldn't kill him off to make room for Kylie, would they? Oh, I forgot. They absolutely would, but I don't like that possibility. Oh, I hate that theory. Yeah, I don't think so, but 
Uh, Heather B said, I thought this plot was amusing and I should have known it was just going to be like the washer and dryer comedy plot where we were just giggling along and then squish. Only they gave us a false sense of security that Mouch would be fine. Uh, I didn't see how he got hit, but I could have done without Herman clinging to him, trying to put pressure on his side and screaming for help. And then the pan down on the pool of blood. Okay. But like, what else was he supposed to do? Right. Um, that was unnecessary. And where was Trudy? I'm convinced now that 2.0 must have blipped everyone into alternate timelines or something if she wasn't there, but was at med with Adam. 2.0 is the new infinity gauntlet. Just... <laughs> uh, yeah, she loves Adam and Mouch would 100% come first. And then she said, I always thought Mouch and Herman would go out together and I could see this being both of them deciding to retire. Herman has his family to think about. Mouch is going to survive. I refuse to believe otherwise. Next season can start with their retirement ceremony and party at Molly's. I like that. Hey, Heather B. Squish. <laughs> really? E2, Brute? Squish? Sick. <laughs> didn't even catch that that was a reference to 1103. Oh. I will say, though, I don't think Herman's going anywhere, but, like, I, in theory, it sounds like a great idea in my mind, but, like, I can't, I can't have them both leaving, so I'm going to say no to that theory. Even though in my mind is a great idea. Hmm. I don't know. These shows are giving us trust issues and anxiety. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Any other notes on this episode of Fire? No. We ready to hit the last one. I feel like we should have known better. Like, it's a finale. Like, we should not have taken Mouch at face value. I and mean, like, he's okay. Like, we should have known better. Just, I just, Mouch wasn't even on our radar until like 30 minutes before. So it just didn't cross my mind. I was not there yet. I was on like the Kara's leaving train, not the Christian's leaving train. Yeah. Uh, so before we head to to PD, are we, are we, are we finished up on fire here? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I just want to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say something. First of all, I loved hearing you all talk about fire so much. I'm sorry. I couldn't chime in more. Uh, I was, I was swallowing my words on many things, um, which probably was smarter for everybody, but I just want to like, you know, it's interesting. We touched on the writer's strike a little bit. Um, and I was thinking about it and I know I had mentioned bringing you back to AI, but I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking and it's one of my favorite podcasts. And it's like for the first time ever, they mentioned Chicago fire, like on this podcast. And I had like an out of body experience. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like and in my dream world, I was like, and they were going to be like, and then Jimmy Nicholas. And I was going to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm levitating. I, I'm, I'm no, lo I'm no longer an F F F minus 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 celebrity in Lauren's mind. I'm now just an F F minus celebrity. <laughs> anyway, anyway, they were talking about how, you know, well, the first thing that you would do if you were like uh, had a good AI was that you would replace all the writing on like all of uh, like streamer horror films and the whole Dick Wolfie universe would just be AI. And I was thinking about that. And, and it is like very formulaic. And they actually talked and one of the people on the podcast had actually typed into ChatGPT a whole thing that was essentially a Chicago Fire episode, like basically was like, write this and gave the, the GPT-4, which is the newer ChatGPT, a list of very specific parameters to write. And they, they produced a Chicago Fire episode and they were talking about it. And the guy was basically saying, like, it was actually a pretty good episode of television. And I was thinking about it and I was like marinating on it. And I was like, that's a load of horse shit. And I was thinking about it, about each of the writers rooms. And I was thinking about like specifically the fact that these writers on all three shows and watching them all like reaffirmed this really understand 
while they have their flaws, they really understand how to utilize each actor, knowing them personally. They know what their mm-hmm. limitations are. They know what their skill sets are in a way that an AI could never fully understand unless you're in the room with someone and you see the potential. I'm a great example of that. AI would never have seen my character and been like, hey, he should be around for a season and a half. But a writer saw potential in that and saw the reaction to that and realized that it was a something that could be organically something new because what AI does is it reflects the history of something, not the potential of something. And I think that, you know, as the writers are on strike right now, trying to also put in parameters where especially low levels writers aren't getting replaced by AIs for outlines, you know, it's good to know that like even in something as formulaic as so many of these things that we love so much, so many of the nuances that keep bringing us back are the human elements to it. And that's why this writer's strike is so important because that's what keeps us coming back. And, you know, a lot of companies are going to be looking for ways to cut corners. And, you know, if you want to make something good, you know, having good writers in the room to watch people with their eyes and see potential in, oh, Hanako and Jimmy have a really good relationship off screen. Let's write that. That's that's good shit. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Really funny you bring that up because um, in line at Disney World this whole weekend or Disneyland. Sorry, Lauren. Uh, don't come for me. Um, we actually we had the idea last week that over hiatus we're gonna do an AI episode where like we asked ChatGPT to like essentially write some scenes or write an episode. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm then gonna we put- act out because it's like not we had the opposite gina did a few of them and we did not think they were that great and i'm pro i'm very pro so many things with ai i just like to jump in with certain things because i am like well where's the truth in this you know but yes you're right sorry when i think i think the important point is that ai is great and it's a great strength but it shouldn't take over every aspect of everything it can be a great tool but it can't be like the end all be all Well, and we sit here on this podcast and even every other time I've listened to you guys talk about it. And so many of the formulaic things about any of these shows aren't the things that we're actually super interested in talking about. We're interested in talking about all the frills around the outside of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I'll shut up. Definitely a plan to do in a couple weeks. So it's funny that writer and and, yeah. And the Internet just comes for the writers because, of course, they do. That's their job. But the writers do a really good job and they're striking and we're with them. Yeah, yes. a thousand, thousand percent, thousand percent. Me too. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I take my shots at whoever I'm taking shots at. Like I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, some of those writers killed me this year. So, like, you know. <laughs> Okay. And like, I'm still so like, I, I understand with the writer strike, like you technically can't do press, but like, I just want to talk. I just want to talk. I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all. Oh, so many questions of all the years for there to be a writer's strike. I know. I know. Are we're we ready for PD? They know we were going to interrogate them. Yes. Oh, we yeah. are ready for PD. We are ready for PD. Okay. So we always stretch it out before PD. So let's do that because shit's about to get real. Uh, yeah. We'll stretch it out. I'm going to send you some of this AI stuff to me because like it's terrible, but it's really funny. Let's see. It's just really bad. It's really stressed out. All right. Did you like that, Lauren? Loved it. Sick. Cool. Why are you telling me the message is too long? I'm just trying to paste. Gina, do you want me to start? (laughs) Yeah, you start. Okay. So the episode starts, and we've got Ruzik working on transcribing his notes with conversations between Richard and Sam. 
And then it cuts to him talking in bed with Kim about how he's counting down the days till this assignment is done. And it goes into a voiceover um, and you, he can't get any details about what he's planning either. And he just keeps going on and on about how basically he's just ready to be done at this point. Um, and then there's like the one little tiny moment and you get to see Ruzik sitting on the floor, just in Mac's room, just like checking on her. And I'm just like, the feels, all the feels. Love him. Um, so Adam ends up falling asleep at his desk and he's woken up to this phone call from Samantha. Um, he pulls up at her house and she sees that she's packing the car and she's leaving and she's like, no, you should leave too. Um, and basically she ends up telling him that Richard moved the date to today, but of course, like Adam didn't get the call, which cause duh, he's getting pushed out by Richard. They know that he's something's he's sus. Um, but Sam's not listening to anything that Adam says. So he stops her really the only way he knows how he basically pulls the gun out and tells her that he's Chicago PD. That was probably like, not your best move, Adam. No. I mean, he was back in your corner. I know he didn't know what to do, what else to do. Like, what was he going to do? Just, like, let her leave and blow up what he's been doing for the last two months? No, but probably not his best move either. There was a lot of gun content in this episode and i say this at the risk of this being like a super hot take and like venturing into really like bad territory jimmy i just emailed you the ai thing it's terrible but kind of awesome um a lot of gun content in this episode that i was just like that's enough that's enough like line drawn i don't know if y'all felt the same way or if it was just me but i mean there's always a lot of gun tent gun content not that i appreciate it no, i don't gun tent. I noticed- gun, gun tent you can <laughs> you can you can put that put like that's yours now you can run with it gun tent um but i didn't notice it being any different than like a normal pd episode where they're taking down you know a gang that's trafficking guns or anything like that and it feel that much different to me personally I guess I can see that. I think I, I know we talked about like once once Richard Beck like revealed his full plan and we were like, bro, read the room. Like once he realized what his target was and I was like, today's the one year anniversary of the shooting in Uvalde. Like you're really, really like. Yeah, that is more that there's a lot of other stuff. Like obviously the racism, like there's a lot of other stuff I had issues with. The guns this week wasn't like was like further down on the list of things I had issues with personally. Yeah um yeah but anyway so Voight and Kim come to the 21st and Adam has Sam in the briefing room and of course she's pissed because he's been lying to her for the last like two months and you know Adam's just like you know the more you tell them about what your dad's planning the more than I can protect you and she's like that's bullshit blah 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 I don't trust you you know all the things that they say once they find out they've been burned by someone going undercover um Adam comes clean to Voight, though, about what happened, and now he's, like, of course, beating himself up about not letting her and Callum just go. He has a lot of feelings. He's like, I want to be helping and stop Richard and solve the case, but obviously he's become very attached to both Sam and Callum over the last two months and all the time he spent with them. So he has a lot of conflicting feelings throughout this whole thing. So back at the 21st, Intelligence figures out a plan of attack, and they basically decide that, like, getting Sam to talk is the quickest option for, you know, they've got like seven hours basically in order to stop Richard. So, oh, and then they throw in this little line about how Taurus is with his mom at the Mayo Clinic for some health checkups and he won't be back till Saturday. And it's like, the thing that I always find funny about this is Voight's always like, where's Taurus? And like, Voight, aren't you supposed to know where your people are? Like, why are you always the last one to know? He's in Austin. 
<laughs> yeah, he's in Austin. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I just I just think it's always funny that Voight's the last one to know. And I'm just tired of Torres like being the one that gets like sent out. They've left Torres out of some really pivotal moments this season. And I don't get it. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, he's new. I get it, but he's still part of this family. Like they've left him out of some really crucial moments. Like, why wasn't he in the 200th? Why are there certain episodes where he's just like, poof, gone? I don't like yeah. it. It's weird. It's really weird. Kind of a model for what we're going to see next season, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like I said, for someone who's supposedly a series regular, it feels like he's been left out a lot. But anyway, they do throw in the little lines of where he is. So it's not like he's just abandoned completely, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. So then Voight calls in Nina. And I really thought before this that I thought we were going to be done with her. Like, I did not think she was coming back. And this whole stuff is kind of weird. I feel like she does not, like, she's, he makes her uncomfortable is the vibe I got. I don't know what vibe I get. I have no idea what they're doing with them. It feels very weird, though. That is the only thing I know. Vibes, Lauren, Jimmy, anything? I don't know who she is. She's the the one the from no, I know like, who she is in the episode but I don't know which no, she no, 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 no. but so you know the big Voight episode that Jesse directed a couple you know back however many episodes ago that was and it was like the whole Voight episode and she's the one that slept with the guy and like that whole that's her oh okay this is basically bringing her back yet again same okay. girl okay I'm there yeah Lauren's really locked oh in you on didn't PD. watch it you didn't watch that episode no, I did. It's okay if you didn't, Lauren. Yeah, Lauren, totally it's okay. It. It's okay. Okay, then you would not know who she is. <laughs> it's fine. Team um, EBTKS is down. We've, we've made both of them laugh hysterically. I'm oh, sorry, goodness. continue, continue. Anyway. We've passed, we've passed 3.09 a.m. here in uh, in London. So <laughs> in London. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm making oh, sure yeah. I'm all set up for the morning because it's going to come quick. Stay with us, Jimmy. We're almost there. We're almost I'm here. There. I'm here. I'm here. Um, jet lag doesn't yeah. exist. It's fine. No, jet lag doesn't, it doesn't exist because I'm just tired. It's late at night. I should go to sleep. So it's just like normal sleeping schedule. Technically, um, your body thinks it's like 9 o'clock at night, right? 10 yeah, it's like it's bedtime. It's bedtime. That's all it is. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm I feel terrible right now. I feel like I'm going to miss the rest of this PD conversation, but I do have to pack it in. I have to America. I have do to like 30 more minutes. We can get like we can 30 do it. minutes. Do it. I don't want to rush you, though. This is a big episode. You have a ton to discuss. It's kind of well, a big moment. I don't want to slip. I don't want to speed it up. <laughs> okay. Feelings, thoughts, feelings, thoughts. Do you have any feelings or thoughts about how the episode ended? I mean, like. Well, here's here's the, I, I have a, I wanted to hear Lauren's thoughts on this because like this is her this is her Mona Lisa. Why don't we just skip right to that part? We can do that. All right, cool. What part? Do I don't want to fuck up the schedule. I don't want to fuck up the schedule. anything up. We can always go back. It's fine. <laughs> if we need to, it's mostly just case well, details. Well, you know, I don't know who I don't know. I, Brian is editing this. I don't want to make things hard for her. It's fine. I can see. I she's fine. Okay, so we'll just fast forward then. Okay, okay. Okay, so, um, Brandy, you want it or you want me to take it? 
Go for it. Okay. I don't know where you're going to pick up from. So go so, for it. Gruzik goes to check on Cal and can't find him at first. He finds him in the attic. Cal's yes. on the phone with his grandfather because the grandfather has brainwashed this poor child. Yes. Completely brainwashed. So he's got the gun and he's talking to him. And like 99% of the time, you're just like, okay, like they're not going to get shot. Something's going to happen. Watching this sequence, I was like, I had to keep reminding myself, I'm like, Adam's about to get shot. Adam's about to get shot. Like we all knew it was. We happening. all knew this. We yeah. all knew this. And Cal- wait, 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 wait. What do you mean you all knew this? You all we knew, knew he was, was going to get, get shot. shot. There is nothing this fandom cannot find out. They found out that he got shot. We everybody knew there was this. a behind the scenes where she's like in the hospital, like running after a gurney. Wow! Oh my gosh! And okay. then there's been a lot of gun talk from the from Callum, so it was kind of it, it was kind of easy to piece together that Adam probably got shot by him. Okay. This got it. The new codes. If also, we were- PD is like really, really, really awful at for like foreshadowing. Like, you can just tell. They yeah. just tell you what's coming. I'm gonna eat this chicken wing. Keep going. You think? Yeah. Okay. So Adam's like trying to get Callum to put the gun down. Callum's like ten. Remember, the, he, this is a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Callum shoots Adam. Just boom. That's it. Um, Warren, how you doing over there? Fine. Liar. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I knew Adam was going to get shot. So like, this wasn't shocking. It was sad. <laughs> yeah. It was more of the, yeah. So I legit thought that this was going to be like, we go to commercial and then like Voight finds him and we're done. Oh no, we had to suffer, suffer. So they fully put Adam through like a Kim in season eight situation where like he's bleeding out. He's crawling on the ground, sliding his ass down a stairwell, trying not to die. The The trauma just... Yay. It's like, why did we have to relive that again just with Adam? Like, I, didn't we already, didn't Kim suffer enough the first time? Didn't we suffer enough? Like, why did we have to do that because again? Because PD is the darkest show of all three. And I think, I think they've hit a point of like no return where like, they've hit a point now where it's just like gone too far, in my opinion. Where like, like they don't, the thing about PD is they don't care about payoff. Like they will put their characters through all this trauma, all this shit, and then they don't pay, like, they don't give the viewers any payoff for watching their characters go through all this traumatic shit. So, it's just, like, at this point, it's just, like, I'm not shocked when I don't get, like, a resolution to this horrible fucking scene at the end because PD doesn't pay off. They just put their characters through traumatic, like, all this trauma, and they're like, peace! That was fun! See you all next season. That's been my problem with PD this season is that it's trauma for the sake of trauma. Shock value. That's all it is. That's all they've done this whole season. But it's like, I understand that you need to put your characters, like you're a drama. I understand you're a drama show. You need to put your characters through, like you can't just have them be happy, whatever. But it's like, when you don't pay off, you don't give your viewers any type of payoff, there's, you're not going to have a show. Like no one's going to want to continue watching. Yeah. Well, and I think the difference is too, because obviously we kind of skipped over this part, but what they find out is that Richard's plan is for them to attack elementary school kids that are primarily made up of kids of color. color. And the thing that I think that really bothers me, and I think what I've, a lot of what PD's try, I feel like PD's trying to do, touch on things that are timely and, you know, talk about things that are timely. But because they focus so much on the trauma of it, I feel like they're missing the mark. Like even with this whole Richard's a Nazi, you know, that kind of white supremacist thing, like 
there's just so much trauma around it that I just, I feel like they're missing the mark on trying what they're trying to show. Well, can I jump in on that for a second? Of course. Yeah. No. I also just think there is a level. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're good. Um, I do think there is a level too in which like a hammer is is good to a, to a hammer. Everything is going to look like a nail, right? So PD is a show of hammers. And so you're touching on cultural issues. Most cultural issues that probably need a chisel, probably need finesse. And their way of solving these things is hunting bad, like hunting down bad guys and putting them in jail and like catching them, right? So it's rarely like, so when you're touching on cultural things and and the way that you're going at it is like, God, catch the guy. Instead of like having some nuanced way of dealing with it or dissecting it that ends with maybe a little bit more of questions or a little bit more. I, I just think generally speaking, and I haven't watched a ton of PD. So like, I just think it's, it, it, you know, you want to stay relevant. You want to do relevant things. But it's like when the, the thing is always like, we're trying to catch a bad guy. You know, it's like, I, it always seems hollow for me when it's just like, all right, cool. So the backdrop that you've chosen is really relevant. Um, but they don't want to get into certain political conversations about that because they want more viewers. They don't want to alienate, you know, it's the Michael Jordan quote, Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that kind of bothered me about this episode is the whole conversation where Sam's talking with Adam and she's like, you know, until I had Callum, I didn't really mind what my dad was doing. Like, she's like, I didn't really know the details, but like, basically it didn't bother me until I had Callum. And it's like, I understand that when, well, I don't understand, but like, I can understand that like having a child brings you a different perspective, like brings a different perspective. But I think the way PD kind of just glossed over it, it was like, okay, well, Sam's good now. And Callum's really good at heart. And like, yeah, people can change, but it's fine and whatever. And like, that's not real. Like, I feel like they just glossed over so much of it. And I get that all of this is such a nuanced issue, but I'd rather them... I don't know, like you were saying, Jimmy, it's like it's so hard in like the span that they're doing and also trying to tell a case story predominantly that like when they're trying to touch on these tough topics, they just don't have enough time and they don't do it with enough nuance to like really feel like they did it justice. No, I'm with you, Gina. Why were the guns too much for you in this episode? Talk okay. to me about that. Um, This might sound really woke of me, but frankly, I don't really care. Um. Just a little, like, it was just too much. And I think I think the elementary school thing was what drew the line for me that I was like, no, no, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Every time there's a mass shooting in this country, I am like absolutely just sick to my stomach for like days, right? And again, I don't care if this sounds woke, but like when you bring the elementary schools into it and then you put it into a storyline that's fictional, you're normalizing it. And that should not ever be the case, especially when we're talking about elementary schools. So yeah. your main issue with it in general is that it normalizes it when you bring it into public sight rather than it's putting a spotlight on it and being like, isn't this pretty heinous? It's a pretty, it, okay. So, so hearing you say that it does present that, you know, it, that is a pretty tight rope to walk. Right. Uh, and it's all in how you spin it. Right. So are they putting a spotlight on it or are they normalizing it? It's all in how you look at it. So like Go ahead. Have you ever seen Mystic River before? No. I often think about 
the moment in Mystic River, there's a moment in Mystic River, Mystic River where Sean Penn pretty early on in, in the film realizes that his daughter has been murdered. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the greatest acting seven seconds you'll ever see of him just breaking down and screaming at the top of his lungs and having to be held back by all these adult men because he's in this like fit of rage. And I think about that moment all the time because I'm like, man, if I ever needed to put a spotlight on anything and could show a grief of something and empathize the way that like America was able to empathize with watching a father like mourn his 19 year old daughter's death like that. It's like, man, there's like power in that art. So I'm never like, you know, I, I, I'm often like we want to spotlight grief and empathy for things that we want to change. I do think you're right that we like normalize it. And, you know, if we make it like, man, there's an elementary school shooter and I got to hunt him down and kill him with guns. Bang, 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 bang. Like, obviously, that's a way of normalizing it. That's a little different. But, you know, I, I do think that. Like, I, I do think it's a fine line. And like Brian was saying, there's a way to successfully do it. And it doesn't always feel like PD is doing it well uh, when they bring in certain things. Um, but I understand. I, I totally understand, especially on the Uvalde uh, anniversary being like, it's too much. Not today. Um, I totally understand that. But I also because I, I but I also think like you can't like turn a blind eye to that stuff, too. It's like. And I know PD, I don't know a ton about it, but I know PD has like touched on a bunch of the race stuff and a bunch of the police brutality stuff a little bit, but it's like, you can't not bring that shit up because like you have a police show. So it's like a tricky and it's like, you know, same thing. It's like, if you're going to hold, you know, if you're going to be holding guns in your show, it's like, okay, well, you kind of got to talk about the bad ramifications about the fact that we have a society that's filled with guns. Mm -hmm. I think in my mind, and maybe this is just like my own like naivete, big word, but like in my mind, there's a certain part of like real life that there's a certain darkness in real life that like fiction should not cross into. And so maybe that's just me like thinking in like a utopian world kind of situation, but that I think it was the double whammy of the elementary schools being targets and then Callum being the shooter and him just being so comfortable with just like shooting at him like it was no big deal it was that double whammy that i was like this does not this doesn't feel good i don't like this right but didn't that then have the desired effect it made you feel that way it made you feel that much of a distaste to that moment and how disgusting that felt to you so maybe it was super successful in that moment it reaffirmed it reaffirmed what you feel about if someone isn't has a gun in their house and a kid has access to it and the fact that we have hundreds of accidental kids deaths with guns in the house that aren't safe safe, like stored correctly things like that that's a little different but maybe it did have the desired effect and that you were like i want to turn this off at the (laughs) risk of maybe what they're trying to do which is to keep you watching so then what do they have they do they have him like crawling for life adam like trying to survive and you have to watch it's an interesting thing to think about no good that's a great point i didn't even think about it that way that like the writers pretty much had me right where they wanted me yeah yeah, and you start off just, you know, just a thought. No, great thought. Great thought. Yeah. But I love guns. Awkward pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the ambo, because we actually get a Berzik ambo scene, which Lauren is just like, Lauren's awfully subdued right now for the fact that we're about to talk about this Berzik ambo scene. Lauren, thoughts? Hello. I was crying. I love crying. <laughs> yeah that should be like the shy hard motto right there like shy hards i love crying yeah so um in the ambulance 
Adam basically promises, or she, he makes Kim promise, like, you're going to find Callum first. Like, I don't care that he shot me. Like, you're going to find him first. Otherwise, the grandfather's going to kill him. And like- I thought I was getting an I love you, but it's fine. I know. You guys got, you guys got kind of screwed though. Cause like you, you got screwed out of an I love you. And there was a whole ass scene that got cut. Yeah. 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 You guys got a little screwed. We'll text uh-huh. Dick Wolf about it. Don't worry. We're on it. You gonna call him? I'll call him. Great. Cool. Good idea. Let me know how that goes. Pull him um, yeah. So, uh, and I, I honestly, like after this whole thing happened and like Adam's in the ambo and everything, I completely like lost sight of the fact that Callum shot Adam. Cause like the whole time, you know, Kim's just like, I'm not going to protect this kid. Like, and at the end of the day, I'm just like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh yeah. Cause Callum's the one who shot him. Adam just sees him as this scared kid. And because Adam sees him that way, I see him that way. Did you guys feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think, yeah, I definitely saw, like, I mean, you, you see, obviously, that Adam has a different, he sees, I think he sees both sides. He obviously sees, like, he knows what Callum did, but it's not great. But he also, like you said, he sees him as a scared kid because he's known him for the last two and a half, three months, however long it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, but all Kim can see is... to Michaela. Yeah, that also hurt. So much. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely saw it that way. Yeah. So uh, we'll just get through the end of this and then we can let you go to sleep. But um, yeah, so Kim and Voight and Kevin, they follow Callum's location. Kim gets there first. And so Kim is basically like, listen, like, I don't want to be here, but I promised Adam. So like, I'm going to protect you guys. So like, shut up and cooperate, basically. And Sam's like, you're with Adam. And she's like, I'm with Adam. Fuck yeah, you are. Like, that's our queen. Yeah. She's like, yeah, huge dick. Confirmed. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. So Richard shows up, takes Callum hostage, and like shout out to this guy who played with Richard because like he's terrifying. Okay. And I'm sure that actor is not terrifying in real life, but like in the show, he's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Richard holds Callum hostage and is like, Callum's willing to die for the cause. Like this is all going down, which like, okay, not scary at all. Burgess doesn't have the shot. Voight doesn't have the shot. And Richard basically gets shot from like behind. And so blood sprays all over Callum, which like just a normal day on PD. Richard falls. We get the shot. Kevin got the shot from like way behind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so, and Callum, we and love Callum, it. I was going to say, and then Callum looks at Kevin like he's the worst person in the world, which obviously just fuels the point. I, I really still, I mean, I don't think they're going back to the storyline. But the way that Callum looks at Kevin, it looks like Callum's going to come for revenge. Like, that's how that's what it made me feel like. Yeah. So that begs the question, what are we going to do from here? Because Richard's dead. Samantha said she's going to go down for Callum. So does Callum go? Does Callum go into foster care or does Callum? I mean, I think that's assumed. I don't think I think this is it. I think when they move into season 11, it's just whatever they're going to tell in season 11. Yeah, they're not talking about this anymore. It's kind of like the way like last season finale, like. Anna, the Anna storyline wrapped up in the finale, and then that was it. Like, we didn't hear about Anna again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially since, yeah, I feel like they just assume that everyone thinks that Adam's alive now. So I feel like season 11 is just going to start, and then they're going to be chilling. No, I can see it pick up, picking up with that, but I think in terms of, like, Cal- like Callum's just done. Like, we don't see him again, even though it makes it feel like he's going to come for revenge on Kevin. Um, but, no, I think that's just done. 
Yeah, and so we we get into more of the discussion there. Is Adam going to be okay? Because we don't know at the end of the episode. I think he is going to be okay, and I I'm going to base it a on the cut the photos from the scene that got cut, whatever. But I'm also going to base it on that final scene. There was chatter on Twitter. People were like, "Why the hell did this end with Voight getting drinks with Nina?" That's bullshit. It didn't bother me because it told me that Adam's okay. If I think if Adam were in a lot worse shape and he were like near death, I think Voight wouldn't have been getting drinks with Nina. I think he would have been at Lakeshore. And I think what that last scene also signifies is that like, cause they're sitting there having drinks silently. I think what it signifies is like, yeah, they solved the case, but it wasn't a good outcome for anybody involved. I think the thing, and I don't want to speak for everyone who has a problem with the scene. I think the thing that bothered me, and I think if I remember correctly, I think I read this in Lizzie's review, um, is that it takes an it basically brings it down. It like it makes Voight seem like the main character in an episode where he wasn't the main character. And it's like, oh, look, it ends with Voight. Like everything comes back to Voight. And like I get that Voight is the lead and like Jason, you know, that Jason is the main character on this. Like I get it. But it just like we did not need Voight in the end. Like that wasn't what this whole episode was about. And it kind of just made it seem like, oh, it's Voight's show and everything comes back to him. And like sometimes, yeah, it does. But not everything has to always come back to him. And we didn't need we just didn't need that shot. My thing is, if you have a scene that makes your entire storyline full circle, then why are you cutting it? Like I don't. And, you know, will the audience. What is this cut scene? It's the so, it's him and Adam in the hospital and Adam's alive and it's just like them reuniting basically. And like they, by his they basically as soon as the episode was over last night, they were posting pictures from like all three episodes and they posted that photo, knowing that we and didn't he's like, see he's that. He's like scene. up and alive, like and then like a Damn. bunch of other photos came out on like the NBC press site of that scene that we did not see. Interesting. So they can't come back and be like, he's dead. <laughs> Yeah, and his like True. eyes are kind of like half open in one of those, so we know that he's not dead. Yeah, I think that was more the that was more that they were going for is that like the case was resolved, but like it it didn't work out well. Thanks, Lauren. Lauren's on the case. Lauren's always on the case. Like she doesn't have that photo saved to her phone twenty times or something. Like you know, Lauren, I'm really surprised you didn't put that down in the group chat about twenty times in a row. I was in the jacuzzi last night after this episode. Oh, were you? Yeah. I had jacuzzi time. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Why did you? Is this a regular thing? Is this? this, Yes. That's that's Lauren's space. I I mean, I love hot tub time. We have to cope somehow. No, it's great. It's great. We love jacuzzi time. Yeah. Well, it's much more calm. The waters are much more calm in PD land than I thought, but I also didn't know about this deleted scene. So. No, people are pissed. (laughs) Like a lot of people are. This poor intern, like it's so scary. Everyone's like, "Release the scene, release the scene," and I'm like, "This intern is just like, I don't know what's happening." And the thing is, is like, as much as we all want to see the scene, when was the last time PD released a deleted scene? Like, it's not gonna happen. It was no, it was when Al died. It was when Al died. Yeah, that was how many years ago at this point? Like four, five. Yeah, I don't. You probably told me. Someone told me that someone was like harassing Sophia Bush so much about a Linstead scene that she got them to release it. That was in season three. Yeah, yeah. Let me call up my Dick gosh. Wolf. Jimmy, call up Dick Wolf right now. He's not taking my call. I'm a I'm a Z list celebrity. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> he's not. He. Uh, you'd be better off to call Arthur or Peter. Arthur or Peter, a little bit more. 
involved, hands-on. Look them up. I mean, we already had you on FBI Most Wanted. Maybe we can get you on International and you can just like have a well, bad my... in Hungary somewhere. That's my boy. That's my boy. I want to, I'll solve a crime. I'll solve a crime with Carter. Oh yeah. Carter... You went to school with him, right? Yeah. Carter and I are very close. Carter and I, Carter and I are the same class. I love it. I love that boy. I love it. I love that boy. So good. So good. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know how much more I'm going to be popping up in the wolf universe. Um, I'm, I'm, I've, uh, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of done my, I've done my wolf universe stuff. Um, but Hey, you know, if a twin brother of a certain paramedic ends up on Chicago fire, he might look like me. Um, I would be okay with that. <laughs> well, I mean, I did just give a manifesto about how great their writers are compared to AI. So, um, you all rock. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you got to go to bed. I have to yeah. go to sleep. Thank I have you, to Jamie. rest. I'm Jamie, thank you about so 30 much hours away. Um, yes, of course. This was so, so fun. And um, enjoy the off season of less of these episodes. And uh, everyone listening, Go be go get on Patreon. Go give money to these wonderful, wonderful girls who are, were up all night last night editing this shit. So and there was a lot to edit of my stuff. So love on them. Support the podcast. If you're listening, it's free. You're welcome. So give them some money. I love it. Did we scare you off? Are you ever coming back to join us on an episode? Okay, just Look at my shirt. I see it. Of course I'm coming back. Are you kidding me? This is light work. This is light work. I have long sessions with Kyle. That sounds like we make love. We we don't. <laughs> well, hey, good luck on your race on Saturday. Yes. Um, keep us updated on like A, the race and B, all the movies you're watching because like you've turned us into movie watchers now. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Keep us updated. We love you. We love talking to you and hanging out with you. It's always so much fun. Go to sleep. So fun. Bye. So fun. Love you all. Lauren, I'll text you. Okay. Bye. Peace. <laughs> uh, love it. Okay. What parts of this PD episode do we want to touch back on? Um, I'm trying to like go back and I mean, we ended up kind of touching on some of it. I think obviously when Adam's driving Sam home and so she can go get Cal and they're talking about like Cal and Michaela and stuff. I just thought, I mean, I appreciated the way Mac or that Adam described Mac because I thought it was really cute how he's like, she's goofy and she's weird. And, you know, like I thought that was just like a really cute dad thing. But also at the same time, I was kind of I really thought for a second they were going to go somewhere with Michaela. And I was like, Adam, why are you telling her all of this? I was like, you dumb idiot. I was like, why are you basically telling every you're, you may as well give her Mac's birthday, Mac's social. Like you may as well just like spill everything to her. The second he said her name, I was like, stop, stop, stop. You said too, too much. much. Too much. But yeah. like at the same time, like the way he was characterizing her, he was like, she's eight, she's goofy, she's weird. And I was just like, so cute. I know. His little dad era. He's but actually, dad. though. Love him. So um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything. Oh, can we go back to like the weird Nina stuff though? Because like I know Lauren hasn't watched that episode, so she doesn't, but like. I still just don't understand what the whole Nina, I, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. Well, were, I mean, I don't, obviously I didn't watch the episode, but were they that 
close to like be getting a drink like I don't understand like why this was such an important ending to the series like what in the writer's mind were like this is gonna wrap up our season this Voight and Nina together was gonna wrap up our season and then yeah like what made them think instead of having the whole Adam thing be the wrap-up I mean so in that episode there's a lot of scenes of them obviously Voight kind of lies to her a lot in that episode and kind of goes behind her backs, which is why when she's talking in this episode about like the only way, you know, she'll do trust him is if he gives her full transparency, like why that whole scene exists is because of that relationship. But I wouldn't say they're close. And like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I did think it was weird, even if that was the way they always wanted to do that ending, regardless of whether we got that deleted scene or not. I just feel like, why are they going to hang out and have drinks? Like, that just seems weird to me. Yeah. Just everything about this relationship seems weird, but it seems like it's an important enough relationship that she's going to come back next That's year. That's what I was going to say. Do you think she's going to come back and be an important part next season? And, like, how would she I play? I would I'd say important, but she's definitely, I would definitely see that she's going to pop up for sure. Yeah. She doesn't really bug me. I don't know, like... I don't know. I didn't catch, like, it, it, there were no vibes that I caught, like, even if they're thinking that they're going that way, but that scene really didn't bother me as much as it bothered everybody else. She, well, it's just, it's not that the scene itself was, like, was an issue. Like, if they had put that scene and then put the Burzak scene afterwards, like, no one would have said a thing. Like, it's just the fact that there was a scene filmed that wrapped up this storyline with Adam and Kim and we got to see him okay and whatever like a full circle moment like they that's what everyone that. wanted but the fact that we just got this random scene of Voight and this lady drinking in a bar with no court like it just like it it just felt super random and like it literally just felt like oh this is our backup ending scene well, with no context so I have two thoughts one I think regardless, even if they put the Burzik, I just don't think that scene was necessary. And like, I think it's definitely a choice for it to be the last scene. Like, even if you said you put the Burzik scene before this scene, like, so it was at the end, but like came before this scene, I still think ending with this scene would have been a choice. Like, I, I just, I do. But I also, it's kind of like going back with the to fire with the Bretzy Mouch situation about like which order the scenes are. Like, I wonder if this came like if that was an editor decision that was made after the writer strike, and that was like an editing decision. You know, obviously it wasn't an editing decision. I I'm assuming it was an editing decision to cut the Berzik scene. Yeah, clearly. But then I'm like, why? Like, I wonder if this episode got locked before the writer's strike, if that scene would have stayed. I mean, that's things we'll never know, but, like, you know. Yeah. Like, like, would a writer have fought for the Berzik scene if it had happened, if this had come down to, but, like, before the writer's strike? Ew. That is so... I hate sneezing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways. But I don't know. I like I said, I just I think the Voight scene was a choice. Um I think it's maybe less of a choice if it's not the final moments of the episode. But I think especially because it is it's just a choice, in my opinion. Yeah. It just felt really out of like I think at the end of the day, like you said, it just felt very out of place. Like it just was like, why are we watching this for two minutes when we have all this other stuff that we could be touching on? Yeah. I don't know. I just 
And I know people were freaking out about the Burzak scene being cut. They're like, oh, does this mean that Adam could be dead next season? Like, does this blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, I just, I don't think, I just really think that next season's going to pick up and Adam's going to either be recovering or there's going to be a little time jump and everything's going to be back to normal and they're going to start off running on their new storylines. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I don't think that, I just think that, like you said, like, I think an editor made a choice and that's what they thought would wrap up this season really nicely and they cut that but then because like they've posted promo pictures like that before and it like of scenes being cut but like you know like it just like it doesn't have the same if it's like a part of a call on fire part of a scene an action scene on pd it doesn't have the same meaning if it's cut but this is like and especially i think because it's berzik and because how much like we waited for them so long to get back together and the parallels to you know kim being hurt and now adam like there's just there's so much weight that that scene potentially seems to hold that and i think everyone knowing that that weight probably held or that scene probably held a lot of weight to it i just i think it's a choice to cut it and i'll just at the end days just back to like pd doesn't pay off their viewers like that's just that's just it that's not what they think about that's not what they do like I'm gonna use I'm gonna use Haley as an example this entire season we've watched this girl go through so much shit and so much tragedy and so much hurt and did we get a single ounce of payoff for that character not one not a single ounce PD just doesn't think like that that's not how they write their show so I just think like at the end of the day like they don't they don't care about the payoff. They don't, they don't think like that. That's not how they're going in the direction of their show. So it's just like Berzek was just like that scene, even though it would have been a perfect payoff for what watching Adam crawl himself across the floor and fall down. Like they're just like, that's just not how they, they run, which is so unfortunate when, but that's just it. And it's just really frustrating, but it's the MO at this point. Yeah. And I definitely don't think they're going to come back and be like, Adam's dead. But I, I, no. I was, I, I told you guys both this yesterday that like, I was not worried about PD like at all. Mm-hmm. The only reason I even got slightly worried about PD was LaRoyce's video, which yeah. I feel like we should say is beautiful. Like the tribute, the fact that it's basically a tribute to everyone who's come along in the last 10 years of PD, like every single person, I mean, John, Seda, you know, Elias, Lasseth, I mean, like, from, like, minor people to, like, I mean, it's a beautiful tribute. Yeah. It scared me a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. It did scare me yeah. for, like, 0.2 seconds. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, But I was never worried about Adam. Never. Never. And I, I was still not worried about Adam. I wasn't even worried about LaRoyce, because I know in, like, the first, like, right when they wrapped, he was doing an interview and he was talking about next season. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have a feeling that any of the PD characters were leaving. It just made, Lori's video just makes it, I mean, and I get that it's a reflection on 10 years. They hit 200 this year. Like, I get, you know, now I get it. It was just, like, the fact that he posted it before the episode and, like, because it includes literally everyone from the past 10 years of PD, I was like, oh shit, is this his way of saying I goodbye? I was like, I'm was not ready like, for this. I was like, no. I know like Christian had just posted, like it was so. <laughs> Those like that, like hour and a half before med was a, was a time to be alive. Yeah, in the one Chicago fandom. It was a time, <laughs> was a time to be alive. We're off the charts. I was like, if I pop a Xanax before these shows, I'm going to start sleeping and I can't, I was, oh, that was a ride. That was a ride. 
Yeah. Yeah. The feelings. The feelings of last night were what really clowned me though is that like I was like, oh, these finales in general, they're not gonna be that bad. And then I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) ultimate clown. Oh my gosh. Lauren, I'll send you a clown mask. It just wasn't gonna get here on time. But yeah. This nose though. I mean I've basically been using it as a stress ball this whole time we've been recording. (laughs) The nose is a lot. Like at least we're ready to go for red nose day. It doesn't even fit. That's why I started turning it as a stress ball. Yeah, that's not sexy. No, it doesn't even feel comfortable. No, this thing sucks. I'll put blush it's better on. as a stress ball. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So and like Lauren, you haven't even like divulged all your feelings about this episode. Like, I feel like there's like I feel like you've got to like go off, just let it out. Okay. I'm gonna like really honest. Like, so I like like Adam. I feel like if I didn't know that Adam was gonna get shot and then he got shot, I'd be like, oh like crying. you would have said you were pretty bad last night, but I feel like you would have been on a different level yeah you didn't know I, last night okay weirdly enough the mouch whole the whole thing with mouch affected me more than the adam thing did which that really did send you spiraling honestly shocking because i had i was like i literally was like not well over mouch no like, of mouch dying like i you was, witnessed it you were not well yeah i was literally not well over this man dying and um I don't know. And so by the time PD happened, I literally just felt numb. I was like, that sounds so dramatic, but I literally was just like, I'm just, I'm just getting hit. Like, I'm just like, things are just happening. And like, um, yeah, Adam getting shot was literally awful. Like watching your comfort character get hurt in any capacity is literally the worst thing ever. It feels like it's a shot to you, like your heart, like it's just awful. So I, but I feel like, and I, I don't, and it's just like sad to say because it's just like I love PD so much and I love the character so much, but it's like exhausting being a fan of the show at this point. Like, it, like I don't want to tune in, and I like the I have like the last two weeks of three weeks of episodes. Like, I would watch just bits and pieces. Like, it's just like I don't. It's just like I don't know. It's just like because you it's know it's gonna happen. You know you're gonna get pain. You know you're gonna get hurt. You know your characters are gonna go through shit, and you know that you're gonna get no happiness out of it. So it's like, what is yeah. the point of watching? What is the point of watching until you know it's gonna happen? And so that's what's so frustrating. So when like Adam got shot, we see the ambulance scene, and like even in the ambulance scene, I was like, oh, like maybe we'll get a Berzek. I love you. Like we're gonna get some sort of something. It's like no, it was just strictly case in that ambulance scene. And then like besides Kim being like. I'm here for you. I love you. Whatever. Not I love you. But <laughs> but then like I don't know. It's just like I don't even know where I'm going with this point. But the point is like it's just like at this point I know how PD rolls. So it's like it, when the moment I'm like it's like the worst thing that ever happened to me. But then when after like the day after like at this point I'm just like yeah that's literally PD and I shouldn't be shocked that that's how they did me. You know. Well, and they don't ever do anything like fire. Sometimes has been like okay, yeah they like saw it's like they kind of seem like they're doing the oh thing same thing over and over again but every once in a while fire will at least pull like a punch and you're like oh i did not see that coming that was a major twist like okay pd really has not done that ever i mean yeah they've like fucked up some character exits but that was like actors leaving or whatever like they haven't done anything that's like super shocking that changed a lot of 
you know, yeah. the course of a lot of things. And maybe Al's death is really the only thing I can really think of um, that was, like, super major. But at this point, we're like, oh, yeah, Adam got shot. He's probably going to yeah, be fine. It's going to be like, fine. We're fine. It's fine. Yeah, like, yeah, it's traumatic. We don't want to watch it. But we all know, like, because they haven't done something, we're like, oh, Adam got shot. No, Adam died. Like, that yeah. kind of thing. They really don't do that a lot, like Fire does. It's like until they do something like that, we're like, okay, yeah, like was yeah, like, like we don't want to watch it, but like, okay, they're gonna be fine. And then, like, and then I feel like I would have had a lot more feelings on what was I don't know, like, but when the end of the whole like when the end scene was void, I was just like, why? Like, there is literally no point in me feeling upset or feeling anything because like I'm not gonna know any answers until who knows when and i'm just like he's alive like i just i don't know i don't know and it just feels like i I think i read it in lizzie's review she was talking about like how the growth of these character wait was this the manifest one (laughs) i don't remember you don't even know which review you're reading (laughs) um i don't know i just feel like i don't I I just feel like these shows like I love it just sucks because it's just like I love the characters on these shows so much and I feel so deeply for them and I literally it like feels like like it's literally feels like my family which is so dramatic but it's true and so like but at this point like it's just like I'm just numb to the fact that things are happening and I'm just like well that's how the cookie crumbles like we'll just have to keep going and we're not gonna get any payoff and I I don't know but yeah the mouch thing really fucked me up <laughs> going back yeah. to like that like I was like literally shocked at how I was like reacting. I feel like this round of season finales really brought home the notion of like, you know, we've really known these characters over 10 years now and they really do feel like our friends. Yeah. Like, I, I think just this whole season in general. Yeah. Given yeah, everything it, that's happened with as many characters as left. And I like, I don't know. I keep going back and forth, like, because I, there's obviously a lot of discourse about all three shows about you know, should they, with all the OG characters leaving, should they end, you know, like they should just end them because they're not any good anymore. Like if everyone's leaving, like why keep going? And it's like, first of all, there have been lots of long running shows that have done, gone through transitions and like come out okay on the other side. Like I've stopped watching Grey's at this point. I don't even remember where I lost off, but our friend Ashley, who's a big Grey's fan said that like, honestly, now that even Meredith is gone, like she loves it. And she thinks that it's like, better almost than ever like she a lot of people really like what they've done with grays and kind of reinventing grays yeah with the new so i think these i think these shows can do it it's just the way that i think they bring in new characters like we don't need well first of all i mean if med we don't need like five character exits in one year that's a lot we just don't need that's a lot of exits and i yeah. get that like some of it's not the writer's choice of a lot of it was like actor's choice so like i get that too but I think if they can find a way to balance as people leave, like the way they bring in new characters and like even just focus more on characters we already have and develop them more. Like, I think they can survive these transitions. I really do into like the new class or whatever we're calling all those. But like, if we keep having like five people leave a year, it's just going to really hurt. And at some point people are going to be fed up with it. But like, but I I think to do that too, though, you need to make sure that the characters that you have now that are leaving, you need to have good exits for, because it's like, 
if they're like, let me kill off every single major character that we have, but let me introduce you to six new main characters that you guys yes. are going to be stuck with for six seasons, like, no one is going to want to fucking watch that. They're I think so the thing that's hard. How- yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Lauren. I didn't no, mean to cut good. you off. But I, I and I don't want to keep feeling because I feel like a lot of times I play try to be devil's advocate for the writers because like their job is really hard. And like I do respect that their job is not easy. But I do I do kind of understand where they kind of get stuck in a corner. Like, for example, when I was talking about this someone in our emails about like even going back to like when Monica left fire and obviously that you had Dossie married and it's like okay well can they stay married offline or like do you have to break them up and have them get a divorce and like ultimately fire went to have them get a divorce and I think I think that was right for the show at the time I think it would have been weird to have them just like married off screen like I don't think that would have worked and I think sometimes it can work but like even with Taylor now it's like okay well what do you do with Celeride do you have Celeride just stay married off screen do you like do you break them up it's such a tricky situation that like I understand that like sometimes character exits are just gonna suck and like because one half of a ship is leaving and like then you know, like it it's not always as easy as like giving everyone a happy ending as much as we want it to be that way yeah you know not every single person can have a happy ending I think a lot of them can and I think there are if you look at one Chicago I think there probably could have been more happy endings than there have been but I don't think, I think it's naive to also think that like every exit can be a happy ending. Yeah. And I'm just saying like, as the state of your, the shows are now, like I'm, I'm really just talking PD too, because fire and med, they give their characters some sort of payoff. Like it's not all, a lot of times, not, not, not all, all the time, times. a lot of times. But when you have PD and just the entire time is just you, you tra- traumatizing your characters and then you're like, they're gone. Like when you have a show written like that, I think that's when it comes into play where you need to make sure that your send-offs are good and well thought out for, for sure. people to wanting to stay tuned into the new cast. Because I know when Jesse left and then they introduced Torres, like everyone was like, fuck this guy. Like we're not like, we that hate was- this man. Like it was in, like they they were so resentful over him because of how I think, because of how they transitioned him in. They were just basically being like, this guy's his Jay's replacement. Like that's how it felt to the viewers. And so you just need to be very, I think going forward, if these shows want to stay on the air for, for, for seasons and seasons and seasons to come, like Grey's is, they need to be very careful on how they're writing out their characters and bringing new ones and how they're continuing their stories. Yeah, well, and I mean, if you could even argue Carver too, Carver with as, with all the qualities they gave Carver, it really just felt like a Casey replacement in the yeah. beginning because yeah. it's like, oh, you have a blonde guy on truck who's a fight, you know, who um has like some sort of trouble past, but also is a cart, you know, does construction on the side. It's like literally, could you have just you basically should have just cloned Matt Casey like literally, at that yeah. point? But um, no, but I just think I hope next year, and we'll obviously we'll do a wish list later on, but like. I just hope next year you take the characters like the interns on no the residents they're not interns the residents on med that we've like in the beginning we were all kind of like I don't know how I feel about Kai or Nelly or whatever but like we at this point most people kind of like them like use them develop them more like Kylie going to the academy I think that I mean I don't think they're gonna spend forever on it but I would love to see them do something with that and like give that an actual storyline because it's something different you don't you can then give like 
Miranda or, you know, Eamon or whoever the episode off, you know, you can do that because you're at the Academy. I don't know. I just think like take the people we already know and love and are invested in and like develop them more rather than just constantly just keep bringing new people in and then like putting those people to the side. Like I, I, you know, I think it can work. I really, I really do. I know a lot of people are like worried about the transitions of all the shows. I do think it can work. I just, you know, yeah, baby steps. Yeah, I agree. Gina, any thoughts? No, I'm just, I'm listening to you guys. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sitting back and agreeing with all of it. It's just, it's a really, it's a scary time for me personally, just because I, I feel like I, there have been times this season where I've stopped and been like, look, I'm, I'm seeing all these people who are leaving and it's begging the question to me, am I outgrowing this fan, this franchise, right? But it's not necessarily, it's because this is what happens over time. People change, people move on. And just because I want to stay in the universe, but people like Jesse and Nick and, you know, um, Asia wants like, you know, all the people we've lost on med and all the people we've lost this year, just because they want to move on doesn't mean I have to. Uh, Right. And And it's going to be different. It's just, you know, it's just that it's just different. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of just reconciling my feelings with what's going on and just remembering and being like if 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 the one chicago universe still brings me comfort then that's cool i can stay with it it's just other people are going to grow and change and move on and that's just part of the game i think and i mean we've said it before we've had this discussion before i think what also makes it hard is when you have people and i get that obviously the online fandom is such a small percentage of everything but i think it also makes it hard when you have a decent portion of online fandom basically hate watching at this point Mm -hmm. like I've always been of the opinion if I don't like something I'm not going to keep watching it like why am I going to waste my time like if it's not bringing me joy like you said Gina and it's not bringing me comfort then like why am I going to keep watching it like yeah I may not dislike I may not like every single plot that the show is doing but in general if it if I'm if I'm enjoying it, I'm going to keep watching it. And I think it's hard sometimes because it feels like the online world is bringing so much negativity to the shows and like they should just end. Fuck this, blah, blah, you know, fuck that, blah, blah, blah. Like it sometimes I think affects my joy because I'm like, wait, if I'm enjoying it, like, am I doing something wrong? Like, you know, like, am I in the wrong? Because I am still enjoying it. Like I am enjoying Torres. I am enjoying Carver, you know, like all those things. And like, I have to sometimes remind myself like, no, like, the online fandom is such a small portion of everything. And like, I'm not in their spot. I do still enjoy a lot about these shows. So like, I'm going to just live in my joy and my comfort, like you said, Gina. And like, if it's still bringing me joy, then I'm going to enjoy the things that are bringing me joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think for me, the joy element goes back to the fact that we've known these characters for 10 years now. Like, it's comforting for me to see them because I feel like they're like my fictional friends, right? So that's yeah. why it was such a gut punch to lose Will because I was just like, like, I felt like my friend was leaving my life, you know, and just being like, peace yeah. out. Cause it's comforting for me every week to come to the TV and see them and see what they're up to. And so sure. the more your friends leave, the more you're like, I, do I still belong here? Yeah. Yeah. But- and I think that's also like kind of banking off of that, like you going, tuning in to see your friends and what they're doing every week. Like, Personally, I feel like, and I feel like I can speak for a lot of people, I watch TV to kind of escape from reality and to kind of take myself out of that and go into the fictional universe. So when the entire fictional universe is just like 
pain, 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 trauma, 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 trauma. That leaves me sobbing at the end of every single week when I just want to go and just like have a moment with my, like with the characters that I love and just like a moment of out of my, you know, it's just like, why? Like, why do we keep, I don't know. That's just what's like hard to. No, it's, it's a fair point. It's a really fair point, especially with PD, because PD has just been very stressful this season. And that's why, I mean, I've been trying to find the perfect way to like articulate how I've been feeling about PD and I just, I still haven't found it, but PD has become very stressful, very, very stressful to the point that I find myself, especially watching the clock during the episodes where I'm just like, oh my God, we're only 15 minutes in. there's 45 more minutes of the stress to come. Like it's very stressful because I care so deeply about those characters that you know, I don't want to see them hurt. Yeah. It's an aspirational thing, right? Like I can draw strength from Kim in a given week. If she's doing something, if she's going through something horrible and I'm like, well, Kim got through that. I can get through this X, Y, Z in my week, you know, same with Kevin, like it's sort of aspirational for me. So it's like, if I see them hurting, it's hard. And I think that's the reason why the Upstead thing has like just completely rattled me because she had her happy ending and then she lost her happy ending. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm saying, like, and I'm going to, I'm sounding like a broken record at this point about how important it is to give your characters payoff when you put them through so much shit. It's like, why, like, what is the point of your viewers watching their favorite characters go through so much pain and trauma when they're like, nothing is happy to look forward to when there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. It's just strictly sadness and that's based and like you can be like you can say all you want oh our sh- show's being written more dark like our we're we're darker now like we're we're writing like sadder storylines or going in a darker direction than the first couple seasons like you can say that all you want but it's like i i don't know it's just like when you when you see your fan base being like what is happening i don't know why you wouldn't just put in a little bit of payoff i think the pd camp especially i think they're in a giant bubble like, that's why after this, after this finale, I was just kind of like, have they like gone outside and touched some grass? Cause like, they're getting too dark, too dark. And I've been saying it since the Haley episode, like yeah. it feels like what they're doing right now on PD is for shock value as in how dark and twisted can we make this? And I feel like there's a line. Haley needed a win at the end of this season. Like Haley needed a win. We needed something like some showing her that she's like, I don't, it's just like, but no, like, it's just that's not how they do it which is so frustrating because it's like what is the point yeah it's like I I definitely agree I think they've gotten way too dark I almost wish I was thinking about this the other day that like the Rick Eyed era of PD my least favorite era I no not a fan of that era of PD I did not think the stories were that great or engaging or whatever but I wish they would take if they're gonna have like a obviously a darker tone to PD than say like the first four seasons I wish they would take the level of darkness and level of tone that Rick Eyed had with his version of PD and combine it with the stories and the payoffs and all the things that, um, oh my God, why can I not think of the current showrunner's name for PD? Gwen. What is Gwen? Name? Yes, Gwen. I was like, I'm literally, I'm like, I can picture her in my head. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish, because I love her stories. I love what she's doing with the story. Like, I think she's done great jobs with the character stuff. Like, I think she's done a really good job. I've enjoyed PD more since she's taken over. I just wish she would take the Rick Eye tone, which is darker than it was in the beginning, but, like, kind of more in the middle ground. Yeah. And, like, you can go as, like... In the, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, you can go as dark as you want to write your show, 
you can go whatever you can write all that but like <laughs> you still need some sort of levity and so yes when you're not giving it it's like there's no like yeah yeah that's what I'm saying I just wish they had the, like Rick Ide's tone I feel like worked yeah. very well for like yeah his stories were not that great the character stuff they did not it's not crazy. my favorite era yeah no yeah I cannot stand that era of PD but the tone wise it was like darker no, darker but also not like super dark yeah you're still I think that in. worked very well for PD for a show that's supposed to be about the gray area I feel like Rick Ide's tone worked very well yeah Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, but. we're, PD is not going to, it's not going to change. Like, we're, no, I know. Was- and at this point, and that's what it, well, and that goes back to my thing. Like, these shows aren't really going to change that much, especially right now. Like, Andrea's been around, you know, even though we have a new Soul Fire showrunner, Andrea's been around since day one. Like, it's still not going to change that much under her direction, her under her soul direction. Med, still run by Andy and Diane, not going to change. Yeah. Like you said, PD not going to change under the direction of Gwen. So, like, I just wish people would stop. Like, it's such a pet peeve of mine to hate watch. Like, why yeah. do people hate watch? Like, go find something else better to do with your time than sit there and be like, this show sucks. Okay, if you think it sucks, like, why are you watching it? Yeah. Just yeah. stop and go, like, read a book or something. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Yeah. I think it's I also know. just hard to separate yourself because it's like, if you've been in love with the show for so long, yeah. No, I get it. Character's been like, like that's hard to separate like like truthfully just- like like I like I think about it too I'm like okay like obviously like everyone like who knows me at all <laughs> knows that like I will literally die on a hill for Berserk like that those are my people those are my ships but like truthfully like if like if Patty or Marina left like I would be heartbroken and just like how what happened with Upstead like I would it would be so hard for me to watch the show but I would still tune in because like I love the other half of the ship, but I think I would be so resentful and so hurt that they like that the other half is gone and they're trying to move them on. Like, I think it's just, it's just so hard. And it's just like, and that just, again, shows, tells you the storytelling, like they didn't do a good job wrapping up Jesse's exit. So it's hard to move on. It's hard to like, be able to see your characters get new storylines and move. I just like, because they didn't do a good job wrapping it, like wrapping it up or giving anyone that ending that they needed I don't know just like yeah I yeah I I think about it a lot back when I was a wee baby a wee teenager back when I was watching Glee because Glee was my like show I was like I'm gonna watch this till I was like if my people are still here it could be literally the worst show I've ever gonna watch but like I love these people I love the actors like I'm gonna watch it till the end and then season four happened (laughs) well then the end of season four you know and then Corey passed away and I was like I can't do this anymore I watched a little bit of season five but I was like it's literally too hard for me to watch it physically hard for me to watch it I was like I cannot do it anymore yeah Um, I still have not watched the end but like I mean I've watched the last episode but I've not watched the end season six I haven't either (laughs) Lauren maybe we'll tackle that one day together but it's just like it's but it's just like if it's too hard like it was too hard I just I had to stop but that was a show that I would have been like as long as my people are here, it could be like the worst piece of crap ever. And I'm still going to watch it because these people, these characters mean something to me. So yeah, I get it. But yeah, all great. Anyway. I'm stuffing my face. I'm sorry. I was starving. Um, Yeah, it's late. You haven't eaten dinner. So 
Do we have any other notes on these finales other than like they traumatized us? I, I, I said it in the very beginning of the episode. These years have been a lot. I'm very grateful for the hiatus. Same. It's come at a necessary time. Like, I know by the end, I'll be ready to go back and I'll be like, these shows can come back already. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Especially if we get an extended hiatus, then I'm really going to be like, come yeah. on now, like any day now. But we need, we, I think I can say, speak for everyone. We all need this hiatus. Yeah, we and that's okay. That's okay to put the one Chicago down. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Go pick up another show. Go pick up something. Yeah, manifest. Manifest. So, um, and that brings us to, I mean, hiatus, right? We might be here a while. We might. We don't know. We I don't know. Jimmy says August, and I'm like, I, I mean, I, I hope it's August, but I don't know if I believe it. Yeah, I, I hope it's August. Um, I think that added to the pain of these finales is that we don't know when they're coming back. We don't know. Usually we'll just be like, okay, well, we'll see you in September. Like, Adam, heal up. We'll be good. Like, see you in September. We're not going to see them in September. We don't know when it's going to be. I mean, we could, but I doubt it. Doubt it. Doubt it. Um, Yeah, we might be here for a while. So, like, our advice to you guys is get cozy. Get your comfiest clothes. Get, like, the wine, the tissues, whatever you might need. Um, You know, we're going to do our thing over hiatus like we always do. We're going to cover some old episodes, but we might veer into some other topics, too. We were just talking today about when the Barbie movie comes out, like, doing a whole episode about that. So, yeah, I mean, we're all in this together, right? Not to quote or reference High School Musical. You guys can start singing if you want. I'm a little too old for it. You got to do that. You have to do the dance moves with it. It it does not count if you don't do the dance moves with it. I don't know the dance. Have you never just seen the movies at all? Mm. I don't think I've seen any of them all the way through. How are you a person? (laughs) I'm an 80s baby. Bruh. I don't know how many times I've watched the, like, Lauren, you obviously watched, like, the dance-along version that they air, right? And so you learn (laughs) all the dance moves. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had a giant pillow that had all their faces on it, and I like slept next to it every. <laughs> so I yeah, know- I have so much embarrassing High School Musical merch. It's not even funny. <laughs> Same with I was, I was a little oh, sorry. Go. Their first one filmed at a hotel, or not a hotel, a school in Utah. I know that. Yeah. And then the second one is where Zac Efron sings on the golf course and sings "Bet on It," right? Yes, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the high school for the third one. That is the extent of my high school musical knowledge. My prom theme was um, A Night to Remember. Oh, classic. From the third one. So good. Maybe that's an episode we'll do over this is, you know, Gina watches high school musical for the first time. That might have to be a Patreon bonus episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. They was are so- on Disney Plus, so. Yeah. So. Um, okay. All of our listeners know where to find Lauren, but just in case they don't, Lauren, tell everybody again where we can find you. Um, on Instagram at Lauren Freiling or Twitter at Ruzex Burgess and or the podcast with Jimmy at Everything But The Kitchen Sink Pod. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Jimmy is at Jimmy. On Twitter, he's Jimmy Nick. So J-I-M-M-A-Y Nick's. And then on Insta, it's just Jimmy, Nicks, just right? Jimmy Nicks. Yeah. But let's be real. If you're following us, you're following him. 
No. So get this, you guys. Next week, all three of us are going to be together. Yeah. I'm so excited. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to ATX Festival, you guys. Lauren has social anxiety for four days straight. That's what this week is. No, you're going to love it. It's going to be so much fun. Lauren, at this point, we will have seen the first episode of Manifest. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, Lauren's coming to her very first ATX Festival. We will be in Austin this time next week, living it up, having the time of our lives. Um, we're currently coordinating schedules, trying to see if we can record with friend of the pod, Emily Longretta. Um, if we make that happen, we will let you know. Otherwise, we will take the week off. But yeah, we'll be together. So just like keep an eye on our socials. And- well, my guess is even if we can make it happen, it won't be out Friday. My guess is it would come out the next week. Yeah, Probably, you're, gonna edit, you're not going to edit it that night. Because we're not going to edit it while we're there. No. So my guess is we're taking the next week off. And if we get to talk to Emily, it'll be the week after that. You guys yeah, will hear yeah. the week after that. Yep. So uh, keep an eye on all of our socials because we're going to have a great time. I can't wait. And I can't wait to see Lauren experience her very first one. I'm excited for my first time to go back to ETX Festival in four fucking years. It's going to be weird, Gina. For you, it's going to be weird. Four years. You're. It's going to be weird for you. <laughs> it's still going to be fun, but it's going to be weird for you because it was weird for us last year. Oh, I'm excited though. Um, yeah. So you guys, you know, the drill it's hiatus now, but stay in touch. We're around. We're always doing stuff. Um, yeah. You guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Seriously. It's hiatus. What else do we have to talk about? Literally nothing. Summer TV. Summer TV. Yeah. So hit up our inbox if you want to, it's all good. Um, follow us individually on socials or Twitter. What do I say? Twitter. It's been almost five hours. So Gina tired. Um, yeah. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina watches TV. Bryna. I'm at Bryna K 13. You guys, this was so much fun. I'm so glad that we did this. Shout out to Jimmy for joining us and us not scaring him away. I don't think we scared him away. I hope we didn't at least we'll see. We definitely did not scare him away. <laughs> no. um, and he's stuck with me. So He's stuck with all of us, whether he likes it or not. But yes, um, I adore you two to the moon and back. And I'm so glad that you guys are going to be with me next week here in person in Texas. I cannot wait to see you and hump the crap out of both of you. Even though I haven't seen you in a week, Lauren. Um, Too long. Yeah. So that's about all we got, guys. So yeah, um, get those feels out. Put the one Chicago down. Go enjoy your summer for a little bit. And we will talk to you guys next week. Okay. Bye.